This is what you would have done. You would have been like, all right. <laughs> like, I don't think you would have laughed. You would have gone, all right, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, most of the time, pranks in like a two-man, like you need an audience for pranks. That's why I want to tell the audience what it would have been. So that at the end I can go, all, all right. right. <laughs> That's yeah. definitely how you would have responded. Yeah, I, w I would have laughed at that, yeah. So this is what I was going to do. Are, are we recording? I can just tell you either way. Okay. We're, we're not recording, but I'll just tell we you. We are. Oh, okay. Uh, well, now that I know. Oh, God. Okay. Let's go. Uh, there's one more deleted scene on the Blu-rays. I didn't realize. Episode okay. 8 had one. It was like deleted scene. I was like, oh, my God. Okay. Let's check it out. Uh, I put it on. It's just three and a half minutes of landscape shots. Amazing. Yeah, with like the music is playing. I mean, bit. I know when it's deleted from. Yeah, it definitely when they have the landscape shots in episode eight, having watched the deleted scene, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the longer one. But it's also they have ones from like older episodes. So remember when I was like, maybe they built the, the cemetery set? Uh-huh. It looked, because they had it. It was cool, dude. It was like drone. You probably would be like, it's FPS drone, 60... 60 no, millimeter. No, it no. fucking sucks. Don't uh, fuck it, dude. <laughs> uh, that's not close to me. But they had like a, it's insulting that you think that's how I am. It was like a cool crane shot coming up the river from a different angle that showed much more of the grave side. Like almost where the that boat would have been. Uh-huh. You know? And it that's like tight. came up, you know, a sweeping shot overhead, you know, from that. So it was very cool. But there's like, it doesn't, it just says deleted scene. It doesn't describe it or anything. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, is fucking there anything in this at all? You know, but there, there's no dialogue or whatever. So I was like, that would be funny if I was like, yeah, I got another one. And I sent it to you. You watch it. And you're like, what the fuck? I'm supposed to clip this for a podcast. It's three and a half minutes of, of just ambient m music. I can see why you didn't do that. Right. <laughs> I think it would have been funny, man. You definitely would have watched it, right? All-time prank. Yeah, I would have watched I mean, I want to watch it now. It just sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as a setup, that's very... It's a prank setup. <laughs> You'd be like, what am I clipping? Classic prank. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Yeah. We can watch it. No, no. I mean, I like. I can. I can wait till I'm on my own time. Okay. That's okay. Well, I couldn't find the YouTube, so if you need the Blu-ray, let me know. Uh, pretty sure HBO Max has everything. It has the deleted scenes. That's tight. Because I know. Yeah, I know it has inside the episode. Yeah. Uh, my friend told me, and this is not going to be significant information for you, but uh, Rick and Morty, all the extras are on HBO Max. So I think that everything that there is extras, they put them on HBO they Max. A, like commentaries. Yeah. 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 I don't remember I seeing looked. the director's commentary, but that would be cool. I guess cool. I could look now, but I, I had yeah, been yeah. meaning to watch they those. honestly but should. Yeah, right? Like, like, if you fucking got it, like, in your HBO, like, yeah, I you, bet it's possible for you to pay for it. It's probably, no one, you know, it's like someone's got to be like, it's worth it to do it, or there's a reason, I don't know. <laughs> Excuse me. God bless you. Form and void. Form and void. <coughs> Form and void. 
that this brings us to a close, man. Let's just take a moment. Our last episode of True Detective Season One. It's yeah, been great, so man. I, you know, I mean, if you're not prepared for this, I, I don't know. I'm not, no, why start now? Well, I, mean, I was just saying, like, uh, we can talk about the episode, but I feel like there is, for the reasons I outlined previous, a little slightly less to talk about here. Like, you know, what are we going to say about the chase? You know, they're, one guy's running after the other. I mean, I, I got something to say. I think plenty to say, but it's like we are in the, you know, the tight bottom part of the spiral plot-wise, so it's like less is happening yeah, so I, yeah. you know, I think that it leaves some, uh, you know, time for general conclusions. But we can go through the episode before those. We can finally unwind a little. You <laughs> yeah, <know>? <laughs> <laughs> haven't had the opportunity so far. Now we'll get into it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. I mean, I got a clip. Uh, just you know, from the start. You want to play a clip from the start? Yeah, let's go. You want to make flowers today? Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. I have very important work to do. My oh God. ascension removes me from the disc in the loop. I'm near final stage. Some mornings, I can see the infernal plane. I didn't make you listen to the whole them having sex thing. It's no big deal. You probably have that one ready to go later. <laughs> As a classic prank. Jesus, a warning would have been good for nope, that because nope, that's nope. just the rough. Although I do. I mean, to most people, uh, obviously, like, but I'm just saying, like, if you're the kind of person who needs a warning for that, then, like, you haven't watched the show. And if you haven't watched the show, then that doesn't mean anything. Like, I've never heard that used outside of people who watch the show. It did get used constantly on the radio show that I worked on. Because it's such a useful, useful euphemism. Because people don't like it. Sound like you know to be like yeah, yeah I would dude, say ladies, would absolutely make flowers with her. If your man likes true detective ladies, just say it to him yeah. in that voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I do like that we are in the stage of the podcast where we can just be like flowers. Note that you know, like flowers have been. We've talked about it throughout the show. Like, there's a lot of, like, uh, you know, flower flower and female and women imagery. Last week, we argued over the significance of Maggie and the lady who knew about Carcosa having flower cardigans. But I was thinking, dude, uh, Maggie, cause, you know, because I saw my wife watched episode seven. Mm-hmm. After we recorded about it, I think. So I wish I had thought of this at the time. Okay. But when she came into the bar, she had a yellow shirt underneath, uh, which I feel like obviously very significant. I think you for, did say that. Oh, I did? I think. Yeah, man. Interesting. That was the point at which I started episode. thinking that this was a, you know, not not top shelf work. Well, like I said, I'm prepared for this episode. What themes of yellow that they've established throughout the show do you yellow think are reflective be. of Maggie? Well, for Rust, it's like connecting with a domestic life, you know, and a woman and maybe having kids, a mother. That's what yellow you know. means? Well, yeah, so the yellow king is the sun, right? The show's all about dualities, right? Like, what are things good or bad, right? So you got the yellow king, the sun. is good. Usually in this show, it's bad. 
but the show kind of is answering the question is it could it maybe be good uh and so you know i actually think that make flowers line is like hugely it is hugely loaded she's wearing flower gear but it's like disgusting you know so like she's yet another woman bedecked in like a microfloral pattern she acts girlish like creepishly like throughout the episode but she's old so she's like a crone acting fertile like in this weird way and the show is like begging the question what could come out of this you know but i actually do think it's interesting like when you know we definitely have talked a lot about how errol feels you know his absence of recognition from his own family and is like a grotesque reflection of their own grotesque evil i thought the uh british accents kind of uh establishing that right yeah i think it establishes a lot like a lot's going on with that too yeah yeah like i was just what like you know what is a british access accent supposed to denote sophistication i think would be one answer and so if he's you know i mean like he's in this fucking shit strewn half fallen down house with his fucking Mm -hmm. uh tortured dad out back like Mm -hmm. uh using a british accent it just like it it's it's like he's trying to treat it like it's some fucking country man. And I mean, obviously I know he's doing it cause he just saw it on the TV, but like, you know, why did the writer of the show put it, put that on the TV and then have him talking that way? I yeah, think it's yeah. because he's trying to say like, you know, this is a guy who thinks of himself as, you know, high class, one of the elites, the way that it's just like an HBO viewer. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's really... Also, the subtitles had the dialogue from what was on that TV. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And it was a guy being like... It's something where he's like, I have tickets to the theater. Don't, you know, this is an abduction. It's Or something. Like, it was juxtaposing the idea of, like, being entertained by an abduction. And it's like, but that is what this is. And then I also found it interesting, like, in the scene that I spoiled for you or before it, like, Mm -hmm. with Gracie, where they're like, why are you showing me this, you know? And how Russ has become, like, this basically violent agent of depravity by, like, forcing people to see what they would rather not see. It's, like, it's kind of a meta question about why make this show at all? Why are we watching it? And it, like... That's interesting, yeah. It, like... It is another interesting use of like fishing imagery. Like it like uses the fishing poles in the boat, like in the shot of like, is that what actually hooks us in? You know? Uh, and then it's like, it juxtaposes that with this freak who is watching like old timey, like you said, like sophisticated coded entertainment and able to reproduce it. But then also like, you know, the dude does contain, like, he's all evil, but he has, like, surface magnitudes. Like, he, like, uh, he has a lot of bits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a lot of voices. Uh, and, like, when he asks about his grandfather, he sounds like a, you know, Arsler. Huh? Like, when he's like, can you tell me about grandpa? You know, like, it's not really British at that point. It's, like, weird. Yeah, and he uh, switches it to Irish. I feel whenever he's like when he's like making up fun on of my him. lap. Yeah, he, yeah, he definitely. Laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he talks to the cops at the end of seven, he, it's just a regular Southern guy. Yeah, like yeah a yeah. slow Southerner. Yeah, 
which is I think kind that's of, his regular voice. Yeah, that's how he talks to the teacher a little bit too. It's almost yeah. childlike too. Like, oh no, sir, you know. Uh, anyway, it's uh, so I think uh, it is interesting. It's like the. Why is this entertaining? What does it say about us that the answer is clearly yes? We're watching episode eight. Uh, like there is an interesting. It's not an indictment, I think, because got you know, Pizzolatto made it. But I think it, the juxtaposition of the squalor of their house, him posing as like this refined gentleman, which actually is only coded as high class because the British Empire was like the most brutal of all time you know, when in the era that is being depicted or maybe in its waning days, just like his family is, you know what I mean? Like, it's like they, the David Tuttle are the British people of Louisiana. Uh, and he's like their grotesque off, offspring. Sure. Uh, but anyway, I think the flower stuff does like work. Like, you know, he's like, do you smell the flowers, you know, to the dog while they're fucking, uh, she's coded as flowers but she's like, you know, a victim too. She, her recollection of being raped by her grandfather, what she actually recalls is the ground and the warmth beneath it, which weirdly echoes what Russ's experience at the end of the episode. Yeah. You know, uh, so it is like, a, you know, I think it, it's, the show is so loaded at this point that it, it, there's still a lot to talk about, but like, there's a lot of stuff. So anyway, I think with Russ, like the sun is what grows flowers. What, like, it's like sun, the sun, the land and the water are like the elemental, you know, and most creation myths. That's what's fucking being tossed around. And the show plays with them all and Louisiana lets them because the landscape itself is porous, you know, in all of those regards. I was thinking about your uh, revelation that they had included like intentional horticultural choices as part of the set design. Fucking cool, yeah. This had to be like primarily what they were talking about. Like they really took it to another level with this episode. I think so. I think I read that the 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 Carcosa, you know, like the 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 Maisie. Aerial yeah, I happened to be. I I fell behind on uh, listening to us, uh-huh. the uh, masturbatory listening experience that we were, were going on, um, and so I had just this week, like right before watching the episode, it's more heard of a circle jerk. Uh, Charlie Lang's description of Carcosa, and that's obviously it. It's exactly what he described. Whoa, what does he say? I don't remember. Just like stones in the woods, like interesting. Just, he, you know, I, yeah, just. Uh, the first time I watched the show, I was a little bit like, okay, I guess that's Carcosa. I'm not sure what I was expecting, but it wasn't exactly that. Like, I was a little confused by the, like, I was like, is that just a complex behind his house? What's going on? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the the primary thing that I recall him saying is stones in the woods. I kind of meant to go and cut it off so I could play it again to make the point here, but. That's another, you know, didn't he's have another time. fun character to just repeat around the house. Like, yeah. He says something where it's he like it up on the mixes. Yeah, like when he's like, like she could duck hunt with a rake. <laughs> yeah. Like she's high. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. some guys like, you know, like rip a few too many bong hits. I'll just be like, I'm um, high, yeah. Someone emailed me 
And uh, the primary purpose of the email was critiquing uh, pronunciations of words, which, you know. Bro, fucking, we have many corrections, but go on. I don't care. I, I um, actually do want to issue some because the, I think uh, they're relevant. The other one was to let me know that uh, short eyes is widely accepted prison slang for uh, pedophilia. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, listener. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what were the pronoun? Do you remember any? Uh, gesturing. Interesting. I've let that one go with you. I don't care. I view that as part of your charm. Did I say it right that time or no? I think you said it right this time. Okay. Or the, the, Gesturing. The, yeah, that's the widely accepted way. But, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever. I think uh, it's like... Uh, there's there's any, a lot of words I don't pronounce right. I, I, it doesn't... Like, it just... One way that people kind of, like, hand wave that away, I think it goes both ways because it's like, you can talk about the way... A way to look at it that I think is helpful is like it definitely means that this person just has read this word. Like, obviously they yeah. know if they're deploying it accurately, but pronouncing it inaccurately, they've read it, but they haven't heard it. So I'm sure I have heard at some point. In my gesture life. you've heard. Dude, but, dude, uh, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like in general, but it's like the reason it still feels a little bit like you, you know, like a, an attack is because pronouncing words right is like a code for cultural capital i would say and i uh, like in a pointless way to me right like if if you understand the meaning when you hear someone mispronounce a word like in the way we're describing like if i were doing it um i mean i would my my hope would be that i wouldn't have a reaction it would probably be pretty tied up in what i thought about the person right um but uh, you know yeah to if my conscious mind were the one in control i would think uh you know it doesn't matter. Like if I, if I understand the meaning, it's like, it's, you know, I, I think it goes both ways. I mean, I, I like the way you think and I try to think that way. And also if you want to get something out of the conversation, that's the way to think you can just note it and move on. Like if you notice it, you can just move on. But it's like, are you going to correct your kid when she mispronounces words? I think most parents will. That seems different, right? Because yeah, I'm you, I'm in a role where I'm teaching her. I don't think that random to, strangers to it, are right. like bear a burden for teaching me. No, I know, and it all even further feels like a like kind of like all right, man. You know, like, not I, this I'm listener. sure this guy he wrote in because he listened to the podcast. Now he's yeah, probably no, hearing I, this, I, and now I'm going on about it like way too long. And you know, I, I well, appreciate me, the short eyes thing. I I, my, I'm not actually that. Can mad. I do my corrections? Distracted. Okay, number one. I think I've been saying Alistair Crowley, uh, okay. but I think it's Crowley because I've right. been listening to some podcasts where that's how they're saying it. So I just think that reflects well on me as a Christian. Mm-hmm. I've clearly mm-hmm. not been associating with these degenerates. I mean, uh, you know, Crowley Park in Plano is how I always have. How does the town in Louisiana that? pronounce it? I don't know. Because that is on in the map in the office. Okay. It just says Crowley on the side which is like got to be a shout out. Sure. And then that brings me to another cool thing about the episode, you know, the minister deleted scene is his character's name, you know, Therio, Terio, whatever. That's mm-hmm. his last name. That is either itself or a derivative of a pseudonym that Alistair Crowley used. And the minister, when he crosses himself, what are they trying to say there? Does it backwards. It's just an interesting, 
no way they're unaware of that. It's a deliberate name once you realize that. And then Crowley's like that big in the map in the last episode. Occult stuff. He's the but leading what's wrong occult. with the minister? Like, Nothing's I, wrong with him, dude. You think, think that the... like, But just if you're including that, then the, an, the question is why. The answer that I would first come to is you're trying to convey that the minister is a Satanist. And it doesn't seem to me like the minister is a Satanist. So, you know, whatever. I don't know. Well, exactly. I think like the show plays with a lot of like dualities and where does the truth lie and who speaks it. And because the minister doesn't actually apply it. Like what path is he actually on? We know where it takes him. But is that just part of his journey too? You know, it's hard to tell. But it's interesting. I'm just saying it's like a thing I didn't, we didn't. It just you know, seemed to me, I mean, maybe, maybe they deleted the scene for reasons other than like, uh, you know, tight narrative <laughs> storytelling. Maybe they wanted to take the minister in a different direction. Um, but, you know, the deleted scene to me. Well, I got another point on that. Okay. Let's just put, let's put a pin in it. Let's go. On. Um, was, uh, you know, it's the guy's making great point after great point. Yeah. And so that's that's why I remain uh, frustrated that the great point maker is later shown as uh, fallen. You know, whatever. If your point is that all of us can, then I all right, I guess. But like, yeah. I was hoping to hear something specific about this guy. You know what I mean? Well, I think maybe there's something to be said if you look at him and Rust in parallel and at, allow each other to fill in gaps in maybe their shadow selves. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I think that I was less uh, frustrated whenever I was thinking about like how he mirrors Rust. You know, like it's yeah. not like they were trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I made this point in the episode, but like, you know, he's he's got a set of convictions that he later comes to no longer be convicted in. Rust also has a set of convictions he later becomes no longer be convict, convicted in, but they're the opposite set of convictions. So it's not like the show is attempting to make a point that either of them are expressly wrong. Like they both go on a journey where they realize things they didn't learn before. Sure, definitely. Well, I think that, and that maybe brings up the point of him having the, the Satanist alias name, but speaking the truth, but, you know, it doesn't quote unquote save him in the end um you know it's, it's it's interesting you can just make fun of something by being like yeah i get it everything's either good or bad but maybe both but it's like great art just you plays with that yeah 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 well that that drill tweet is becoming a thought terminating cliche in my uh, estimation i've heard it used on podcasts by people who are self-described as uncreative to just sort of hand wave away people who are interested in actually thinking about whether things are good and bad in specific contexts. Well, I don't care about how the random people you've heard in podcasts but use I, it. But you are a thoughtful person, so I'm just letting you know as a fellow thoughtful person. If my I read, spent the rest of my life meditating on that tweet, God it would be a bro. life well That's spent. That's great, bro. Now, let me just be clear. My observation is about the waters we are both swimming in, not about what kind of fish you are. You know what I'm saying? I'm just letting you know there are people out there deploying it as a thought-terminating cliche, uh, where it's like drill covers a lot of uh, intellectual laziness by just being like, well, it's like drill. Not you. Dude, I'm not saying you. Uh but, well, you're not talking to them. But this is my public platform. It's only it's one a, person in the room. It's a shared public platform. Uh, I know it's a small audience to the big ballers, but it's important to me, and I want them to know. 
Uh, but not the way you were using it just there. Like, you know, you were just referencing it. I, and we've done that many times. I've done it on this podcast many times myself. That's why when I heard it on this other podcast that I'm not going to get into, because we're here to talk about True Detective, uh, I was like, God damn it, you know? And it just reminds me of that. Number two, okay, another correction. Uh, it is not in the title theme song. I at least, I believed, and I think I've said, and I can't remember where you stood, or if you just let it go, if you think otherwise, but I thought in the title song it said, Hidden in the Branches of the Poisoned Creole Soul. That's exactly what I thought. That's not it, apparently. Okay. According to Genius and all that, it's Hidden in the Branches of the poison. One word is the name of like a desert plant, creosote. That makes more sense because I believe when we did discuss this, I was confused why Mesa and Creole were so near each other. You were. Whereas Mesa and a, a desert plant, that makes total sense. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, so there we go. Uh, and then with deleted scenes, they're not just throwing deleted scenes on there. So I, they, in the commentary, said they cut for length reasons. The Rust's romantic flame out with whatever her name is, you know, his bae. Okay. Uh, and that was a deleted scene that, from what I could infer from, like, old Reddit posts or old media coverage, like, when the show was airing, that deleted scene was available online. Uh, and it's, But it's, you can't find it now? Mm -mm, and it's not on the Blu-ray. So all, the reason I bring that up is just to say they, it is not just that they put deleted scenes as extras on the Blu-ray. Like they were thoughtful enough to be like this one, but not that one. So I do think the minister one is more important. Like it, it, it's getting at a lot. Dude. I mean, it's possible that, or it's possible that like they'd hit the data limit on the discs and didn't want to print an extra disc. Yeah, I don't think so, though, because it's pretty easy to do, just do a few more minutes, and it's only like, uh, let me think. That would have been like... I'm more trying to say that the whole thing is sufficiently complex that let's not be positive you, about... Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying they, without a doubt, were selective in what deleted scenes they put on there for whatever reason, whether it's data limitations, although... They were on different discs because that would have been a deleted scene from episode six or maybe seven, but I think six, right? Isn't that when Russ quit? That disc had no deleted scenes at all, but it did have three episodes. So I don't know if three hours or, you know, a little under three hours of content and two not, audio commentaries. Is my precise much. point is I'm not prepared to say without a doubt with regards to anything about the composition of the Blu-ray package. You don't think that they made choices about including some but not all deleted scenes? I'm factually? saying that the making of those choices is an entirely... Well, I'm just trying to establish that the choices were in fact made. And then the point is to then discuss why they might have been made. But I feel like I'm getting a lot of resistance on whether or not they were made at all. And I'm scratching my head. Yeah, I don't, you know, if it, I... Continue to recommend that if I have a position that makes sense to you or that doesn't make any sense, maybe just consider that that's not actually my position. Okay. Well, I'll turn the floor back over to you, Senator. No, you got more corrections? Uh, none that will land on the audience in this room. <laughs> okay.
Okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> I'm trying to do a podcast. Let's if, go, bro. If I can't say what I actually think, then fine. I agree. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? No, no, no. I mean, let's get back to it. It's, it's no big deal. Uh, I don't even remember why uh, on the deleted scene I brought that up, except to say, oh, because you were like, I thought it was important, and I was saying, I think it is, because they obviously thought it was more important uh, when they had to choose between at least two, that one got the slot on the Blu-ray. Uh, and that was the predicate that I felt like became a bottleneck conversationally. So I'm willing to move on, even if the bottle breaks. Yeah, no, my just my point about that is, is that the reasons that they would make those decisions, like, you know, it could just be that, like, one was, like, longer than the other. You know, like, it trying to say that there's a significance to it it's definitely possible there's a significance to it i don't feel confident that i know well, i think the ministers was longer i mean judging by the, like the variety article from 2014 about it okay because they, it only quoted like three lines of dialogue and it but it described it as longer it was like but it was uh i think it was like two minutes maybe 90 seconds i can't really remember anyway my point is it's like you know filing a legal brief right the court says you only get five pages you have six pages of arguments. That's a logistical limitation on how many arguments you can decide. They it's, really do that? Of course. That's a bad and idea. It's not random what gets left on the cutting room floor. You know what I mean? And so, like, uh, and then if you get an appendix where they're like, include one more argument, but not both of the ones you have left, it's not random. Just that's as an academic man. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, that's all I'm saying. Okay. It's like, even if there are logistical constraints that are, you know, circumscribing what you've done, it's still not random. That's I'm all. just making an Alex point, which I Go feel on. like you should uh, be excited to hear. Now that you've described it that way, I'm primed. <laughs> that, uh, that, you know, uh, a lot of uncertainty, we should never feel confident. Right, but I do feel confident factually. That like you're saying that it, it must be like this uh, legal brief thing, and I'm just saying this is a different situation than legal no. briefs. They could be making the decisions right. for different reasons. Right, but I'm still saying they made the decisions that they did. I would be interested in what your reasons are, and you keep, you know, in the 1950s sense, autistically relating only to the logistical aspects. And I'm saying, yes, that it obviously has happened we can infer a causation there and almost apply a theory of mind to the creators of the show and in doing so learn about ourselves maybe even. And so why do you think they did include the minister and not rust breaking up with the woman? Would you like to know the lines of dialogue that appear to have been in the deleted scene? Uh, or yeah, would you yeah. like to move on like I tried to do two minutes ago? I can tell you my theory of why the minister's scene is more important than a deleted scene that I still haven't watched because the, the people who put together the Blu-ray in the factual universe that we inhabit did in fact decide to prioritize the minister and not Here's the other Here's another scene. point, though. Yes. All this is like a... <laughs> you know, just I mean, I, I obviously this is not none of this is important to understanding the show, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I think it is important to understanding life. So listen up, folks. Mm -hmm. Um, just uh, here's here's a point: the person putting together the Blu-ray, uh, could just be some fucking like uh, you know, recently promoted from intern at HBO. Like, how do we know that they actually like thought that this was a high level task and like this person was just like this part it rips. 
This other one doesn't rip. Putting one in. Yeah, that seems highly unlikely to me. But it's possible though. And yeah, you know, just I suppose. Six, just gestures to the uh, fucking mystery of the universe. It seems like the people who make the show and the people who make HBO uh, in general and help it run, at least when it's running well, part of the well-oiled machine is helping creators be comfortable creating, which includes making them confident that like that machine will execute their vision. And that's what I'm saying. I think the minister as a deleted scene is part of the vision, as is the Blu-ray package, as are the commentaries, as is this last deleted scene, the three minutes of landscape shots. That, <laughs> that's another one. They included three minutes of landscape shots, but not this other one with, you know, Russ's girlfriend, which they did mention on a commentary, but again, could have included on that same disc, but didn't. That's what I'm saying. I think it was kind of redundant. Uh, it was Russ. She and Russ were apparently having an argument over children, and she was taking it personally, his antinatalist stance. And he was saying, it's not you. I decided after my daughter I wouldn't ever have children with anybody. So, well, that's bullshit. Well, it's a pretty polarizing stance. I can see how even for an edgy HBO audience, people, it's a... You know, a lot of people respond poorly to people with that stance. Um, actually, um, I'd like to back off saying it's bullshit. <laughs> okay. I mean, I understand why people feel that way. I'm a father. I don't feel that way. Uh, and I'm glad other people don't. I'm almost a little bit of a speciesist. Maybe that would be my great shame historically. But I think that for Russ, from Russ's perspective, it seems more bullshit. Like, I think that there's reasons that you could have for not wanting to have kids. Right. Where I would not have the response that I just did. But, like, you know, I mean, like, obviously, we, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not confident enough to really articulate. Well, no, I think you're right. I think the point. show's kind of getting on his journey away from that position. Whether the show leaves him having, you know, felt the love that underlies everything, you know, in his new way of looking at life uh, in a position to like fall in love and have children again. Yeah. I think that's an open question. Something tells me it won't be entirely smooth sailing. Uh, yeah. And you know, it's also like the thing that uh, causes this change of heart. Like, cause my point would be that like, there is a hypothetical person who like is able to like go on this journey with him and make him feel sufficiently comfortable where he would be willing to but okay but but that's not what happens in the show it's not that like he meets a great gal and uh, like he fucking has a near-death experience where like he like through his perception like goes through the afterlife like you know so me being like well if you read the right lady uh you know it's it's not like that's uh facts not found in evidence like what happened is he fucking nearly died like that's not the same thing so that's, that was what I was going through in my head, arguing with myself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it was a much more of a metaphysical reorienting, you know, in terms of his worldview than like, he's not opening a Match.com profile. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Maybe I so, missed your point. In the, what? All right, maybe not. Anyway, dude, I think the yellow actually, remember in the first scene, he brought those wilting flowers to like the Marty's house. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the sun is wh- how the flowers grow, but all that's evil to rust. And we had the, the lattice work is like the, the 
hidden, you know, crack in the universe. That was under the Carcosa lady. Then Maggie, who is like the poison of his own need for warmth as well as his lust. Uh, you know, that's underlying flowers for her. Then in this episode, they drive up to the Renaissance nursing home and the lady they talk to is for the first time, at least from what I remember on a like macro pattern level, I'm sure there have been girls wearing micro florals on top of each other in the show before here, but she's killing it with flowers. She got flower cardigan over flower blouse or -hmm. dress or something. And I thought that was interesting. It's like, uh, you know, flowers bloom and die, but it's like the beauty is the point. And, you know, the world has darkness and light, but like the love is the point according to some conceptions. And, you know, Russ's rebirth was seeing that, you know, really it's the love beneath it all. And I found it was interesting, like the Renaissance lady is, you know, from the episode before with these juxtaposed symbols underneath the flower, you know, she's flowers underneath it. And she was a nice lady, dude. I mean, yeah, who you know? provided them with the answer for the yeah. yeah and and like was the mouthpiece for finally bringing home what we've talked about before about whether death and taxes are associated, you know, she kind of when they're sure. like, did he ever pay his taxes? She was like, yes, but he died, yeah, you know, yeah, like uh, pretty cool, it's a good point, yeah, no, I definitely uh noted the Renaissance thing, yeah, 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 it seemed uh significant i feel like this this is the kind of show it's got you reading signs you know like it's like there's a lot going i don't know it's pretty cool to think about did you read the fucking gossip rags this week about true detective no i don't even know if i should dignify this shit okay i probably will at some point seems like a bit of a (laughs) i'm trying to bit of a tease i am dude i'm being a coquettish yeah (laughs) do you want to say what yeah of course i do uh, I mean, I thought this, I'm such a keen observer of human nature. I did notice this, but I didn't <laughs> say it because I thought it was, uh, you know, the borderline personality trait of, uh, sowing dissension in social groups. Like I, I was like, I don't want to contribute to that energy, but I did notice that like, first of all, Pizzolatto just is a creator. Like he's, uh, he's, he's not really apologetic about being like, he quit that show, the killing which that's on the correction list. Whatever I said earlier, everything I said about it was wrong. Maggie was not in it. Uh, whatever else I thought said about it was wrong. Someone told me she all is this. in uh, Mystic River, which I, I oh did shit, like Mystic River. Who is she in that? Right, I think it's one of the oh, that's cool, man. One of those Boston movies. One of the ladies from Mystic River gave the speech at UT when I graduated, like the main campus speech. And she, cause she was like, like she was a a graduate of the drama school and she was, you know, it was a pretty regular speech, but I remember being like, what else is she, you know, she was in Mystic River. She was the lady that was married to Tim Robbins. She sold out Tim Robbins, uh, to Sean Penn basically and got Tim Robbins killed. Cause she was like, I think he did kill your daughter. Emily Rossum. No, I don't think so. Oh, well, she's a top build cast in Mystic River. No, it's it's some, it's not Moynihan, but Bridget Moynihan, is that a... Bridget Moynihan is definitely a person. <laughs> I don't think that's her, though. This lady is like, she's brunette. She's probably 50 now. Uh, you know, she's old enough to have been Tim Robbins' wife in 2003. Uh, so is his wife 
So yeah. I can just look for the last name Boyle in the cast of Oh, Marsha Gay Harden. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets a good speech. <laughs> I watched it with she my family. She was in family. The Mist. You seen The Mist? Mm-mm. Oh, that movie fucking rocks. All right. Probably she had a lot to do with that. That's the Longhorn creative spirit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in Sin City. I think I might be wrong about whether or not it was Mystic River. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was completely wrong about all that shit with the killing, but, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. But one thing he did say was he was like, I d- he said Batman is the only character he would ever want to write for that he didn't create after that. Like, he's not interested in Yeah, being... I was thinking of Gone Baby Gone. That's a different Boston movie. Uh, that's like the knockoff Mystic River. So we agree it's uh, easy to make that mistake. Of course. Like, I think it's the same writer. The novels are the same guy. Get a different idea, bud. <laughs> yeah. Jesus sure. fucking Christ. <laughs> I've never seen Gone Baby. I've read Gone Baby Gone, but I haven't seen it. I It didn't leave me. I liked it. I liked uh, I like That guy's a good writer. I liked it until I learned about the allegations against Casey Affleck, and then I took a moral stand. Yeah, that he got weird asking a woman if she wanted to have sex with him. Yeah, dude. Uh, whatever. How did that I, what I don't know did? why I waded into that. I well, didn't I gonna, eventually, we it. have to watch. I'm still here, so it would probably would come up. But I think yeah, I just revealed yeah, yeah. my stance, which is like, he's a good example of the dangers of it can get weird when you ask to have sex with a woman, and and sometimes, you know, it just goes wrong. I guess certainly, like no one was would it describe. during the making of that. Yeah, I guess that adds to the trouble dynamic, the problematic dynamic, if that's true. But at the same time, dude, don't I even don't, I don't remember. I'm at, like, I, I think so. I'm, like, it was definitely in the commission of making some film, right? Like, she was, like, working. Yeah, I think that's right. And, I, dude, I can speak as a employment lawyer for entertainment and production yeah, companies. What, what, how I does, would say under no circumstances should you be doing that. But I would also say if we were having, and this is not a conversation I've had in the entirety, I'm not speaking about actual clients, obviously, mm-hmm. but if you ran a production company and you came to me under the cloak of attorney-client privilege and you said to me, like, yo, the director had a thing going for a production assistant, he read the signals wrong after a boozy night, I, this is lit- I would just be like, do you want to hear from me, you know? A lecture about this is why those are to be avoided you know i mean i'm not really interested in giving that because it is what this kind the kind of people that self-select for that industry like are more impulsive they're in a, some ways self-marginalizing uh in some ways looking you know what art is about, i don't know it's like it's just a, it is a different culture Part of the law is making that uniform so that you can get paid in any kind of employment without having to bend to a culture that goes outside of very basic rules that we've set. You know what I mean? It's not like Casey Affleck was saying racial slurs or something. You know, while he was just misreading, and that's the risk. That's what I would tell anybody in that situation. You have to be triple, triple sure if you are the boss, especially if you're a dude. Uh, and you're making a move. But if you're a woman and you are too, like you just, because the the other person really can't meaningfully consent in the way they say people in jail can't. Where it's like, that's true, but the current social code doesn't actually treat it like that. And the other thing is like, 
Yeah, you can say people are victims of their culture, but that's one of my things with age gap relationships where it starts get, getting weird to me that a bunch of 40-year-olds want to tell younger people what to do with themselves. I realize that as a Noah Berlatsky point about parents and their children. You know what I mean? I also realize that women can have bad experiences when they're younger, grow up and have a different perspective and be like, that's fucked up and want to share that perspective from their view to save people from that pain. You know, they can probably recall ignoring the women who tried to do that to them when they were that age. I will say, uh, you know, what the I mean? Noah Berlatsky stuff. Like, uh, I, I feel like it puts me in a weird spot because I know <laughs> that the arguments that he's making are the arguments made by like the fret. Like it's, it's the classic move by the let's abolish all age of consent laws. People, of course. But like the, yeah, yeah. But well, I mean, like, if you're maybe, ant- yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Maybe I'm uh, like, uh, you know, um, being too ready to, like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not hearing what he's actually saying and I'm just hearing what I would say, but like, it all feels like stuff that I would say, like coming out of our experience. Like, I think it is incredibly fucked up the amount of control that adults have over children because I've seen the way it's abused and it's had an effect on me. And so I hope that everyone realizes the dangers there because the people in control of me didn't and it's affected my life in a permanent way. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I don't think it was worse than a, a random dice roll in the foster system. Like... Okay. I'm just saying, like, the family is still... I don't think anything last... what I said was that uh, the foster system is ideal. <laughs> like, True. what do you mean? Well, may I continue? I'm just... I think you were saying that in the service of the point that you're ambivalent about condemning the pro-predophilia spokesman Noah Berlatsky's skepticism of parental control or his adoption of the rhetoric of skepticism of parental control over children's bodily autonomy, you know, as they like to put it, basically. Uh, I would say two things. Number one, he's adopting that rhetoric because it's basically become mainstream at this point, and he knows that. I mean, he's adopted rhetoric because he's like, you know, a minor attracted person at minimum, right? It seems to be. He certainly, it's, they need to make up Noah Berlatsky disease if he's not, and he's somehow okay just parroting this shit. It's not, go work for fucking Blackwater and do PR for them. That is less evil if you just want to be an amoral spokesman for something. Mm -hmm. He clearly believes... He's taking wild heat for this. Unless he also just... Have you seen that <laughs> that meme of that guy in France? There's like a feminist protest and he somehow like tied himself to the railing in front of them. He's the only man in the shot and there's just like thousands of angry women like screaming at him. <laughs> like just, you know, like blowing air horns in his face and shit. And it's like, that guy's going to jerk off later. Like for sure. Like there's something like weird going on. Where he's just into getting heat like that. I feel like that motivates stand-up comedy in some ways. You know what I mean? It's like a... No, I do not know what you mean. I feel like a lot of stand-up comedy is motivated in some ways by like a controlled variation of a humiliation fetish. 
where you're like, I have all this shame and all this weird stuff and thoughts and I'm going to make people listen to it and even celebrate me for it so I can control like these worst parts about myself. Uh, it, it seems to, there seems to be something going on there. Uh, you I'm don't not think the they person. just want to make people laugh? No. <laughs> I, I definitely don't, dude. There's six sad people, dude, for sure. Uh, but, you know, God bless them. Um, well, I've anyway. thought of it as the best medicine. Laughter? Mm-hmm. For sure. For mm-hmm. sure. Uh, <laughs> very true, dude. But the clown cries his, his tears. So uh, Errol's given himself, like, uh, some tattoos, right? He's got or the... did he get them in rituals, dude? That, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, like, yeah. That's uh, intri- yeah, that's probably, you're probably right about that. Yeah, I wonder, or a mix, maybe. Because, I mean, the one, the spiral, I they guess that would be, that, like, right? literally difficult to get to. And Reggie had that for sure. I don't know if Duval did. Yeah, Reggie but, did, and yeah. And it's, yeah. it's a brand. No one had the brand. Like, he gave the girl, Dora Lang had a tattoo. Yeah. But Reggie and Errol have a brand. Yeah, yeah. Which is, like, and he clearly hates his dad. Like, he's going, <laughs> that's Do like, you think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Like, he worships his grandfather, but he his dad, he's, like, ejected his dad. He had the locked room of his father. He almost, it's like the fetishization of control in an allegory like you know if locked if your locked room is your consciousness he thinks he has the law giving father locked down and he's being like his supernatural grandfather you know what i mean like his grandfather's a a figure of adulation and idolatry and worship his actual father is like he's punking him you know for whatever happened to him it's it's unclear yeah i Uh, mean you know that that just uh yeah i um like I, I, I fall so naturally into that. It didn't even really occur to me Wait, to like. What? Uh, what? No, I, I've so. never fucking tortured anyone. <laughs> yeah, I but just that. like you know, the the, the parents are the ones uh, putting like the you know the rules down. The grandparents oh, yeah, are just yeah, like yeah, sitting yeah. around being awesome for sure. Uh, loving your grandparents while having a complicated relationship with your parents seems it's like the, the default. It's like the sacrifice you make as a parent. I like. Can you imagine? At least for my parents. You know, obviously we had conflict growing up. You know, we have a back catalog to talk about some of that if anyone's interested. But like my kids, I just, or my kid, I just want her to, uh, you know, be happy when she sees her grandparent. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah what the fuck? Course. You know what I mean? Like it, I get oh, it. I mean, it's more complicated than that. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. And it's like, if, if they're watching the kid, you have to make sure you're aligned on how that goes. Yep, it's complicated. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm not in that position, really. Um, and just like, uh, you know, I mean, I just, I can see it play out because like, um, you know, my dad would say stuff about his mother-in-law that like, you know, we just had different experiences with her. So like, I, I oh, don't really? think that she's ever did anything wrong in my entire life. I think she's the most perfect person ever been born. Uh-huh. And, you know, he would occasionally like be, I mean, like, not mean, but like, you know, he, he had some criticisms Interesting. and, uh, I, I do wonder about like, I, that, that bothers me because I, I think that probably the ideal situation is one where like, cause it's, it's not like whenever he leveled those criticisms that I was like, you know what, maybe he's got a point, 
You know, yeah, I was how like, did it make you feel? <laughs> well, I mean, like, I wasn't, I just didn't agree. You know, like, I wasn't, I wasn't like mad. It wasn't like that difficult yeah. or threatening. But like, uh, you know, it's it's just like, well, that's not how I see it, which is okay. People can have different perspectives, right? Um, but like, so it's it if, if that same experience happens, you know, where like uh, my daughter is like, grandma's awesome, and I'm like, well, actually, I've got some points to make. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the ideal, like, based on my experience, the ideal situation is one in which, like, she doesn't understand my opinion and, like, I don't attempt to be heard about it, but that's not something I'm very good at doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think your instincts are leading you in the right direction here. I agree with everything you said. So I, it's a conclusion. difficult situation to resolve. <laughs> yeah. I think you will have difficulty, but I think you're right. About I hope I mature before I get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking it's like little things come out here and there. Like uh, my parents basically presented a pretty positive front. No one talks shit on the in-laws, really. Like I didn't really get in-law He was humor. never talking shit. He, I'm not saying, I, yeah, 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 sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm being well, No, defensive. I think that's a worth a meaningful clarification to make. I'm not trying to say that that's what your dad was doing. You didn't say that either. Uh, I didn't really get in-law humor. You know, like you see on TV, mm-hmm. in-law-based humor. I, I, that's how I kind of figured out that was a thing. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I guess people don't like their mothers and, you know, their wives' mothers a lot or whatever. Mothers don't like their f- their husbands' mothers. Wives don't like their husbands' mothers. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Raymond mom, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of relationship. But I feel like it could like, leak out if your kid is like, well, you know, Nana says this, and you're just like, well, Nana doesn't know everything. You know what I mean? Like, just little comments where the kids are like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Dad doesn't always like Nana. You know what I mean? Or like something like that. Yeah, I I just, I'm going to need to watch myself on it, and I doubt that I'm going to do too well. I think you'll do better having made that observation than you would have having not, and you seem to have looked it square in the eye. You know what I mean? You're not running from it. So that's good. Yeah. It doesn't damage your ego to admit that about yourself and i i think that bodes well for your (laughs) the united front you present to your daughter anyway do you uh, do you have any thoughts about the uh the paintings on the side of the dad shed yeah i mean i don't remember exactly what's what i think again it's like it's definitely kids with antlers it's like you got antlers you got black stars you got you know that that, those are the big dogs i think Mm -hmm. uh yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool. Like, the writing on the wall. This was the first time where the writing is like, it's not, don't even pause it, dude. It's, you know, it's yeah, what yeah, you yeah. think. It's Carcosa. It's blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's just like, we're in the mist now. Like, it's... It's too dense. Yeah, it's like, everything is like, yeah. I mean, it was like literally too dense to read, you know? Like, it's written yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was really well done. Oh, that was the gossip I was saying. Like, uh, I think in the lead up to the Bond movie... Carrie Joe Fukunaga is directing it or mm-hmm. directed it. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. I also uh, am sure of that. I actually didn't read the article, but it was discussed on the Reddit. Uh, and I saw them a lot of, you know, I love the good points I've read on the Reddit and I've cited some of them, you know, but a lot of the people, some of them I, I think could think a little more. It's weird that they're posting about a show 10 years later and they have thought so little about it, apparently. Uh, and so maybe they just hadn't seen it for 10 years. 
Could be. At I which mean, point it would it would indicate that else? they haven't that it's not a big priority for them. They Why just are they like, posting about it? Finally, I mean, so, you know, some people, Reddit users, for example, are just <laughs> fucking thought comes into their head. They got to put it on there. Yeah, I guess so. Well, they were really not excited really about thought, this sometimes because they thought the this news story confirms that season two sucks, which I think is a wrong premise in the first place, but. They're basically, so Carrie Joe apparently said something in an interview where he was like, if, putting it charitably, he appears to have said something like, the show was Nick Pizzolatto's. Like, it was very clear. I thought we were going to be like a 50-50 partnership, but it was very clear we were executing his vision. And that was like kind of disheartening to me because, you know, I like to execute my vision, basically. Mm-hmm. Like... Pretty understandable, makes sense. And they did market the first season as a 50-50, basically. You think so? At the time, I, that's what my memory is, yeah. I left with the impression that, of what Carrie Joe just described. I think by the end of it, well, especially there was so much controversy and Pizzolatto spoke more publicly about it. So as the show got covered more, I felt like Pizzolatto became more famous. But at the time, he was not famous at all. And Carrie Joe was, of the two, relatively more famous. Plus, it's rare to have a single director attached for a whole HBO series. And he's good enough that the name would, they would use the name for marketing. Certainly in press releases and shit. Because he did the good Pride and Prejudice that everybody liked. I remember like that, that was his big, not you. (laughs) But a lot of people liked it. Like people who, you know, I just remember that. You know, the inside the episode, everyone is Nick Pizzolatto and Carrie Joe together. But not together. That's what I'm saying. I noticed inside the episode, they never talk together. And then on the director's commentary or, you know, on the Blu-ray commentary, there's never any Carrie Joe. And then I noticed like Pizzolatto, we've joked about it, how he's like, well, if you think about it, really, the landscapes are the third lead. Uh, T-Bone is also the third lead with the music. And he says on one of the commentaries, he's like, anything with the way this is shot, with, with the way this is lit, it's all uh, Adam Arkapaw, the our director of photography. He's really the, the third or fourth lead. <laughs> like, he, he throws this thing out left and right, dude. It's like, uh, you know, Regina George and Mean Girls. Have you seen that? Where it's I have like, seen mean girls. I like your bracelet. Where did you get it or whatever? Like, she says it's more than one girl. Mm-hmm. It's Pizzolatto giving out the third lead designation, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like everything. Uh, so, but I was like, Carrie Joe did not get a single shout out. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like in, in any of this, like that there's the, he doesn't really talk about Carrie Joe at all. Uh, he doesn't say anything bad, but he never really mentions him. And then yeah, it, whatever. Well, yeah, but this is a guy who's very effusive in praising collaborators when he is praising them. So again, I'm just saying I noticed the absence, but I didn't bring it up. And now I see, like, whatever it was in the press, it's enough that Carrie Joe, he's media trained at this point, dude. He knows whatever he says is going to be, like, whatever version generates controversy and Reddit posts is what they will put in the headline. You know what I mean? It's why we're talking about it. Whatever it was, it was strained enough that he says something more than, like, Nick's great. I love him. I love working with him. Yeah, it didn't work out timing-wise, but... You know, instead he was like, 
it wasn't as good as I thought it was to work on that show. I definitely remember Pizzolatto going out of his way to say that he would never do it with one director again. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's quite a loaded comment. And I, I mean, mean, so yeah, that's what I'm just saying. Like, I th- this kind of already, you know, and I mean, like, just the fact that uh, the show continued and Pizzolatto was still on it and Carrie Joe wasn't, like, to me indicated. It's his show. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, I I just said like it's kind of always been my impression that this was, you know, like you know, I I, I think the death of the author discussions are uh, are interesting and and still quite valid here. But like, if there's an argument against them, um, this show would be, in my opinion, the strongest example of one because it's hard to know without being involved in the production. And really, we should all realize that unless we were directly involved with the production, and even people who are involved in the production probably didn't have a full picture. Um, it, just like figuring out whose is what's, it's really fucking difficult. Yeah, and it's like we me, can't do it from of, here. Yeah, but in my mind, do. whenever I'm watching stuff and I'm filling in the gaps incorrectly, I'm sure I'm assuming that it's Pizzolatto making all these decisions. Yeah, well, I think it's like we can't ignore the information we have. Some fucking director, I don't know who, said every film is actually a documentary about its own creation. It's about the cast and crew. Like, which is an interesting, like, kind of lens to look at it through. Yeah. Uh, and I, that's why I think the Blu-ray package is part of it, too. The same way, like, in The Master, the Blu-ray, you know that movie? I have seen it, There's yeah. a 20-minute short film that's entirely composed of outtakes. Like, that completely maybe deepens the story, maybe tells a completely different story using the same actors. It's unclear. All, oh, the, really? all we know is they made it available. Like, they made it, and they made it available. That's wild. Like, yeah, it's cool. So I feel like that's, like, the deleted scenes, like, all that shit, the commentary. It's like, no, we'll never know. It definitely kills the simple death of the author argument, but I would say it complicates it more than, like, completely kills it, you know? We got to figure out some production schedule for how we're going to review movies, because I'm just thinking about, like... There is a lot. Yeah, I've been thinking Like, I'm not going to watch the master twice in one week i was thinking that too yeah i was thinking that too we don't have a movie selected yet do we no yeah we have a youtube video that's right yeah yeah, yeah so we can handle that yeah just to, i mean i guess now is a good time to mention zinni um we're gonna skip next week it's my fault i'm moving houses and i want some more time to move stuff right but then I we'll be back good. after that we've and you know it, i mean, just like we need fall break dude yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. we've done the we've done the full season. Let's yeah. let's have a, a clear delineation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We're gonna do season two, maybe according to TC, he's willing no, to do, do it. No, we can do we can do season two. Yeah, it's just maybe, you know, we're not doing it next week. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think to me, it makes me respect Pizzolatto more. Where it's like, yo, it is his show. His name's on it. People are writing New Yorker articles saying, you know, he's an asshole because of what's on it, whatever. So if the buck is going to stop with you, you do get to make the decisions or you have to, depending on how you look at it. Sounds right to me. Yeah. So I, I don't really think badly of Pizzolatto because of the, whatever. I didn't even read the article. That's what I'm saying. It annoyed me on the Reddit that people were like, see, this proves to me Pizzolatto tanked season two because it was it was him on his own and it shows that he needed Carrie Joe and that's why season one is the only good season to me I'm like no you're an idiot like season two is awesome I think season three is awesome season, season three two, is awesome They're I'm both awesome. excited to go on that journey with you maybe yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. convince me but uh, I like it a lot Are, do you fuck with David Lynch season two. Um, you know I mean I'd like to 
you want to fuck with him? Do you want to watch David Lynch? No, I mean, like I've seen, you know, Mulholland Drive. Okay. Uh, it's the kind you of like thing it? that I'm, I'm, I'm using the Alcoholics Anonymous. I want to want to be a David Lynch <laughs> fan. Okay. Uh, I, he was I like, it's one of those things where like, you know, um, in college, the thing that I like, the piece of art that I most uh, liked is uh, the X-Files, popular Fox television show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's constantly in Twin Peaks, of course, name checked as a, like a giant influence. That makes sense. Um, and so, you know, it, in college, I thought I would eventually by now become an expert, but, uh, it hasn't worked out that way. There's a lot of episodes of Twin Peaks. I think there's only like two seasons. There's two seasons and then the new seasons. Yeah. That's a lot of episodes. I mean, there's more of the X-Files. That's a lot of episodes too, man. It's That's a ton. too many episodes, dude. Uh, not if you're in dude. college. True. But we're adults. And we are podcasters, but we're still adults. The, uh, the Irving Best Buy got one, like, uh, set of the box set. Okay. It came out. You got it? Of course. You brought it? Yeah. I mean... I was there fucking opening, knocking on the door. I, it's the I, X-Files box set here. That's wild to me. Did you watch it when it aired every episode? No, not at all. I wasn't allowed to. I watched, like, maybe five episodes total It's going to give you life. nightmares. Yeah, it was scary, nightmares. dude. I, the one I watched was like there was it was a voodoo plot line. There was the like a, episode that I had seen, I don't know. I don't think it was as a kid. I think I was a little older. Like I think it was like right after Excel or something like that. But the one episode I had seen, uh, which is you know one of the fucking, I like at the time I didn't know anything about it. You know, it was just like a random episode or whatever. Uh, now that I am, you know, big fan and uh, can speak on it, it is one of the fucking goat episodes. Uh, okay. But it's also incredibly dark and violent home. home it's the uh the uh, have you seen a lot of x-files episodes no i guess i've only seen five in my life i think okay 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 yeah not max yeah so no you should but, watch home well, after i leave here i'll, I'll gonna, stay and watch it with you no dude okay absolutely not i have my <laughs> own experience have i not talked about this on there uh about be i don't know one year for christmas a relative who didn't know me very well got me a book that summarized all of the x-files episodes to that point <laughs> all of the mythology uh-huh the man who smoked cigarettes yeah. all that shit <laughs> that's not uh, yeah go ahead but yeah you know who i'm talking about i do so they got me this book i mean i had it right i mean you i know, realized like, i was doing the thing you know like i understood your meaning so why do i need to be correcting you about yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is like my kid version of like, uh, I've never played Final Fantasy, right? I, it's a series of bad decisions. I mean, I guess, but I've never played it. I've definitely spent like one morning reading Wikipedia pages about it. Okay. Like I Googled the term. Dude, Final Fantasy is a very like syncretic mix of many mystical things. It's a it cosmic like gumbo. Pretty cool. Exactly, dude. Is that what people say about it? No, 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 no. It's a, I mean, it seemed like it from the wiki made it seem. It's a reference to a comedy television show, but it also oh, does okay. seem to apply here. So anyway, I feel like that was my childhood version of that. I had that book, so I was like, I will read it. So I read, I like would have it out like in the living room, you know what I mean? I'd like flip through if my dad was watching something on TV I didn't yeah, really care about. Yeah, that seems terrible. So I would like read. It didn't inspire me to watch much of the show. Well, I mean, you. <laughs> would you rather watch uh, True Detective or like read yes, a one rather. paragraph explanation of every episode? Which I would do you rather think watch would be True better? Detective. Yeah. But I would, I, well, at the time, X-Files I mean, there's plenty of the aired. X-Files that's dog shit. 
It's well, the, the broadcast television show that that aired twenty four episodes. If, if of, that relative with the book had given me VHS copies of X Files, I would have watched them. Yeah, yeah. At yeah. the time, I had they to like, catch that. it. You know what I mean? Catch it airing. Yeah, I understand. So it did inspire me to do that. Now I have surplus content, so I can't prioritize X Files. I judged a dude. I get it. In like twenty fourteen, I would say twenty fifteen, he was a working attorney, and he was like. My wife and I are watching, rewatching X Files. We're like in season five. Sounds like a good. I was like, good that's idea. too many episodes, man. You're gonna. It's something weird about a guy in this day and age who is watching every single episode of X Files. It's like, don't you get bored by that? It's too many episodes. And take a break for a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, maybe I should put them on, man. You know, maybe they're no. It's know. really, I mean, like, I you need to be in college. You know, yeah. like I had a lot of time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If I, it's good that I got to it then, because if what I tried now, I wouldn't have a prayer. I mean, I like them, but you know, I, I like the show. Out. The nerds in the dorm were pumped about the movies. That further confirms the biggest. Like I, I just cringe at myself whenever I think about this. Uh, I think it's the most I've ever felt like a nerd. I showed up, you know, fucking the opening day for the second movie, of course. Second movie? Well, the first movie came out whenever I was in like fifth grade. I wasn't watching the show then. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. The movie came out like in the 90s? Yeah, Fight the Future. Fight the Future was, was in between, the 90s? It was between season five and season six. Okay. That may have been before the book I got. Okay. I think my book was like the first five seasons or some shit. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it was like, you know, season finale movie, then they like fucking rip another season pretty tight. Okay. And I'm kind of building on it, you know? I mean, like in the way that they all are kind of like, there's right, plenty right, of monster right, right. episodes, but. Well, that was the tension of nineties TV is like, yeah. is every episode we have to assume a brand new viewer is watching it or do we have continuity? Yeah. And this was kind of a bridge. You yeah, know, that's what that, I. That's what I thought. The, the book, I was like, "This is cool about this show." That's why I thought the book was at least worth flipping through. I was like, "And I it's think cool. that they would put out VHSs with just the Myth Arc episodes, so that you could kind of." That would have been appealing to me too. Yeah, my cousin made fun of me, man. I remember because he thought X Files was, you know, what we called things that weren't cool back then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, no, but the mo- like, uh, so I was, I was in, I showed up to the theater. Um, and, uh, you know, was, uh, just saw a long line. Okay. Some like fellow X-Files fans. Sweet. <laughs> you know, someone else showing up for the 10 o'clock premiere, the 10 PM premiere of this movie. Uh, and like, I don't know, five minutes before screening or something, like someone in front of me says something where I'm like, Oh wait, y'all, y'all are, what was it? Step brothers. <laughs> There was no one else Damn. there to see X-Files. Yeah, well, I'm sure Step Brothers. Like, other people came in the theater eventually, but, like, it, I no was... No one's lining up. I was the first, you know, Damn. by some distance. <laughs> it's so not like funny. I had to jump to another line that was, like, fucking... There, I was confused about it because there wasn't another line. At first there was I one th- line. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I thought you were going to say, like, it was, like, Legally Blonde 2 or something, but you would have clued in on that, like, demographically. I mean, I feel like I should have, you know, like... Was the Step Brothers line? I bet it was pretty mixed. You know, uh, of, it was in Denton, so it was college you know, people, a lot of yeah, bros going yeah. to see a Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, yeah the X Files fans. 
I, I like some sense. part of me was like, huh, didn't expect the other X Files fans to look like this, <laughs> but that's great that they do. Yeah, 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 sure. Well, that's part of the show. It's for everyone. <coughs> Excuse me. Iceland's looking cool. It's an audio medium, dude. You're right. My mistake. I'm just making conversation. <laughs> we don't need to fucking stop uh, the dead air. Like you know, for the listener, we how's have the weather a, today? A YouTube video, no sound of just uh, is it drone footage exclusively? This looks like drone footage. I think it's pretty exclusively drone footage. Uh, just drone footage of a guy who went to Iceland. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the travel hack. This is what you got to do. Either you could sell courses about how to sell courses. But the real, you know, course that you should sell is how to have a successful YouTube channel where you get to write off all of your travel expenses as business expenses. Dude, and see, that's the, like, I, as someone who's interested in, uh, I don't know, we need to talk about True Detective, yeah, but yeah, uh, right. fucking, I, I'm interested in making videos, you know, like, I think right. it's fun and cool. Right. And it, there's a real snake eating its tail aspect to the whole thing. Like where you like, it seems like most of the people who make videos are making videos about how to make video, and like, and all it's all travel bloggers. Like it's all right. travel bloggers only exist for other travel bloggers. True, and and uh, to and me, it just I seems thought like the whole thing. It's it's bought, like I'm not surprised. It's the kind of like once the reality settles in, you probably would kill each other and hide the body and go home to Florida. Well, in the occult zone of a national park, for sure. <laughs> the spirits would probably take over you and make you sacrifice your loved one. I think that you have the causes wrong on national parks. I hope so. <laughs> you think anyone anywhere where people are like going hiking by themselves constantly isn't going to lead to lots of disappearances? Yeah, I do think so. Yeah, I do. For explainable Speaky reasons shit. that aren't weird? The darkness of the human soul? No, just like tripping and falling. Oh, that's what you were getting at? Yeah, like twist an ankle and you're fucking in the middle of the woods. I guess. Is there no cell phone service out there? It's basically? pretty spotty. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I haven't been I mean, I there. can't speak to every national park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I have been to Yellowstone and Grand Teton and the cell service is spotty. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's is it improving or not? And then we can, maybe we should talk about it. What do you mean improving? Well, like... Is you it know, nice they, to not have cell service? No, they get more coverage year year after year. The grid expands. I don't know because yeah. I, my impression is that 5G has less of a range on the towers. Interesting. And I'm sure that they're not allowed to build them in the park. Like they don't, uh, interesting feature of the park, The they don't clean up the trees. Like whenever a tree falls, like the most of like whenever you're looking over at like uh-huh. uh, the fucking undisturbed forest, it's just all fallen trees. Okay. Because they don't like it's it's total like it you know you gotta let the ecosystem do it. Yeah, I mean like you don't even think about that that whenever you're looking at a forest that it's not all just fucking half decomposed trees. Yeah, yeah. I I never realized that that's how it ought to look. Yeah, yeah, it makes but sense. It it is. Yeah. And so if they're not even letting you clean up the trees then you're definitely not building a fucking cell tower. True. If it's that level of preservation. True. There are people who think that we should just rip them open, rip open the surface of the earth and take everything beneath them. That's the true occult sacrifice zone. 
That's not mine. I'll tell you that. If you were going to do it, though, that's a good place. That's where the, that's, well, it's. The crust is thinnest. They want to do it? I'm against it. I think it's like two miles. Interesting. I'm a nature boy, dude. I don't want them to do it. But yet, I love resources. I love modern life. I hate resources. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, we kind of do. I don't know. Yeah, I was, I was joking. I yeah. I guess I'm pretty like neutral them? on resources. Well, it's like, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, some people think the hedonic treadmill of your brain is like adjusting to whatever. So it's like things sucked more back then. But like finding an apple was as cool as like, you know, smoking yeah. crack. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so it's like, and, but I'm like, I don't know. There seems to have been a lot more opportunities for physical pain and death. Yeah. So, I wouldn't trade. Yeah. And then it's like, maybe they just, they felt it less, but that seems weird to me to think if so, that's a form of dissociation. Which mm -hmm. gets us to the darkness of the human soul, dude. That's how we get Tuttles and and True Detectives. So, make did we cut off that clip or did we finish it about the making flowers? Ascension the removes me from the disc in the loop. Is that a good time, or do do we have a point we were talking about before we digress? I don't think we no, but I mean I you know I cut it off because I want to hear what you think about it. I mean I guess that's obvious enough, but. Yeah. I mean, it is a funny line to, to kind of, uh, not funny, like the whole situation's sorted, but uh, it's a wild, do you know that actress? No. She's in like, she's in stuff. She's, uh, she's in The Handmaid's Tale, which, have you ever seen that at all, like on Hulu? No. Are you familiar with the, you of course are familiar with it. As a liberal, you probably put on the red outfit and protested trump <laughs> are you trying to like fight yeah i just want to have a good podcast here dude. Up, dude uh it, i like uh the book handmaid's tale That's i voted how, for trump dude whoa bomb drop did you really no yeah. you did not go check the records first of all let's talk about whether there are records no of course not Okay. Uh, there's asterisks. I'm being intentionally misleading. Just, you know, whatever, uh, dude. I like to do that from time to time myself, but I didn't, I never voted for Trump, dude. People threw that back at me all the time because I, I discussed the decision. Oh, really? Interesting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was always, you know, like they thought that was a real gotcha. It didn't bother me much, obviously, given how I just deployed it. Right. Yeah. I think you wheeled it. Excuse me. As a weapon now. Uh, anyway. That actress is in Handmaid's Tale. And she, that show has Excel vibes to me. Uh, and she is, so the way they get the Handmaids is, uh, I can't remember exactly, but it's basically like if you were too slutty. You know what I mean? Like it's like... If you, maybe if you had an abortion, if you were a feminist, if you were like, you subscribed to the feminist meetings or you went to the meetings or like whatever, I don't remember exactly any crime committed by a woman. You had your choice of like, you could be, if you're fertile, they would test you because that's like why it's a dystopia. I guess women are less fertile. 
So if you're fertile and then any reason they what can think What a dystopia. Of, yeah, that is happening. Well, yes, the, dude. I know the sperm counts are plummeting, as is testosterone. Just the reproductivity rates are plummeting. In the Western the world or the globe? Pretty sure it's the globe. Interesting. Well, how's that for a Green New Deal? To the extent that we have an understanding of what is going on, obviously it's a complicated situation where uh, we'd be foolish to think that we did have an understanding of what's going on. But uh, hasn't stopped us before. The explanation that I I seems persuasive to me, or like you know whatever the scientist said it in a way that uh, I was like, he must be the right one. Uh huh. Um, is is like just plastics, like that yeah. you're constantly ingesting. Like I think that they have some specific kinds. Parabens. I feel like that's a I'm word you hear. Know, but I don't I'm, know. that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um they've only been around like fifty years, right? Seventy? Since the fifties, sixties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. But just bunk. like, you know, as we decided to put all this stuff everywhere without knowing what exactly it was doing. Yeah. In fact that may have had it bad consequences we should have, you know. Yeah. But like i don't know, you know, like uh it, there's not even like a, a practical suggestion for how to get them out, you know. Like we depend on them to such a degree that like everyone, uh, it seems like a large number of people are sitting around being like, well, this is the problem. You could kind of see how it'll lead to the extinction of the species, but I don't have any ideas. That's kind of my issue with all this climate change shit. It really, I don't have it. I'm not a dude. No listener of this podcast will confuse me for a scientist. Uh, But I'm a scientist of the soul, dude. And it seems to me that in modern life, between breathing in exhaust fumes, uh, the poisonous culture that we surround ourselves with, the fucking chemicals and things we touch every day, where we actually do have data to the point that it becomes a marketing hook, number one, to say that these things aren't in our stuff, which of course relies on the fact that they used to be. You know what I mean? And these this is just like, hey, yeah. we found out about these ones, you know, and we can get rid of them. It's not comforting to me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, what are the next? Because they keep finding new ones, you know? It's like BHP, you know, all these, all these different things. Like, yeah. And so it's like, we've sentenced ourselves to some sort of poisoned life, and maybe that's all we ever had. I actually, like, I was reading an essay about uh, season two, on a guy who I was reading his website for completely different reasons. But like, I was just doing like a blog dive on him. And of course he had like a, like what critics get wrong about season two of true detective. So obviously I was like, (laughs) click, uh, but he had a pizzolato quote, which I don't know if he said it at this season or for season two or whatever, but I think it works either way. He's like in true detective, really the crime being investigated is the world itself. Sure. Which is like, Whoa. Yeah. yeah, like pretty fucking tight. You can see how that uh, he is, in fact, executing that vision. Definitely. Uh, and I think like... It feels like most of the time that it's... It feels to me more specific than that, but like also there's elements of what they say. Like it, it's, yeah, yeah, it seems think, like they're investigating that area of Louisiana at times. But I think that you'd be foolish to think that that area was entirely unique. Yeah, I think it is an area where like the fucking weirdness and like the the death in the life of that world like comes to the fore like in a particularly heightened way that makes it a very potent 
Yeah, to, like it, because things there are a little exaggerated from other places, it makes it helps you to understand and see starker the things that are true of every place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And dude, season two does that with Los Angeles. How are you not? Right, I know you are into it. Never mind. I shouldn't put positions, ascribe positions to you. That you don't I'm hold. excited to go on this journey. Maybe my position will change, but I'm not yeah, into yeah. it, dude. Uh, that's that's a fair. That, I was frustrated the entire time. I was like, why am I watching this? This is boring. True Detective season two? Yes. Interesting. But, you know, I mean, the things I think about season one and my, like, you know, I love season one. And now after having watched it a couple more times, I love season one. Yeah. But my understanding of it is entirely different. Like, night and day. You know, I've documented those changes here. And uh, so that something else could occur similarly on season two. I'm open to it. I hope it happens. I think, I hope so too. I hope so. I think it will. I hope so. Anyway, I feel like the the plastics is a good example of that, where it's like, that's where I get kind of annoyed, where people are like, the whole planet will be ruined in 200 years. You should care, but there's nothing you can do. But you have to care. But See, I hate whenever people do. I, I think that a lot of people talk about it, do talk about it in that kind of sloppy way. But like, it's it's not approaching true. There's a lot you can do. Well, if... if if there isn't, then let's shut the fuck up and have a good time. A hundred percent. Like, and but if there's there a million, is, like, let's talk about that. Because but, of the scale of impact that we're talking about, like, uh, you know, if you just changed it by 10%, you're changing, you're saving a ton of lives and like, right you me. know, uh, making a 10% change in it would be like what, you know, like, uh, if we all bought a fucking Prius instead, like, yeah. could we save millions of lives? Yeah, obviously. And like, you could choose to buy a Prius tomorrow. Like it's not change. Sure. Uh, it's not stop driving. It's not stop buying food everywhere you've ever bought it before. Right. Or like any. It's just you. You currently have a car. True. You're going to need to buy a new one at some point. True. Think about this one. That will save millions of lives. So like that's and they if, if that. everyone talking about it talked about it in that way, we'd be in a much better world than the one we're in, where most people do talk about it as like a you all are evil for the basic everyday choices, like just the mere existence that you're fucking that you didn't like uh, die upon like gaining consciousness right. means that you're a terrible person who's killing the earth and it's inevitable that it will die, like all that shit. Like well, it's so I... counterproductive and it's just wrong. It's what about incorrect. this though? What about buying just a regular used car then no? had to make a new Prius. I think that the Prius is still on that. You got to drive it for some time before that becomes true though, right? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, I start thinking about all but that I think shit because like I'm just year. so skeptical of it. Yeah, I'm like, it's probably 10. If TC thinks it's one, it's probably 10. But I don't know. But I also... Well, I'm in a... Dude, you saying this I'm makes me I'm in a 2013 realize, hybrid, so give me two more years and I'm I'll even a, hit your standard. I'm a knee-jerk red state guy, dude, because I'm like, I'm not getting a fucking Prius. <laughs> dude, like, when you said that, I was like, I, yeah, no way. But... I mean, the reason like, I wouldn't is because it's a fucking foreign car, but you've already I'm also, abandoned yeah. the country, so... I'm not like a huge car guy fucking, either. I have friends who got Teslas where I can tell... They not only are disappointed that I'm not like geeking out when they show it to me, but I think they think I'm like uh, big time and I'm a little bit, you know, by being like, yeah, yeah, Tesla, big deal, you know, but it's like, I think well, it's that, annoying that they would expect you to a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I get other stuff in their successful clap. lives. I am like, this is cool. Like the house that we drove to in the Tesla is cool. 
Tesla's but are pretty cool, dude. I just don't really give a shit about cars like that. They I got think. like a really big screen. Yeah, that's cool. I, you know, I like that for TV. <laughs> like, well, you can't watch anything on it. Yeah, yeah, that's it true. Is big. Anyway, I just think with the climate shit, a lot of it seems to be like a displacement of like. In the meantime, here we are poisoning ourselves with like plastics every day, and ever you know, if you talk about that, it's like so depressing. No one even wants to consider it. So instead, let's all worship Greta Thunberg or however you say her name, uh, while she harangues us about how evil we are. That gives us like an outlet to be like, that's why we feel this vague sense of dread and unease at all times. It's this thing far off in the distance that is coming for us that we can't do anything about. Guess what that thing actually is? Our own deaths. And we're like, they're in a way all by our own hand anyway, because it's like, that's what life is. But it's if we are good enough, it. you know. That's what they seem to if think. If we make enough people feel bad about their choices... Yeah. then we won't die. Yeah, I mean, but... It's that, a good bargain. To you know? me, that's what's so fucking nihilistic about, like, the godless aspects of, like, secular post-modernity is these weird modern versions of religious impulses, which I don't say to condemn them. Religion is good to me. I like it. I'm religious myself. But, like, I do think there's something to when people actively deny that aspect of human nature, it's weird what they end up worshiping. Uh, and it, this seems to have like aspects of like the way religions view death and the afterlife and shit, except there's no possibility of redemption because there's no, there's nothing that transcends the destruction. It's just like, we're evil and we've ruined everything and there's nothing that can do anything about that. And let's bear witness. Those are the people that are going to be whipping themselves in public. Like if this ever becomes anything close to true. I think. And I really don't have a ton of time for them. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're but saying. But then that makes me like skeptical when my friend is like, you should get a Prius. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not going to. Maybe I mean, I you know, though. my argument was pretty tight there. If you weren't swayed by it, I'm not blaming it on the argument. Well, I watched you make it, so I know you didn't have facts at hand. And I think you use verbs like I think and I would think and, you know, things like that. So I reflexively discount them for what they are so if you Your came back there is wrong if you were like i looked this up and it's right then i would just probably then just fall back to straight up climate science denial i'd be like where'd you look it up fucking soros you know so i probably wouldn't though actually i'm i love aoc and the green new deal my problem with the met gala was the dress she should have written more shit on it you know like green new deal fight for 15 i think we need to this is my other new thing what are you doing uh fight for 50 i think that's the the you know the way fight for 15 seemed outlandish and now it's a little bit too low don't you think I'm fight just for trying to talk i'm just telling detective. you dude tell the leftists dude fight for 50 that's the next move. That's what the fight should should opt for. It seems outlandish now, but by the time they get it, it's going to be like, it's just 50. You know, it's pretty obvious that a large part of your argument there is the fact that, or like how you're arriving at that, is that 15 and 50 sound similar. They do. And I think that that's a bad process. I hear you. But also, it's not even 15 yet. It's still 725. So I would... 
right? So I was on the uh, the True Detective Reddit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, I wanted to know what he's whistling. Oh, interesting. Well, and I didn't even think about that. Interesting look into the Reddit because one guy, in fact, I think he had someone agreeing with him, and they're both vehement that it was a uh, like Finnish traditional polka. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure it's just a Mark Knopfler song, which is considerably more popular. Like even, you know, whatever. Who's Mark Knopfler? Uh, dire Straits. Okay. He Could he have lifted career. the melody from the polka? I don't think so. I listened to the polka. I didn't hear what they were saying. Okay. Um, you think this is more important than our nation's workers getting a livable wage? Unbelievable you know, to me. I'm... I had no idea how to interface with. I'm sorry, dude. I'm fucking. I'm being a dickhead. I um, apologize. I feel like I've worn you down this episode. No, 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 not, not, not close. Damn. But I, I am just like, you want your Met Gala takes? Like, <laughs> is there any other current events you were hoping to comment on? Well, it was that was just a you know a way to get at the Green New Deal. <laughs> I was trying to bring that around, but that was important. To me, yeah, dude, I do Dream think detective so. Detective podcast, I just want to talk about. Well, dude, Matthew what McConaughey. This show is all about is how we make sense of the fact that this life just throws us in a journey to death. And I was literally describing what I think is the predominant expression of that uh, quandary. In yeah, our I was totally so, with that. Yeah, but definitely. then, like, you finished that so and I said, like I think I, that she should have had more stuff on like her dress because I, I felt like I went too hard. <laughs> so I was like, how can I explain how? No, you're doing feel? great. And then I like AOC. I'm a big fan. And then that reminded me of the fucking dress. And so I just said what came to my you mind. You were driving this beautiful you know, Tesla down the road. And once, then just I would like to slander the embankment by choice. Work that where my creative partners, yes, and me. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I get weight, but. Take applications you know? then. <laughs> I, I tried, dude. No one cares except my friend who's good at podcasting. <laughs> God damn it. Fuck. I guess and plenty of things. Just <laughs> not the do. not the fucking hey, you know what? She should have had like more speaking more of stuff. the Met Gala though, dude. No. Stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh God, I had a good point. No, I didn't have a good point. I was just gonna tell you about the Mark Knopfler song. Well, but okay. Then I'm gonna finish my point about an actress in true detective. Okay. Good, 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 good. Yeah, yeah. But I want Who's Mark Knopfler again? The guy from Wilco? Who'd you say? I'm listening, <laughs> dude. You're listening now. Yeah, yeah. Who is he again? It's, it's stark contrast to two Dive minutes straight. ago. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was listening. You a fan? I like I'm the a huge Dire fan. Straits radio singles. I, I don't really know much. I'll tell you what I really... There's some other good stuff. I really associate Dire Straits with Excel because in the college dorm when we could listen to the 80s music, mm -hmm. Big Privilege... They had Dire Straits on the reg, and that was really my first like m knowing exposure. I remember someone being like, "That's Dire Straits." I was like, "I love this one." It was the like uh, "Money for Nothing." Hell yeah! I was like, "This song." I turned that one up. It rocks. Someone was like, "Dire Straits, man." My dad likes that. You know, like it was some. Well, he's like, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I have great fondness, but very little depth. I would say. You know, I mean, I I think in, in exploration of more would uh, be rewarding. I'm I'm not like uh, perfect on the depth, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, there's more yet to learn. But I I hopefully have much more time to live, and 
will learn that over the course okay. of uh, the balance. I'm always looking for new music. It's uh, especially older older music that I don't know much about, but that's good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's that is my favorite find. kind. The, uh, the 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 golden hits of yesteryear. Yeah, like I found a an album by like an '80s uh, like pop, you know, kind of not not synth synth pop. They're called Aztec Camera. They're like guitar pop, uh, and just one song on an Apple Music playlist. So I was like, this one's really good. And then it's like their their album was good. It turns out they're like they have like five albums that people like. That's nice. I'd never heard of them ever. I've never heard of that. Uh, you know, so it's all right. Uh, but it's like stuff like that is harder to, uh, there's only so much music that was like made during the time when you were young. Uh, but also there's an infinite amount. It's for sure finite, right? <laughs> like, I know what you mean. Like, but like, you know, there was uh, some really talented people in Albuquerque that never got a major label deal, but like their stuff was good. You think that's true? Yes. I think that is, obviously that is true. I know of uh, like Dallas bands, like there's, uh, I think Only a Mountain by Pleasant Grove is a top 10 song I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, I don't And no like, idea. of course, you know, yeah. like, of course, yeah. But like no one, I'm bringing it up because no one has. And Definitely. like, uh, you know, so I, I, I do think that the talent search abilities of America's entertainment industry are, you know, like not 100% efficient. They're pretty good at what they do. It's not like they find every single person who's good. And in fact, I would say in every city of some size, there's probably at least one group working that's actually pretty fucking transcendent and uh, is not uh, discovered. Yeah. I don't know. It's harder to... I I don't have a good base to judge any of that stuff in this day and age. It does seem like it's... It's a good feeling to be surprised by a good live band. That happens more frequently than I find a single streaming that I'm like, whoa, I'm really rocking with this. Let me save this. Yeah, yeah. You know? I agree with that. Just being like, these guys are kicking ass. And then, you know, like, at you a know bar half or the time you fucking go and listen to the thing and you're like, oh, actually, this isn't enjoyable true. at all. True, also true. But like, you know, it just speaks to like fucking live music is awesome. Yeah. I think so. Also, I think recorded music and live music, what makes them good can sometimes diverge. Yeah, but just also like recording is difficult. You know, like to sure. not lose something over the course of that process like takes, you know, total fucking unimaginable genius. And like, uh, you know, yeah. most, so like plenty of bands when not having to go through that process will come across as considerably better. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, rap opposite, I'd say, without considerable skill. Yeah, I think so. Uh, which is disappointing, but that's what it is. Anyway, uh, dude, that actress is really good in Handmaid's Tale. She's so whatever, whenever they take like, you know, the fertile criminal sluts, uh, they take them to like an old school where they have to like basically, you know, beat them and torture them into becoming compliant enough to become, you know, raped once a month by their, their household guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the lady, you know, Errol's sister lover, uh, is the head of the, the indoctrination place. That makes and, sense. And she, yeah. Seems like she'd be good for that role. It's cool, dude. And then like throughout the series, it's like revealed that she was actually like a policy architect of it too. And like, she's like really smart and like dastardly. Uh, 
And it's like interesting. She's like the opposite here. And she's the leader of the cult in The Leftovers. I, mm. I know you're a, a, is it Lindelof? Is that, that's who made that? He is. Yeah, yeah, Are yeah. you about to accuse me of being a big fan? No, a skeptic. Okay, okay. Uh, but I would say, dude, consider Lost, his early art, which it in now is at least relatively. And yeah, he's made some other stuff. He's I, I, a lot I can never remember if it's him or like one of the other, because there was several people who were like pitched as the Lost guy. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I really liked Fringe, and I really liked all the Star Treks. And that's JJ Abrams, of, I think. I don't. I don't think it's just him. Okay. See, yeah, I, you. I, I don't know. Lindelof, I think, is leftovers in Watchmen, which are both really good. I think. But I think he's done other. I. Yeah, like yeah. I, I'm sure he has. Roberto yeah, yeah. Orsi, I think, is the Fringe guy. But I think there's other people. I think Lindelof may have been involved. Interesting. I think JJ Abrams. No, but I. Well, if you liked the X Files, as you clearly <laughs> show that you do. I've lived with someone watching Fringe multiple times. <laughs> multiple times? <laughs> yeah, I've cool, been like, cool, this, cool. Uh, not for me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, good. But it's again, dude, uh, and maybe it's just because this show is so fucking packed and our episodes are long, but it's like, this is just eight episodes and it was a lot to take in. So being like, yo, because I was thinking like, what if we watch Sopranos? That's 80 fucking episodes, man. Yeah. <laughs> like that's 10 times as many as we just did. Like that's so many. I just don't think I can like commit to it. Like it's just that's a long ass season. I don't know. I feel like that's also with loss. Like TV yeah. just is better now. He uh he wrote Star Trek into Darkness and he wrote he's got a writing credit on Prometheus. Oh, nice. So those are nice, the nice. things that I huge, really like. Huge. Yeah. I think he rules. The leftovers is he didn't come up with the idea. It wasn't it's the the guy who wrote the novel wrote Election also. Uh, the movie? Uh-huh. Okay. But he, that was also a novel before it was a movie. Okay. Uh, but The Leftovers is like 2% of the world, just uh, the people in it vanish. Like, yeah, you know, I didn't know the it's premise. It's pretty cool, dude. Yeah. So there's like this cult that like, uh, you know about the cult? Uh, I mean, I, I might watch it. Okay, I won't tell you too much about it. There's like a cool cult that like basically fucking, you know, cults would spring up if some shit like that happened. Obviously. So there's like this cult of people. They didn't. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, it's all meaningless, you know, kind of basically. And so they smoke six. You know, this is all like revealed in the first minute of the show. Uh, so she's the leader of that cult. Too. Okay. So she's like, a, in both cases, like a much smarter character. So it's wild to see her be like, you want to make the, like, it's like, I mean, <laughs> you can't even do it, dude, without feeling mean. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. I won't draw any parallels between the voice that you just made and other any times you tried to, <laughs> like, okay. because I don't think that there's anything similar. That's my position. <laughs> I don't know what you were saying for a second. I wasn't oh saying anything. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. Wow. Let's let that linger for the old listeners, dude. <laughs> That's a, a little throwback for you. That's so funny, dude. I simply don't know what you're talking uh, about. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. Oh man. You want to hear yeah. a clip? Yeah, yeah, let's hear the clip. <laughs> you know, when she told me, she said, 
Not to blame you, that wasn't your choice. You uh, were drunk and she made it happen. Everybody's got a choice, Marty. Shit, I sure blamed you. Blame me for what? For pushing a good woman to the point where she had to use me, use our partnership to get rid of you. Or just being a lying sack of shit. You know, she couldn't have used you. You didn't want some. There you go. Everybody's got a choice. Yeah, so I was appreciative of that being in there since, you know, last episode. I think that I was I was talking about that, right? Like a, it was a part of the, the whole thing that stuck out to me. And so to have some direct uh, rumination on it, I appreciated. It. it was odd, like, that I... I did not watch the scene with Maggie and Rust being like, there's a guy who's making a choice. Yeah. You know, it, it seemed like his animal brain was entirely taking over, given the way that he reacted after, you know, like when, once the non-animal brain came online, he was yelling at her to get out. True. Um, but, you know, it, I so... I, the question of like whether or not anyone has any choice about anything is one that I'm constantly bedeviled by and you know I feel like shows up over and over again in my work to the extent you can call it making podcasts work. I um, think you can and it does. <laughs> but uh you know so I, I I believe it or not don't feel like it was resolved yet here but I appreciated Russ's perspective on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean I think Russ kind of his deal is he thinks everyone has so much of a choice all the time. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> it seems like he holds everyone responsible for everything. Yeah. And Marty almost is like, come on, what am, what am I supposed to do? Not do these things? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, this is one axis upon which my thinking seems to fall much closer to Marty's. To Marty's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, I have to drink this water. No, it's all right. Just, uh, you know, I mean, like, I, I just, <coughs> like... I think that you can be blamed for considered decisions, but Russ made that decision to have sex with Maggie, then considered it and came to a different conclusion pretty quickly. So it's like, well, if, he got, he it's not PNC. a considered decision. Well, so I think there's a couple of things that are interesting about this conversation so far. Yes, it's definitely not a considered decision. And you are right that you can blame people for considered decisions. I think if you inst allow... Like, can you even do that? I, I could make arguments against. It's easier to understand how you might, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree, yeah. You know, but I agree with you also on the larger point. I definitely have made many considerations that I've later had the occasion to blame myself for, you know, or considered decisions. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I usually come, hopefully, and lately eventually come around and be like, I did my best. I was very wrong in how I understood things to work. But now that I know that that is what I understood, it makes sense what I did. Like there are very few decisions where it's like, and, but I kicked the dog anyway. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, <clears throat> I actually think it's pretty well described. Dude, another thing that would be cool I don't think you have the time for it, but just since you've read the first one, you know I reread those passage books lately, the passage trilogy. I'll read I'll read them at some point. Dude, 
They're so good, and it's. I probably have to reread the first one, though. I don't remember. I would think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they're. You know, they are like Stephen King esque, up, which is good and bad. Um, I wouldn't. You know, I don't want to make it seem like I'm as saying, a huge King head. I felt like they were like an evolution of the form. I agree. I fully like the, agree with that. The, they're standing on the but shoulders. I'm less of the King head, but I do agree. It's a. I'll let you say it. That's it. Standing, they're standing on the shoulders. Yeah, you know. they definitely are. They're also better than the stand, and certainly the fucking Dark Tower. Yeah, I'm, well, uh, I'm saying I think they're better than most everything he's done. Like, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, I, I still too. think that Stephen King is like the better artist because, like, he's yeah. I mean, he's standing on the shoulders of some people, but yeah, I'm not sure that Cronin could do what King did if King didn't do it. Or I know that yeah, I, I don't think, think that, that Cronin could do what enough. King did yeah, yeah, if yeah. King didn't do it. I don't know if Cronin could do what King did. You know what I mean? Yeah, but King like can't if no one had written the stand, the I don't know that he could write the stand. Right, but but the the stand is yeah yeah. But definitely. the stand was written, and then this was written later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would say this is better. Yeah, I think there probably is a book already out that is better than these. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, you know that like kind of does, but I do think it's cool. And revisiting it was like revisiting the show where I have a completely different perspective on it. Yeah, I'm uh, sure I would. It was it's nine years since I read the first one. It's really really good. I really liked reading it. Is what I was in. You know, I haven't read a fiction book in like the last four months, so I am aware. I of, thought you were going to say years. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm like, yeah, me too. Then he said months. I'm like, oh. No, I'm still as dumb as I thought I was. No, I mean, I don't think... See, I don't know. It's like uh, in the beginning of this year, maybe I think there's something about winter. I hunker down, dude, and I, I love to fucking tuck into a goddamn book. I'm like, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night and shit, drink some tea. But uh, in the summer, I think I'm just wilding too hard to sit down and read too much, and it's mostly short nonfiction shit when I do. Or just like reading the Final Fantasy Wikipedia page. Yeah, see, that's just, I'm just never off of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I'm, what I'm always saying. in nothing. the mode of I, I can I can dig into the Brian Wilson Wikipedia page for sure. Yeah, uh, but book I I just I I think that I think is a. I don't think that the way I'm doing it is the best way to learn things. I think it's the only way that my brain is going to allow me to comfortably do it, but the copyright Very laws make adverb. it so that there's a lot more knowledge in books than there are available freely on the internet. True. Uh, and I would like that good knowledge you could only get from books. And it's frustrating to me that I can only learn things that I can read while hopping around web pages. True. I share your frustration, dude, because I do do my own share of hopping. And even with books, I've found that uh, if you're not engaging with what you're reading, it, it, is not if you're actually looking for an ROI beyond you yeah. know, passing the time, uh, which I am. Um, that's why I think writing is becoming more important to me. And then it's like writing for yourself is really important and it's been important for me. But one of the things that the podcast has helped me realize is the value of an audience beyond like monetizing your audience, but like the value to yourself as a thinker and an apprehender of different versions of reality. Like having you as an interlocutor makes me think better because I have to incorporate. That's why I was saying, dude, like writing is funny. Like you're one of the few people who I'm like, I'm pretty sure if I wrote something, TC would write it. 
So then I'm like, it kind of just makes me want to write about the things that I've tried to talk about that you haven't been interested in. Be like, I know he'll fucking read it. This dude will read anything. <laughs> so I'll be like, number one, when we were at the lake, TC did not want to hear about blah, blah, blah. Here's why it's important. You know what I mean? I have yeah. thought about that. It's kind of funny. That's funny. Because I'm like, there's probably like, I can count on both hands, like guarantees on the writing. Because I know what it's like, dude, to be up for content at all times. Like, if something's interesting, like, you definitely will click it on your phone. But that's where I think, like, the passage, basically books in general have to go. You kind of do have to be delightful to your audience to the point where it's like, oh, this person wrote a thing, I'm clicking on it. Because that is, it staves off my attention to the dread of existence at a minimum, like for the time it takes to engage with it. And I actually end up enjoying that time. Like, and if the book can't compete with the fact that normal people, let alone smart people, are mostly on their phones, like read your novel on your phone or like whatever, like, I feel like it's time you, you have to update the form then. It does seem like that's why, like, most creative writers who are making money are not making it from books. It, like, it does seem like it's, like, following. Like, I don't know. The, the purpose of it is to meet your audience where they are and to challenge them and all that. But you just kind of have to accept, like, fucking, you know, Philip Roth, the dog, he said... In 20 years, like he said this a while ago, but he retired before he died. He was like, I'm done, dude. This is fucking, I'm it. It's over. I'm not writing books anymore. And he didn't do it anymore. And he was like, you know, it's what I've done. It's been my career, but it's time to face the facts. It's an increasingly niche occupation. And in 20 years, it's. I'm not saying it's going to die. I'm saying it's going to be like the way some people read Latin poetry. Like, it's just like reading artful novels is not really yeah uh, ken kesey the guy that wrote uh, one floor over the cuckoo's yeah, nest CIA said that uh, if uh shakespeare were here today he would not write he would make movies for sure yeah he yeah, bought yeah some camera equipment and drove across america well the cia was funding him i read this week i meant to send you the article but i read it i actually found it your intellect would have torn it to pieces you would have not found it persuasive i don't think oh that's too bad i was kind of hoping that it would be persuasive i'll send it to you please do you want. Yeah, yeah yeah this this is the guy who wrote about true detective season two <laughs> okay. that's it's his website i mean easy enough to like <laughs> keezy straight up like that he was in mk ultra he was a well, test subject he's not See, I think that that is true that. of Chuck Dieterich of Synanon, too. That's why I think the MK Ultra connection is pretty strong to me. It's as strong as Ken Kesey. If you're convinced by that, you'll be convinced. Well, no, I think that the Kesey thing... The article would, is much longer than that. The the Kesey thing, like, informs my point. Like, it's not like that he the CIA... The, as far as I can tell, that the CIA got him to think what they were hoping that he would think. It doesn't even really seem like, based on his recollect, like you know, re recountings of the thing, that they were trying to get him to think anything. They were just kind of like, "What happens if we give him this much asset? Like, let's just give it to him and see what he does." Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, so this guy—it's so interesting. I bought his books and I've been listening to his old podcast appearances. He almost did what I kind of wanted to do with my Jeffrey Epstein novel, but I think mentally I'm in a much better place. I'm glad I only encountered his stuff now especially because he got a guy from Texas on there 
who is a literary agent. And I, I want to stress, dude, I fuck with this guy hard. His name's Jason Horsley. Yeah. Who is this guy? Where'd you find him? Jason Horsley. I was reading something. I was like, what is the current state of information that's available about what is loosely called like Pizzagate and Pedogate? Because that shit, I'm not going to lie, dude, kind of spun me out when it first dropped, dude. Like, I do think there's still a lot in those emails where it's like the official explanations are wanting and I've filled in my own gaps. Some of them are I just... Every time I feel like I've felt that way, like, like I listen to the Alex Jones, his like best, uh, his best of, of like, dude, what the fuck are they saying here? And, uh, like you left your napkin. I think it's pizza related. It's map related. Uh, do you want to come get it? Like, that's weird. Why would you care about someone leaving a pizza related napkin? It's code for something. I'm just like, it's at least drugs, dude. I mean... There's a lot of the things that Jones cited, though, that, like, I, I mentioned on the podcast at some point, and uh, I was just like, man, I don't know what to think about this. And someone wrote me, like, a point-by-point, point, like, he had seen someone explain it. Uh-huh. And what did they say? Do you remember just, anything? Well, like, w- one was... um. No, I don't. Okay. I could go find it, but... <laughs> I just remember... This I is probably like this, five years ago at this point. Yeah, I've, well, so I'm refreshed because I listened to this old shit because it was like the Reddits have all been taken down and all I hear is the passive voice that has been debunked and I'm always like, by who and how? Well, the guy debunked uh, it on the email, like enough specific yeah, I examples where I, I was like, you're... it just made me realize how your perspective could be wrong and I shouldn't feel confident about it's any not... of this. I was trying to make that point earlier too. Okay, that's fair. Thank you for getting that in there. I'm sorry I made you feel like you need to... No, no, no. no. I was, I'm um, being a dick. I apologize. I don't... Dude, I really don't believe... This is what I believe. In every circles where there's power and privilege, people are going to abuse vulnerable people. There are also people that... Uh, I think that's right. They're oriented to actually seek out vulnerability. And in our society, that means women and children. Uh, yeah. and that, that just happens. So it, and if you un- were unfortunately an incredible, right now, sorry, God can change. I, I just don't want to leave whatever I say on that just happens as if that can't fucking get better. That was it. I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying, so it's on the, the powerful who don't do that to be vigilant and to not let themselves be captured. It's a metaphor in many ways. You know, the Passions books really get at this too. The vampires are, of course, the ultimate metaphor, it seems to me, of our time. Uh, but it's like, you know, and True Detective gets at it too. Like, these powerful guys, of course, are abusing women and children. And they're trying to control. And Errol, of course, is is the grotesque, you know... Uh, demonstration of a writ large but like they're trying to control death and power and existence on this life by controlling the most vulnerable and the most life-giving aspects of it that's why i think the flower as like a fragile but life-giving and beautiful symbol you know it, it doesn't surprise me that it emerged i'm not saying nick pizzolato broke out although one of russ books in his boxes is just like a uh dk books the book of symbols you know like a coffee table book uh which is pretty funny but uh so i'm just saying like um i think where those pockets you know may or may not be emerging 
as with any abuses of power, because there's a lot more subtle things going on than fucking the worst of what people imagined explained Pizzagate. And I'm not saying I buy into any of that, you know, I'm just going to hand wave it all away right now. But I'm just saying like, so it doesn't surprise me that there's weird stuff going on within pockets of any political party. It certainly doesn't surprise me, and it's not like you shouldn't say this. Like, the Republicans are the ones who repeatedly are demonstrably rife with people who engage in pedophilia as well as, like, gray zone shit. And I'm not just talking about the recent shit. I mean, the Hastert shit. You know what I mean? It's like, we don't have to be conspiratorial to fucking think Uh, about this. Donald Trump, for example. Yeah, that's, like, one of the theses I have is, like, one of the beefs between Trump and Epstein was I think like Trump was an Epstein, but not backed by the CIA. And like, it was like Trump knew it and Epstein knew it. Like Trump just got the results that Epstein wanted by being a legit rich asshole guy. He's still an asshole, but like he didn't need to blackmail people like that. I don't think, you know what I mean? Whereas like, and he, he didn't, he wasn't quite as grotesque as Epstein. But, like, I don't know. It just all hit me. I saw a picture of the four of them, Melania, Trump, Epstein, and Ghislaine at a party. Yeah. And the way they were all posed and looking at each other and the way Trump has talked about Heidi Cruz, who you know I would take a bullet for right now. Uh, What? I'm a huge fan of Heidi Cruz, dude. I mean, I feel bad for her. Uh, Because being married to Ted cannot be fun. And the police Some found... of the stories about her are sympathetic. Uh, I don't know that any of them made me want to take a bullet for her. <laughs> no, I wouldn't take a bullet for her, but I feel bad for her. That's in stark uh... contrast to a recent <laughs> statement you made. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I need to be less emphatic. Um, but I do feel bad for her. It seems like she's had kind of her ups and downs. Uh, what the fuck are we talking about, dude? Well, I wanted to make so a point on your point. But you, yeah. Anyway. I... Of course. Um, just, uh, you know, whatever you're like, I, it's all moved so far for, uh, but, uh, like, uh, fucking, you know, you're, you're saying the kind of natural suspicions that we should have of structures of power, because oh, to right, think right, about right. it, you know, like from a perspective of let's say, like, do you think that it's possible that there could be people who are incredibly intelligent that had ill will in their heart? I think we all would agree that that can happen. And then if that does happen, like, what are they going to do? You know? Um, And you see this in the show, like, uh, the way that the Tuttles, you know, insinuate themselves into religion and politics. You know? Of, like, if I am the kind of person who wants to create a fucking pipeline where I can just get my hands on as many fucking kids as possible. What am I going to do? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be a church. I'm going to, I'm going to take the ways that like the trust that society has. I'm going to find the institutions that society trusts. I'm going to infiltrate them and I'm going to exploit that trust to do things that they wouldn't do, that they don't want me to do. That it would be a violation of that trust. This does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Seville and his access to like, underprivileged children through charities who's you know that? About that the guy in the uk jimmy savile seville savile i think s-a-v-i-l-e i can't remember how they were saying it he was a host of like children's tv shows he had a show called jimmy will fix it where he would like visit children's charities and shit mm-hmm. he was 
revealed to have molested thousands of children over decades after he died like a few years ago, including where he had access to children in like mental hospitals and shit, like through connections with local politicians. Uh, that's fucking gross. That's what but the, I mean, like, you know, Sandusky had a chair at children's Literally charity. same. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like the first time it hits you that that because happens. Because if you're thinking like, if I'm a pedophile, <laughs> how do I get some kids? Start a children's charity is an obvious answer. Well, that's fucking psychopathic, man. And it's like so systematic in being and thinking. It's like the Holocaust of molesting kids, dude. Except you run the gas chambers also. It's fucking wild, dude. Even child molesters, most of them don't do shit like that. But even the ones that do become teachers. They don't run whole fucking, like the way most people open a restaurant, they don't open Uber Eats. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like income inequality, but for child molesters. Yeah. It's fucking bananas, man. Yeah. And like, it spins you out the first time you realize that happens at all. And I knew there were child molesters, dude, but... The first time you realize the systemic, it's like what happens to Russ, man, this fucking sprawl, dude. And when you realize that you don't know the limits of it, you have to ask what they are and then resign to not knowing anything beyond like weird specific story, stories that further can like confirm the ambiguity of how deep it all goes. Yeah, that's probably the Epstein thing. It's it's just, it's not like anything else that I've ever me out. come across. <laughs> yeah, it's, man. it's totally singular because it's, it's waving the sprawl in front of everyone. It penetrated in a way that stories about that kind of stuff never penetrates. Where this is a point that Jake makes all the time of like, you know, our parents saw that on the news. And like, like if you ask them like, who's Jeffrey Epstein, they wouldn't say I've never heard of him. Right. Uh, and like, so like they all had to, you know, I mean, like, I'm sure that mo that most of them did a better job of compartmentalizing and like, you know, shutting down the part of their brain that was like, what now? Than, than I have done. Right. But like all of us had to do it. We all, like everyone living in the society within fucking sh uh, like ear distance of a television has had to like, you know, uh, so the CIA, like the, the, one of the people we trust in our government right now, what, what was uh, what was the Trump cabinet position? What do I'm you mean? Blanking. On what? In what regard? Um, Acosta. Oh, he was the Secretary of Labor, but he was the U.S. Yeah. Attorney yeah, in yeah, the Southern yeah, District of Florida. But yeah, like yeah, the yeah. fucking Secretary of Labor sat before Congress and said, "This guy belongs to intelligence." Like that was that was in congressional I testimony, right? Um, I think so, or at least in their investigation, because I know they they give background interviews and shit. Said that he belongs to intelligence, and then like and above we, his pay grade, then we as fucking find attorney. all this shit, like just nailed down shit of him fucking having this pipeline of girls from florida high schools to his fucking islands and i believe i mean i'm not an expert I, like that's not conspiracy that's just like direct it's congressional testimony well, and the, might way not they, be the way they found testimony. this out i think at least some of it is the victims had rights under federal victims rights laws to be notified if their assailant yes like got certain terms you know granted to him or whatever and they had to sue to find that out. And that revealed the terms of the actual agreement that Acosta entered into on behalf of the United States government. 
as their chief law enforcement representative in, I would say, the busiest, got to be top five busiest human trafficking jurisdictions in the country. Yeah. And just yeah. being like, I don't even think it's top five, dude. I think it's intelligence told me, yo, we should watch fucking the Michael Mann Miami Vice, dude. <laughs> That'll be a palate cleanser, dude. I'm not even playing, man. Have you seen it? Uh, that's Colin Farrell, out, dude. That'll turn you into a Colin Farrell fan for I, season two. What are you talking about? Okay, okay. All right. You think with me John, with, with my? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think it. He's he's the pride and joy of the of Ireland, dude. That's what obviously, I'm saying. Uh, I support our national heroes. Him, Rory McIlroy. I don't even know who that guy is. He's a, is golfer. He a golfer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Technically Northern Ireland, but Catholic family. We'll take it. Okay. I mean, I think, Farrell, of, I think of it all as he's one He's black one. Irish, I think. You know? Yeah. Have you uh, seen In Bruges? No, it's on HBO Max, though. I have noticed that, I think. It's I've been meaning to watch it. That's probably my personal record of meaning to watch. Like, I've had it on my computer for a decade, meaning to watch it. But I did finally watch it. And you know what? Everyone is right. It is good. Interesting. I, I want to watch it. I love... That's the exact same era as Miami Vice... Colin Farrell, Miami Vice. I almost posted a meme recently. We watched The Recruit at uh, Excel. Ooh, that was one we nice, owned. Nice, we nice, watched nice, that over nice. and over. I remember, I think, seeing that DVD, but maybe I'm manufacturing that memory. I didn't really know who he was. I remember getting out. Daredevil came out. Great job, obviously. And then I, my buddy had a DVD of the movie Phone Booth. Dude, phone booth rocks. We, was, I think we had that he one said. too. He's like, he's in a phone booth the whole time. So fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how do you get in there? He was like, watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those ones where it was the classic Excel thing of it's on, it's out in theaters. And so some kids are seeing it on visits. I think this was definitely oh, around the time shit. where yeah, yeah. I'm not. So you you get this, you get the buzz. The, <laughs> yeah. the way the buzz would build yeah. was was very organic. It's almost worth going to Excel. To <laughs> it did finally like uh, consummate and see the movie that you've been buzzing on. I don't agree, but like I, I know what on you the mean. Matrix for three years, dude. Oh like, my god, I, saw I it. Yeah, must yeah, have yeah, been. Yeah. <laughs> What an all-time buzz. Indeed, it's still. But the best release was whenever, uh, whatever you just would, uh, they would show it at the school. You know, of like, yeah. hey, boys we've been maybe? hearing you buzzing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. This one wasn't a maybe boys' the night, but it would be great. It was. Yeah, yeah, maybe they all know buzzing. what we're buzzing about. <laughs> and uh, they're like, we got it, dude. Yeah, Phone yeah, booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. So, well, damn, I was definitely not there for that. That's funny, dude. It was great. I love it. That's awesome. It. Yeah, you got to give it up. You got to give it up. Black Hawk Down was a buzz movie. And that was another, that was a boys night. Yep, definitely. Clear out the doors. Projected dorms. on the wall. Mm-hmm. That's a great Is one. Is that why you got the projector? I do have Black Hawk Down on, on Blu-ray. association of projectors from that. I have it on Blu-ray, but I have not watched it. I feel like True Detective kind of did what The Passage did to Stephen King with that one project scene. Like this episode four or five. You know, when they're in Beaumont. So the, yeah. That was like cooler than Black Hawk Down. I and think so. And like more was going on in that in that five minutes, I thought. Um, I'm sure it's great. It's it's a report on Acosta. It's not congressional testimony. It's okay. the, the Trump transition team asked him about, like, is this going to be a problem? What's What happened there? 
Well, that raises... response to them, okay, according to reporters, yeah, yeah, was I was told he belonged to intelligence. If the Woodward book contradicts that, please tell me if you read that. I'm not going to read any Woodward books. Okay. I feel like if there were any evidence whatsoever to contradict that, we would have heard about that. And so it's like, again, you know, you got to look, you got to adopt the occult lens, what's being possibly occluded here. And so it's like, all we have is, this is what we know about Alex Acosta. I promise you, if you pull up his Wikipedia page, it's either Ivy League pedigrees or just like a wild success story from well-respected, you know, lesser public schools. You know what I mean? Like this guy's a careerist through and through. I don't mean that as a pejorative, but this guy got all the way. You don't fail upwards. I know like it's funny to joke about how everyone fails upwards all the time, mm -hmm. but you have to be hyper-competent in your actual job, which is serving the bureaucracy uh, and advancing yourself within it. And then, so would you say that failing upward is a misunderstanding of like what they're actually supposed to do? In, often, like yeah. that they're not failing at the their real job. Often, yeah. Okay. Uh, or you're just misunderstanding what their job is actually asked them to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, I I rarely. It's funny to watch it like in TV and shit. You know, like Veep and all that. I'm not in politics like that, so I would ask you that. But it seems to me. I also have never served in a presidential administration. Yeah. I am an alternate on the Board of Adjustments. Is it Veep like? I haven't done anything for <laughs> it. That'd be awesome if it was. That'd be so funny. I mean, I think even Veep does a good job of showing these people actually are hyper competent in their own like specific way. And that's what makes it so funny how yes. comical, you know, comically bad they are. At the rest yeah, of their like lives. they're hyper competent at the job they're interested in doing which is advancing their own careers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember once like uh, someone left the law firm and opened their own shop and was trying to recruit young attorneys and another attorney was counseling against it and was like, you got to think about what <clears throat> this working for this person actually is. He's always going to want to be the one to like make the jury the closing argument and do the actual trial, all this. He didn't leave to start his own thing because he was humble. Exactly. Like, he wasn't even like that here. Like, he's not going to, you know, he's he's selling you a dream if you think it's going to be, you know, shit he doesn't care about. That's all, you know, it is. And I feel like that's like, you know, Veep kind of makes that clear. You know, the way politicians are supposed to uh, get reelected. That's their number one priority or get publicity or funding or whatever, pack donations. Uh I, you look at a guy like Acosta, what is his version of that? The way you become a United States attorney, he also worked, I think, for the EEOC, maybe the NLRB, I, I don't fucking remember. But it's like, you gotta be a good person who gets along in the bureaucracy and then purposefully tries to advance through its ranks. Like, I know really smart people who were highly competent attorneys at the NLRB who just decided like it does not seem worth it to me to make the extra fifteen or twenty thousand dollars a year, and then the odds beyond that get hard unless you like move to D.C. Uh, and then there are people who like go through D.C. life, you know, from the start. I think he might have leaned more towards that because I think he is like a Ivy League guy. I'm I'm just trying to paint a picture here. These are not people like you and me who. 
have demonstrated in our own lives that we are willing to incur costs to, you know, it turns out we believe at least some of what we say we believe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it, his, the thing he is good at is watching out for Alex Acosta and Alex Acosta's reputation for reliability. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? For, for the people who decide who gets to take the next slot in the chain. So what makes a guy like that? If we tell him to back off this thing, is he going to do it regardless? Mm-hmm. Exactly, dude. So what makes a guy like that think that the thing, the move for him is to let the last word be he brokered a sweetheart deal with Jeffrey Epstein because intelligence told him to? What's the backstory there? Whether or not he said that to the Trump team, how does that become what is the narrative that the press, the last, the, when the music stopped and there was one musical chair left, that's the last word? Because that's different from him saying it before Congress. It's different from an actual Trump person saying, I interviewed him and he said this, here's the, here's the transcript. I mean, it's certainly you not know. the case that the thing he's scared of is intelligence, right? I don't think so. Like, that, like if his that's, primary purpose was protecting the CIA, they, their name wouldn't leave his mouth. Yeah, that's like uh, Harvey Weinstein or Ghislaine, like having those photo drops where they're carrying like books that have like loaded. You remember that? A little bit, yeah. Like the CIA and mind control and shit like that. I mean, didn't uh, Ghislaine post like fake photos of herself at chick-fil-a or at yeah, in and out yeah. i think yeah, yeah yeah queen shit dude what was going on there <laughs> well i think so again i like i said i was kind of spun out over this shit when it when it first came out uh i think the when you looked at the metadata of that photo it was revealed to have been doctored by her pr people or or her attorney yeah uh okay i think it was the attorney yeah yeah okay okay maybe i wasn't spun out or you also were well, yeah, exactly. Like, what what message were they saying? I, she was sh reading a book that was rife with potential uh, fodder for the conspiratorially inclined. Which that's my beef with Jason Horsley. He's a little credulous. He, but as a result, he or but that's another way of saying. He's, Did you finish explaining who Jason Horsley is, dude? I let me. Yeah, yeah. I w I did not, dude. It's, I'm glad you asked. Do you want to hear about him? Yes. He's fucking buck, dude. So this actually brings me, this was something I struggled with. I was like, how should I tell this story? But it should be interesting. I was like, it is kind of an interesting, like, what if it turned out to be true? I'm positive it's not true. Um, but, you know, so one of the things I struggled with as I was getting fired was I've always throughout my life been very open, you know, the ocean model of describing personality, the acronym O C E A N uh, is components of personality. O is openness to experience. I would say you and I are on the high side of the, that spectrum. I think that's true. Yeah. That makes you more inclined to what's called the schizoid or the schizophrenic like experience. Cause you're just like, things are, you're more inclined to be like, this might be true than the average person is. It, realizing that alone was a revelation for me. Like it explained a lot of my lifetime frustrations. Uh, but one of the things... Yeah, like how much of life is determined by the degree to which, like the, you know, at what gradient do you say like, yeah, it might be true. 
Exactly, dude. Like that some people... I was like, you know, like I, whatever I was describing, like my parents seeing the uh, Epstein thing, like I, I was bringing that up because I assume that they're at a level where like the evidence has to be pretty strong before they're like, yeah, that might be true. Right. Whereas whenever I just like heard like there was, you know, I mean, like I was, uh, it was, I, all credit goes to uh, Jake's wife. She, she read like the Miami Herald investigation, like okay. that okay. initially spawned yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like had Respect. that to Jake who had it to me pretty early. Okay. okay. Um, and so, but you know, so like it just at that point, like well before he had been like charged again, let alone fucking, you know, found dead in his cell. Uh, yeah. I was like, I think this might be true, you know? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, it's just hard to figure out the exact details. You just know it's fishy as fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So fucking fishy, much dude. like True Detective. Yeah, basically, it basically get, gets it all that. And again, season two really does too, because I I'm, mean, I I cut off the news report. I don't know if you want to put, but that that's you know the same kind of stuff about like discrediting the rumors. Yeah, Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, if you want. Or I'm just saying, like, I, forgot I don't think what we need we to. I'm just, I'm just okay, saying okay. that I'm just presenting that as a bit of evidence, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually don't think Hillary is addicted to adrenochrome or a child-sacrificing pedophile. I don't believe that about Hillary. No, I. If the obvious explanation is that fucking uh, she's not involved anywhere in it except for that her husband is, and she's wished us that he wouldn't. Well, that's what I'm saying. There does appear to be. So, what's the deal with Melinda Gates, dude? Was she blind eye, or was she biding her time, or was she making a calculated decision with respect to Billy Boy? I mean, it seems like again, I like I don't have proof beyond like intuition, but like it. The reporting was that the only biding time was like waiting for them to figure out the f- like exactly how the divorce happens. Like okay. the reporting that I read indicated that uh, at the point at which this became a big issue and they were being publicly linked, that she asked Bill about it and she did not like the answers she received. <laughs> and so she told the lawyers, like, I know this is going to be a complicated process. It's going to take several years. Let's start now. Interesting. So I, I think that it must have been that she was legitimately in the dark until then. Interesting. Okay. Do you see his recent comments about it? These were covered on the popular podcast. It's just banter. Enlighten me. Uh, I wish I had the audio, but it was uh, Jake that, or I guess he sent it to him, but whatever, I'm not playing it. Yeah. Um, so he was asked about him a couple times uh, and, you know, kind of gave some non-answers. And I'm trying to remember the specific question. It was uh, something like, well, how do you account for this or whatever? Yeah, I, I, I can't recall the specific question. Yeah. Um, but he's just like, well, uh, he's dead now. So. <laughs> all right. Like, that all was right, just full of right, He's just like, right. you know. Yeah, yeah, What yeah. do you want from me? He's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was told by my top men that this had been uh, solved. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. He you got know? spun up, dude. I mean, it, it does seem like he, 
A lot of these guys, dude, it's like, you know, we talked in an earlier episode, you know, they get in that little boy mode. It's like, we've spent a lot of time thinking about what makes someone abusive in the way the show depicts, you know, maybe that's why these eight hours have seemed like they've taken a lot. Like the, the thought of doing this 10 times is brutal, uh, to me as much as I've enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Uh, but, uh, one of the like psychological theories involves the thought that depending on how it goes, it is consistent with the debatable theory that being abused makes you more likely to abuse, which is debatable and many people question, including me. Um, many people. The lady that wrote one book you recently read, that's all. Well, she's citing shit, dude. I know, I know. Uh, she's much more of an expert on it than I am. I, should, I have no right sure to be is. skeptical. She's an expert. Yeah, I know. Uh, she's been sued for defamation for saying people are full of shit and won. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's pretty good. Uh, more than I could say. So she, anyway, but it does make sense, like... um. So, like, you look at Jeffrey Epstein, right? His dream babe is, like, the kind of babe that was depicted as the hottest babe in the 80s or the 70s, like a Farrah Fawcett type or whatever, like, when you read about him. Uh, and he also fixated when he was, like, 16 or 17, I think, like, late high school maybe, early college maybe. I know he didn't finish college, but, like, on some girl he knew where she like went and got married and had kids with another guy, but Epstein was like on the low putting her those kids through college. Probably father. Well, I don't want to cast aspersions, but you know, like Kay. he had like a one true <laughs> love, like that he was, a, he was, he would like stalk her and shit. I'm That's not romanticizing it, but he was like obsessed with her while treating all these other women as disposable. It's pretty interesting. Like it's like a wild Madonna whore like version yeah, it makes sense to me uh for sure especially when you realize that he's like autistic about fucking you know i don't know i don't know how to describe what his thing is epsteining uh anyway what the fuck were we talking about dude this Jeffrey screensaver Epstein. is distracting me uh if you can't handle it, we, we can just turn it off. Maybe. Well, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, not on this shot. It's been uh, repeating the same shit. It's getting me kind of mad, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, we're just, this is like the third time we're through this cycle. But this is the good part of the cycle. Okay, we'll let we it go. We should talk on. about this. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, anyway, I'm just saying like... Uh, you were talking about Epstein had a lady that he was obsessed with. Yeah, but I don't remember why that was relevant. Oh, I'm saying like, so normal people, it does make sense like they get fixated. In the in the book Lolita, you know, the classic novel uh, yeah. of uh, child abuse, the narrator uh, who is like kind of like often cited as being self-serving and unreliable uh says basically that's his deal is like he you know had a childhood love that died or something um so i'm just saying like it's a normal thing so it, it makes sense like in this show's context why they're so you know perverted about it given what went what went on in their lives 
And he does draw the parallel of being like, do you know what they did to me? What I will do to all the sons and daughters? You know, uh, that's what Errol says. Like in his voiceover while McConaughey's going through the, the path yeah. in Carcosa. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like in some ways, all of these narratives are just answers to the question, what do we do with the fact that existing is traumatic? Like what to, to be, to become in this world is to hurt, like to grow is to hurt, to live is to die. You know, was it right to have kids? Like the deleted scene brings that up. Maybe that's, they were right to leave it out. But like, is it a crime to be like, I want to bring a life into this world? Like I clearly behaviorally don't think so. Is that my version of being Marty? Like just my animal self takes over and then I don't think about it and I we should be like Rust? I don't think the show says yes and maybe that's why they left it out too. I don't say yes I don't yes think either. it's remotely a yes. I don't either. But it's like, it's... I think you, you have to be narrow-minded. Like you just have to exclude so much truth from your perspective to arrive at that conclusion, in my opinion. I'm grateful that I can say that that's the case in my life, for sure. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I, I yeah. don't, I, I have rhetorically blamed my parents for bringing me to, into existence when they've been upset with me. Sure. In the past. Yeah. Being like, well, whose decision was this? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but I don't feel that way. I'm grateful to be here. Uh, and I hope, but I'll work hard. It is hard. unspeakably difficult. Well, exactly. And so it's like you, you look at your child, right? So that actually, again, brings me to this dude, Jason Horsley, dude. So he's I'm still not sure. who he is. Well, yeah. So I'll <laughs> tell you. So he actually went through a process that I think I started to go through, but I, because I've looked at my own mind more skeptically, I just didn't commit to anything. And I like, wasn't, I thought there was like fertile narrative signposts there was like a fertile narrative playground there in my own life i still think there is to do some sort of like auto fictional thing but i was like no way this is my real life although technically i can't rule a lot of things out so like the basic guideposts were like uh you know like uh i knew like in my class and like spent time with uh like people who worked in the Clinton administration mm -hmm. who were like pretty highly placed policy architects. And then their kids who were in my class went on to work for Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And so the dad in that family died before I went to Excel and he was like a health researcher. Like he was involved in Hillary care and uh, he wrote books about health policy or at least one. And, but he was like a cool, nice guy. And uh, I remember him telling me, like, he was like, Dare is not really right about drugs. And I was like, whoa. And he was like, I'm not saying you should be doing drugs. You're too young. But, like, if you came back from college and said that you smoked weed, I did, it would not be that wild. Like, you, that's likely to happen, uh, basically. And I remember being like, oh, that makes sense. Uh and then, like, right before I got kicked out of Princeton High School, I ran, like, I saw the son, who I knew. Mm -hmm. And we had been really good friends in, like, middle school, but in high school, we had kind of drifted apart. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty clear I was going in a different direction from the rest of Princeton High School. And he was like, well, I talked to my dad about you. 
And uh, <clears throat> he was like, uh, well, Alex is about to have a tough time or Alex is going to have a tough time, but he'll probably land on his feet. And I thought about that. So then I went to rehab in Palm Beach, Epstein land. While I was there, my counselor tried to initiate me as a shaman in like the order of Carlos Castaneda, the like boomer shaman novelist, which I never read his books. I have them now. I've been looking at them. Uh, I ran away before that happened. He's also the guy that prescribed me like Prozac, you know, Wellbutrin, which kind of spun me up. Then there was another counselor there who was like Sinanon inspired. And he threatened me. He said, in the Palm Beach community, there's programs that take minors and will put them with host families, and then you'll have to work for other people in Palm Beach. You'll never live with your family again. Because I was getting like goofy and like treating the program as a joke. And he was like, your next step is going to be really serious. Like, take me serious, boy. Like, he was like, really. He was right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I ran away from there, you know, long story short, uh, and then went to Excel, which, you know, we... Can we maybe get into that? Like, uh, in, in one of these, uh, the, whenever we next meet, I would love yeah, yeah, the full I mean, Palm Beach experience explained. For sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We could watch the MTV True Life episode, dude. Okay. Uh, but, so then I went to Excel, you know, there's 35 episodes about that. So then I'm like, as Pizzagate's unfolding and shit, I'm like, again, thinking back to that comment and like researching my own history and being like, there is, I know you're skeptical about a through line where the CIA said, let's start Excel Academy. But it's like, they did fund MKUltra. Which, I'm not just skeptical. I, I'm fairly certain it didn't Well, happen. let me trace a path. CIA funds MKUltra. Mm -hmm. Like, stop me when it gets false. MK Ultra gives people acid in academia. Um, yeah, I, I don't recall the specifics of. I, uh, well, if we stop there, then I guess the yeah, there's no real point. Then go ahead. I mean, that's pretty. That's Wikipedia level. Uh, but you know. But it's not something I know. Well, I'm saying. I go mean, ahead. Okay, so basically, the line goes: they basically invent the use of acid and the study of it as a means to control the populace and to mold them to the liking of the powers that be for national security reasons, but actually for child abuse reasons. Fair description mm -hmm. of MKUltra? No. What do you quarrel with? It's like just proved dead that uh, like you, you could present to a judge that you're positive it was for child abuse reasons. I'm saying in practice, it turns out to have been, yeah, they, they like, uh, or abuse of the test subjects. Maybe they weren't children. If, if it would comfort you to say they were all adults, that's I've fine. never heard of a time that there was an allocation that the child was its own. They I mean, exist. Again. They definitely exist. Okay. I will tell you that. I'm not, like, I'm, I'm just telling you the things that I know, right? Yeah, like, I'm not sure, saying what's true. I'm saying what I know. I've never, I don't know that. Yeah, in the interest of time, I'm trying to move briskly Go ahead. Go ahead. Cut. past what I think are basic points, but it's instructive to see where we differ in that regard. But... I'm saying Chuck Dieterich is documented to have participated in academic studies of LSD-25 with an acolyte of Timothy Leary. I can't remember his name, but like a guy who is maybe Richard Alpert. 
Okay. Uh, commonly lost character named after him, first uh-huh. of all. Yeah. Commonly associated with Timothy Leary, like studied with him, worked yeah. with him at Harvard. I know Richard. Uh, so this guy gets acid from like academic studies, which is basically you don't have that. That's like the way you don't have novels without Don Quixote. You don't have any of that without MK Ultra because they invented using like even inquiring into the mind control or the psychological uh, mutability possibilities present in psychedelics at all. Like this is again, not my own point. I think Ken Kesey has made this point. John Lennon made this point. Like he ironically in some interview was like, thank the federal government. Never forget. They're the ones that introduced us to all this stuff because they thought it would control us. But what it did was make us free. Now, obviously some people who are high on the O (laughs) like of the openness to ideas have decided that that's evidence that John Lennon is a CIA agent and himself an agent of MK ultra. And he's out there, you know, as a plant, you know, saying How a false flag narrative. How much acid do you think? Probably less than him, but still a lot. You know, I think he's done a lot too. I think none. Those people? That look at John Lennon and say that his point about it creating openness and freedom is proof that he's been captured? Yeah, I mean, I'm listening. I'm deep in this podcast world, dude. So I'm saying I think these people I'm listening to have done acid. Okay. But... All the people that were on like the Pizzagate subreddit and stuff, I don't think they were like psychonauts like that. No. Uh, But I do think, so this is where it gets weird. I think all of those narratives and many people have made this observation are really our our cultural way. And it's interesting to see what bubbles up at different cultural moments but they all kind of do answer the question like what the fuck is going on? How do you explain that life is so hard and so painful and difficult and mean? And what, why is my life so fucked up? Why do I feel like so fucked up? And then like in our pot, cause I've now studied like three generations of this and it's interesting to see like what happens. So the first generation of people that said they were government mind control slaves, almost, I wouldn't say all of them, but a very, very prevalent bit of mind control programming that they say was used as a cue and an implant for them was the film The Wizard of Oz, okay? Wow, the most popular film when they were children, you know, gets this weird psychosexual association with them. And then you see, like, this podcast I'm listening to now, I'm only halfway through it, but it's with a woman who seems to have met Leonard Cohen in Montreal in the seventies, like several times. And all I know is she repeatedly says she was not into him, didn't like him and didn't find him sexually attractive. But for whatever reason, took her girlfriends to his concert where he put the audience all in a trance. And then they all discussed that. She decided she didn't like that, but she would hang out with him anyway to see what he was up to. And it turns out he's an MK ultra spy too. Uh, and you know, you can read his poems and find evidence of it. And, you know, obviously Israel's involved in that. He's a killer. So are you repeating this as something that you are persuaded by? No, not so far. Okay. Uh, but I think as a meta narrative, it's a, an example of the generational shift in the like projection of personal trauma onto cultural icons. Uh, and this woman seems to, I mean, again, I've only listened to halfway through 
So what would you identify as like the personal, like the like trauma in the Wizard of Oz? What's the? No, I'm saying everyone has their own main character life where something bad has happened to them and it's fucked them up. It's our scars, you know, aka our pers- who we are, and we're all trying to figure out what's going on. And this woman in the Leonard Corn interview, uh, the podcast is called The Liminalist. And this is like a really early episode where I had to go on his blog to find it. It's like not on the podcast app if you look for it. He's like in the 300s in his episodes. So so I was listening to old episodes, but then I was like, what does he keep saying about Leonard Cohen? And that's where I'm saying we differ a little bit. He's credulous with all of his guests, but then he's a really good writer uh, giving critical analysis to other figures that think about these issues like that dude jeff kripal that i talked about that wrote mutants and mystics he kind of has always creeped me out a little bit because he seems to suggest that the psychosexual element of like you know the awakening process or the kundalini rising or whatever can be awakened by trauma and he it just doesn't quite close the door on whether or not that means that trauma can be beneficial you know we've talked about how as parents, it seems to be that life is traumatic enough. Our job is to help kids manage it and grow from it, but to go out of your way and inflict it for their own good or so that they learn is like evil and not what you should do as a parent. I think so. Like, yeah, like they may have to go to the dentist and they may not like it, but even then we're going to make sure the dentist doesn't fucking fuck around. You know, I mean, I think, I can speak for both of us. And there's just enough dentists in the world that the idea that you should uh, create extra dentists in order for them to learn, like, obviously wrong. Exactly. Like, there's, uh, you know, the actual dentists are sufficiently prevalent that uh, they're going to figure it out. Exactly. And so so Jason Horsley, basically, he has this interesting thesis, and, and he takes down Jeff Kripal and this guy, Whitley Stryber, who is like the leading UFOologist. Like he probably has a Netflix show at this point, Mm -hmm. but like, of course, Jason Horsley thinks they're CIA plants or maybe they're allowed to exist by the powers that be, which they kind of clearly are unless there are no powers that be because they do in fact exist in our world, you know? And he, so anyway, it's like, he's a really interesting writer when he's being skeptical, but he'll also just let a woman go on and on about how Leonard Cohen is like a, you know, a government assassin and stuff. So it's really a good podcast and I recommend it. I I highly do. And I've purchased several of his books, like since I've been listening to it. It was a sharp, felt like a sharp change. And yeah, well, I think it's a really interesting perspective and his credulity allows these people to spin out and just, they're so comfortable. He's such a good interviewer. He's the opposite of whatever we're doing. Like, he's just like, go on, you know? And she's like, well, all I'm going to say is I wasn't into him sexually, but he, he called me at 10 o'clock and I just, I was like, I'll go to his house and see what happens. And, uh, you know, and then we just, we saw what happened. And he was like, even Jason was like, would you say he seduced you? And she just started like giggling, which got me, you know, normally like gets me thinking when there's not really a joke, mm-hmm. but she did that quite a bit. Like you can tell there's some weird personal trauma. And that's what I was saying. She kept saying, I just know that I had to be special. And she thought she was Canadian, obviously. And so not special. Well, yeah. And so her parents were like somehow related to McGill university, but not 
professors, I think. And she was saying she was selected as a gifted child and offered up to, to this program where she was basically MK ultra and her brother was too. And she was like, like at night I would lay down and I would hear voices that would be like, you're nothing. You're not going to be anything. And it's like, okay, number one, we've discussed off air. It is pretty common to have auditory hallucinations, especially before you fall asleep. If you're listening and you're worried that you're too crazy, if you just heard that, it happens, you know? Uh, but you should listen if the voices are saying shit like that. Would you say it was like third of people or something? Yeah, like 30%, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm not in the 30s, so that sounds wild, but like, you know. But we'll get what, what is also wild when you think about it is, yes, she may just be having hallucinations and she may have the opposite where she's vocally saying, I, I know I have to be special and I was selected because I was gifted. I was the, the, ch the children of academic people and I was gifted. And so, and that's where I was experimented on. The shadow of that is somebody being like, you're not gifted, you're nothing, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so it makes sense if that's pounding you at night. And then she said as an adult, her brother said that that happened to him too. And it's like, okay, you can't tell her none of that is true. You can say, I don't draw the same conclusions. And she has a lot of other, you know, tales. Uh, something happened to this woman though. The same with the satanic panic people. It's like, Enough, something, this woman has a different experience of life than we do. Why and what does it say about our culture at large? She's part of it too. I, I find that really interesting and I think the, the limitless yeah, I mean, podcast just, it, it is good at bringing like that out. It seems like possible to me that the something different is just, you know, different role of the genetic dice. Yeah, I agree. And it makes her more open to experience and she's more sensitive to, to different aspects of our culture and she spits out something so different. It's always interesting to me to look at it and then be like put it through my own filter and be like what does it say about my experience in this culture i find it really but interesting like, to we can agree that uh the, the thing that's different isn't necessarily that she was abused by no, someone definitely not of course we can agree on that yes okay. uh but you can't quite rule it out either without well, yeah, he, I, it's he, her life. I, mean? I have no idea what happened. Well, yeah. then think about the program the Uni Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, went through at Harvard, uh -huh. where they did kind of, they photographed them naked. They were like, they sinned on them. And then it's like, that's that was a Harvard government-funded program at Harvard. There's like a really long, really good Atlantic article about it. Uh, and so it's like, if he said he had those hallucinations, you would be like, yeah, well, I know why. With her, we don't quite know why. You know what I mean? So that it's just interesting. And so the, the guy, Jason Horsley is like, this is all just people in one way or another. They're telling the tale of their own trauma. And in his essay about Kripal and Whitley Stryber, where he basically is like, I am not comfortable with their failure to distance themselves from the implication that child abuse can be good, you know, in their work, uh, in their adulation for the occult and, what loosely this guy jeff kripal and whitley striber who is the leading novelist UFO. he's yeah he's sold okay. millions of books about his own experience with they're the gray insufficiently critical of pedophilia <coughs> the notion that at bottom all of these experiences are traumatic psychosexual experiences but they trigger the kundalini rising or the awakening of the seventh eye uh, or, you know, mean? you're basically I like a, your psychic awakening to the, <laughs> the second matrix, 
you know, I mean, I'm joking. That That is a Jason Horsley term, the second matrix. But like, you know, when you go, basically you have a manic episode and then you kind of see the world differently afterwards, That like in clinical terms. But like they, in spiritual terms, it is called all those things, you know, like a coon, in, in like Kripal, according to fucking Jason Horsley, in Kripal's books, he's the guy that's obsessed with the X-Men as like the parallel to the Esalen Institute, which again is true detective season two. Like we'll, we'll have to get into this guy's book on Esalen, which I always found very fishy too. Uh, Cause he's like the spokesman. He writes the official Esalen book, you know? Anyway. So who does Kripal? Kripal. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. So, and Kripal is also teamed up with Whitley Stryber to write a book together. And of course, Jason Horsley is savage tearing that thing to pieces. And then he's like, at the end of the day, Something happened to Whitley Stryber. He doesn't quite know what to make of his own life. <clears throat> and I think part of him is hoping for a reader as close as me to tear him up. And you know what? I think part of me with all of this writing is hoping for the same for myself. And I was like, holy shit, dude. So my read on that is get this guy's life, dude. So he's like a third generation, really rich British guy. He's like 50 years old. Jason Horsley, the liminalist. And he was a film critic. You know Verso books, you know, since you're a leftist? I do know Verso books. He, like, used to write... Since I'm a leftist. He, like, writes for Verso books and shit. Okay. Like, he's, like, he's he's out there, dude. Uh, you know, I mean, he's in, the, he's in the mix. That, I'm saying he's ahead. in the mix. I'm, okay. You know, I'm not saying he's in outer space, although he is in outer space, too. But I fuck with this dude, as this is, I hope, is clear. Uh, I would say that nothing of this portion has been clear. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I do feel like feels the only a little way over is, dense. The only Hard way out is follow. through at this point because I can. I, I agree, dude. I'm sorry, but can I thank you for the space to at least let me finish this off? So definitely giving you the space. So basically, uh, he's like he's doing his thing that he himself described, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> this is kind of funny. How many fucking threads are going right now? Jesus Christ. Uh, so, okay. So he's like a third generation, like he's a really wealthy British guy and he's like a film critic, you know, he loves films, whatever. So then in, and he turns away his inheritance at like age 23. Uh, and he like goes and travels and like, you know, becomes a leftist film critic. And then at midlife, he like has a breakdown and he gets fired from a law firm. <laughs> no, I know. Right. Uh, and no, but he like, uh, and remember when I got fired from the law firm, I bought, you like, got fired from a law firm. True, dude. When you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and remember I bought every movie that I had ever seen. <laughs> like, <laughs> Don't say that just after I took a drink of water. <laughs> that but, was almost dangerous. But you remember that? Like, you know, the binders, dude. Yeah, uh, I have seen your binders of uh, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one, you know, we'll see. It's been useful. But uh, so he did that basically, but he was a film critic. So he had film criticism to reread. So he wrote a new book about rereading his old film criticism, like in light of his revisiting his entire like life values. That's system. head pretty far up the ass, but I am kind of interested. In that. I fuck with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I haven't read it, but I've been listening to like his podcast where he's like talking about it and you know, I'm going to read it obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, so he starts research and his whole life he had been interested in like the occult. He's British. 
Uh, I wonder if I could help him with this podcast. His podcast, I don't know if he still does it or not. I think he does. I'm in so far in the backlogs right now. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, I want to be clear. That that sounds like an arrogant statement, uh, like that I thought I could improve upon the content. That's not what I mean. He's I mean that I, I've looked up uh, this podcast and see it that should be more it's episode lauded. 292 is the most yeah, recent yeah, yeah, one yeah, yeah. that that's, uh, right. was released on September 21st, which was last week. Um, but so 292, and then the oldest one he has is 272. And that, to me, is just a classic case of RSS feed mismanagement. Yeah. I can clear that one up for him pretty easy. That's what I mean. Honestly, we should email him because I bet he would read it. Because on his blog, you can go back and listen to the old episodes. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, so, I, if he just changes phone, a couple just settings like on that seven blog, I think Safari that we tabs of what I want to listen to. Could fix this. But anyway, so like, unless I mean, if he wants only twenty nine episodes to exist, then I don't think so. He's not, not doing it like that. You can't pay or for like you can donate or anyway. So he starts researching his own life, and he had always been interested in like the occult and stuff. And so he basically he his current thesis. So he he's researching the occult. He finds out about this society, the Fabian Society. Uh, you know about them? No. So they were like the leading, they were like pre-progressive, you know, not progressive, you know, not like modern day, but like the early 20th century, around the time Aleister Crowley was like popping as an occultist, Mm -hmm. they were like George Bernard Shaw, fucking John Maynard Keynes, noted pederast, by the way, did you know that? Would like go to the bordellos, have orgies with the- Did not know that. the fucking Chico's. The economist? Yeah, dude. Okay. Uh, and that's what it, that's what basically this guy's saying. He's like, so he was researching them, and because uh, they were basically like, we're gonna, they were MK Ultra of progressive education. They were like, we're gonna mold the model citizen. The world's changing. You don't have to be conspiratorial about this. You just have to read what they were saying. Like they would give speeches about this and be like, yo, y'all should join the movement, fellow rich, smart people we're molding the populace to our liking. We have to like, are you kidding me? We have bombs now. Like we, we got to do it this way. Uh, like we saw what world war one was like with, you know what I mean? Like, obviously they fucked it up. We now know, but, uh, they were also like, it turned like running in the same intellectual circles as all these British occultists. You know what I mean? And it's like, there was more between the two of them, then they would talk about publicly, you know, they'd be at like the same parties, like drinking together and stuff. Uh, and so his basic, so Jason Horsley's point, you know, in terms of like his cultural thesis is like, there's something to the occult, you know, the left-hand path, whatever, like the dark arts, the, the basic notion as articulated by Crowley is like, there is only the law, the will is the only law. Do what thou wilt is the only law. He also says love is the only law. You can turn it into a hippie, new age, whatever. Again, this is true detective season two. But uh, it can also be the excuse to be like, I'm going to fucking rape a kid and maybe kill him. And you know what? It'll actually be good for them. And it's also good for me because I want to. And you know, my religion tells me I am the God, which is the same as the universe. And so whatever I want is the law. And I'll, like, there, it's easy to interpret it that way. 
and people appear to have throughout history. And so basically that's his beef with Kripal is he's like, uh, yo, you don't close the door on that. And what you don't realize, or maybe you do realize that, and that's much more sinister, uh, even if you're being cheeky about it, or even if you're talking, and this is my own point, I think maybe a little more, maybe Kripal had his own experience and he's making sense of it. Maybe he got molested as a kid and this is his way of making sense of it. Maybe that's Whitley Stryber too, but it's like, you have to be aware, according to Horsley, that the occult path does appear to at least a, a, a version of it, unless you check it, you're like a, a portion of those people will end up like uh, abusing kids where they wouldn't have, because it's like that's where these that you got to think about. Do what thou wilt. Where does that even matter? Where can you tell you're an adherent of that credo? Not if you're following anything other than breaking a taboo. What are our society's taboos? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's as simple as that. So it's like, you got to watch out for that according. So he's like, that's his thesis. So he, when he's researching this, he's researching the Fabians, who are like, basically, what we will is our own will upon society as a whole. And he fucking realizes his own grandfather is like in the mix. And it's like, oh shit, dude, I'm writing a fucking memoir. And so then I'm like, well, is that, because he's like, and this explains why I was drawn to it and all this stuff. It's like, or are you just fucking losing it? You know what I mean? Like, or is it just, you were always drawn to this because you kind of always knew this was a little bit in your background or, you know what I mean? Like, so anyway, his basic thing, and I don't want to take this away from him is he was like, he thinks he was abused, but he doesn't quite remember how, but he thinks it has to do with an occult initiation. And like, since then he like, he's had a life change. He quit doing all drugs and he just podcasts and you know, whatever, uh, writes books. Uh, but it's like a much different perspective now. So anyway, I feel like I was about to do that with my own life with like, did my childhood connection to camp Clinton somehow. And you know, I was recruited for like gifted and talented programs, but I never went to any of them cause I hate, you know, nerds. Uh, you hate I, nerds? It's not all of them, dude. I love the movie. Well, it's problematic now. I don't fuck with it. But as a kid, I liked the movie Revenge of the Nerds. I thought it was great. Great story. Overcoming being a nerd. <laughs> Becoming alpha. Anyway, all I'm saying is like I, I thought that at, at Excel, I thought it just meant, you know, this guy, he's pretty smart. And he's like, Alex will land on his feet. And I thought that sometimes when I was like, this sucks. I was like, oh, I'm laying on my feet. But then after I got fired and it was right around the time that Epstein killed, it was like Epstein killed himself on my birthday, I think, or the day after. <laughs> and I was like, right when I got fired. Yeah. Fucking sucked, dude. Uh, I mean, it didn't suck because Epstein died, but like all of it. Uh, and I was, so I was like reading all this stuff and just like spinning out. And I was like, the comment of like Alex is about to have a hard time. And then that guy in West Palm beach being like, you're going to have to leave your family. These people are going to control you. Like you're going to, you're not shaping up. So it's going to get hard. And then like the other guy being like, you have to be a shaman. Here's an antidepressant that will fucking spin you up. And then like, you know, having an episode and running, that's a short story. And then running away like 30 days into the stay. Uh, I guess we could, yeah, we could talk about that longer. Anyway, I'm saying it was easy to be like, yo, there's a whole narrative here of like 
this is all you you could like draw the thread but you have to be charlie and always a sunny meme you know what i mean mm -hmm. to be like i was selected because i was gifted and the synanon offshoot like now i i still think it's like cool fodder for a novel but it's like it's got yeah. got to compete with netflix you know it's got to be good uh but okay. it's like it's interesting stuff like so anyway i was listening to other jason horsley podcasts and he had this dude on that i really think i believe in god dude the way god didn't let me go to rice so that i couldn't take religion classes with jeff kripal like because i would have and it wouldn't have been good for me i really do believe that like god didn't let me find jason horsley during pizzagate dude i'm just, i can handle it now because uh, he had this dude on. This would have put me into fucking Jupiter, dude, if I had heard this. This dude is from Texas, right? He's from Houston. And he's a little bit older than us. And the way he just... No, no, no. The guy that Jason Horsley had on. Remember, Jason Horsley will have anyone on who thinks that they were, like, uh, abused as part of, like, a sexual ritual abuse. He'll believe you. If you've, like, written a book... Is that the whole podcast? No. I mean, he has 300 episodes, so I can't tell. 292. Yeah, yeah. So I doubt it. But uh, he'll definitely, the ones I've been in, like the Ann Diamond lady, she hasn't really, she's the Leonard Cohen theorist. Uh, she hasn't said she was sexually abused, but it's like, if I were her psychiatrist, I would probably write down, let's, let's consider this a possibility. I don't want to psychoanalyze a stranger, but some of the stuff you have to, when it's made public as these kinds of narratives um and it's she's saying it too she's just saying it happened in the context of mk ultra i would just say the thing we agree on is she appears to have suffered an early life trauma uh, she also says she she was told she had pneumonia at four but it's impossible she can't find a record my as an investigator huh? as someone who is paid to interview and investigate things uh -huh. when i hear that my brain just puts that in the can't tell don't care you know what i mean yeah. like you just can't tell if she's right or not doesn't matter it's not important enough you know but she's like that's when she started getting mk ultra it's like she's a little bit loopy man you know what i mean so that's i'm saying this guy is very credulous to anybody he'll let them spin out their tail mm -hmm. so he had this guy on from houston from Sugarland or where's the space station? Clear Lake. Clear Lake. He's from like Clear Lake area. And this CLC. really uh wait what? Go on. Oh anyway. Uh he fucking he was like, well when you think about it, bro. It's a joke for Excel students. Okay. I don't remember. Were you SLC is that what you said? No, C L C. Clear Lake. Click. Click. Okay, that's what's up. Uh Anyway, he was he was saying like uh, there were the Texas culture of white people is uh, there's fucking Germans. The education system is Germans. The Fabians, the Prussian, the the American education system, the progressive version of it. It all comes from the Prussians, who we've talked about. That's the manual: abuse the child to you know make them fall in line and all that shit. That is our education system. And so he says that in Texas and in Michigan, there were... You're being a little loose with the timeline, but sure. For sure. I know, I know. This is this guy's okay. story, dude. So he says in Texas and in Michigan, there are uh, fat guys. Well, they're, today they're fat guys. They're oil executives. There are fat guys in Texas. <laughs> I know, dude. I'm like, why they got to be fat, dude? <laughs> so 
fucking his basic thing is like he he says like the Texas culture is German inspired, and part of that culture was it's a bit of an overstatement, but sure. But there are communities. I uh, I would say I feel like I do have a handle on the degree to which Texas culture is German inspired, and All I, right. I spoke the idea that it would be hundred percent. I don't want this guy. I, Jason Horsley will forgive me for any misattributions. This guy, I'm not sure will. And he's a literary agent, so, you know, if I want this novel to sell, I got to keep him happy. I think he would fuck with it, dude. Because I think his his life story, uh, I was, like, going to combine it with the lady, the Leonard Cohen lady, basically, I think, but with Epstein version. But I decided it wasn't true. But anyway, it was part of my crisis point. I feel like I've gone on long enough. But the short story of what this guy believes happened to him was he grew up around NASA, which obviously the CIA is using that as a black site. There's so much money going into that place. It's a black hole. Who was the president that funded NASA again? Oh, yeah, LBJ. How did he become president? Oh, yeah, somebody died. Who is that? JFK. Who killed him? I don't know. I think it has something to do with three other letters. You know what I'm saying? So... Uh Surely you could uh, link the Jack Parsons stuff in somewhere, right? I don't know what that is, but I'll yield the floor. You don't know what that is? I'm interested. No. Of course you know what that is. I have no idea. I literally don't know. Like the rocketology that was the forerunner to NASA was like a dedicated left-hand path guy. I love that. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, it's not in Clear Lake. He was California-based. L. Ron Hubbard was a contemporary. L. Ron Hubbard was boys with Aleister Crowley, too, according to L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, And you know the Oppenheimer and his crew who made the bomb? They were into the occult, too. And I think Oppenheimer fucked one. No one's got an Oppenheimer movie coming. I want to see that, dude. Somebody fucked somebody's wife, dude. Somebody was Rust and Marty in, in, in conjunction with that project. Yeah. And then we haven't talked about comics once this whole podcast, dude. That's interesting. That's good. But, dude, everyone thinks comics uh, are direct inspirations for True Detective, including the last scene. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm unfamiliar with that. Go on. Uh, I'm excited to be talking about True Detective. Yeah, yeah. I guess we could take a detour and talk about the topic of the show. Uh, so, you know, The Watchmen, you know, we've talked about that. That's I'm Alan familiar Moore. familiar with that that being a comic. So he's written a lot of like, he's into the occult and all that stuff. Um, and you know, the blue man and the watchman was blown up as part of the atom bomb. That's how he became the blue man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wrote a comic, I think called top 10. Uh, and they, I, I don't know if it's like the end of the series, but they definitely, if you see the sequence of panel, I'm not one of these nerds. I don't know if we talked about it. The nerds that were like Nick Pizzolatto plagiarized through De- True Detective. You know, you should be executed for um, saying that. Fun fact, the X-Files, yeah, the movie, Fight the Future, uh-huh. fully plagiarized. True Detective plagiarized it? No. The oh. movie itself is lifted Respect. straight from like an obscure British sci-fi movie. I feel like... Cre- like as it's a, a shot-for-shot remake at plenty of points. That's interesting. I wonder, like... Uh, but totally unattributed. Is it that the, the creators slipped that in in the studio, like due diligence people just had no idea? Yes. I think that That's Chris cool. Carter was an uncreative, unscrupulous man. Oh, is. interesting. Because, you know, definitely... The, despite him being the creator, the parts of the show that are good are whenever people who were actually talented were involved in the writer's room. And But what about, like, uh, you know, I follow Instagram accounts that are constantly, like, comparing screenshots of like a PTA movie and uh, you know, a Stanley Kubrick movie or something. And there I'm like, 
it's just one legend respecting another. You know, you don't think it was that. You know, it, it, no, because of like the rest of the work. Okay, you know? okay, yeah. Like so whatever he's I, clunky yeah. about, like everything else, it just you, like PTA is someone who obviously could do it on his own. Right. So, like, whenever Proven he chooses not to, it's a choice. For sure. Uh, I don't feel like Chris Carter could do these things on his uh, own. Okay, okay. I feel like in order for him to, like, you know, reach up to grab the rung of whatever, he has to be cheating. Oh, that's interesting. So, I, I do not respect it. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. It, see, that's another death of the author question because I'm like, surely the film has a credited storyboard artist, but is that just someone who draws while the director talks? You know, I have no fucking clue. Yeah, I'll never you know. You know, this show, Brick Mason is a storyboard artist. That's where I've... Uh, uh, oh, yeah? Or Mason Brick or something. I've brought this up before. Yeah, and I told when you I, his last name is Ledoux. Yeah, yeah, dude. That's fucking freaky, dude. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I... Dude, some of these, uh, and it, yeah, I, I feel like I was about to change the subject. Dude, Jason Horsley, the dude, is so interesting, though. If that was the subject you were going to change, can we please move on? <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. Go, don't go back to Horsley. Yeah, yeah, I, I was thinking I had left some loops open, but uh, I think I'll leave them open. I think that's a good place for <laughs> I think so. Dude. Can I play a clip from the show? Yeah, I'm cool with that. I reckon it was best to just avoid her name. Didn't want to invite judgment. She never liked being judged. No, you're right. I don't. Not by you. Well, I didn't say a word. Well, I could read it all over your face. Well, then your problem's with your face. Not mine. It's hard to find something in a man who rejects people as much as you do you know that i never told you how to live your life marty no 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 you just sat in judgment look as sentient meat however illusory our identities are we craft those identities by making value judgments everybody judges all the time now you got a problem with that you're living wrong interesting and he says, what's scented meat? I didn't mean to cut that out. I'm glad you did, man. You know, oh. it's a good laugh line, but I think the audience by this point, everyone knows it's coming. I guess we have paid respect to the rhythm of the writing, though, so far. So maybe I'm not. I'm making a virtue of it. Um, but yeah, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think? I love it, man. I mean, I think uh, Rust is right as usual, but kind of wrong. But he is kind of right about in respect to Marty. I think one of the Marty's issues is, and I do want to close the loop on the passage describing this well. They, it has this like thing going, at least in the, one of the later books, where when someone's doing like some evil shit that they have been clearly gearing up to do, when they're thinking about it or recounting it or whatever, they describe themselves as feeling taken over by something. Uh, and I definitely know that feeling. And then that reminds me of like, uh, there's many ways to think about it. Like, um, you know, the Greeks literally did believe that like the gods came into your body and like took you over and made you do things. You know what I mean? Like they, they really believed they were, you're, you were, Boy, I, I, I feel like that comes closer to an understanding of the reality than the modern one. I agree, man. I think it's really useful—a useful way to think about it. I don't. I don't think that uh, the gods come into our body and take us over, but I. I do think that there's. Uh, 
Circuits come online, man. Yeah, things I do every day throughout the day and like major decisions, you know, where you're like, why'd you do that? You know, you did it. Something was going on in your head. Explain Mm -hmm. it to me. Mm -hmm. And the honest answer that no one ever accepts is, I got no fucking idea. Yeah, let me get Sarah Huckabee Sanders and see what she thinks. See what she thinks is best to say to you. That's what I really think is going on half the time. It's like, yeah. And it, it makes... When it's an extreme action, it's it's like we were talking about how like so the psychedelic experience can make you appreciate the psychedelic aspects of cannabis because it's more extreme. So you you know what I mean? You're like, oh, uh, this is a mild version of that bodily awareness or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it's like. Obviously, I've never kicked down a door and like shoved my you know cop badge into some guy's face while screaming, did she suck your dick? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like, that's a good example. That's to me the most, I guess shooting Reggie Ledoux is probably the most out of control Marty gets. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Also his issues with women. It just seems like it's like Rust is right, but Marty is also right. I, I really do think it's like, it's very in-betweeny. It gets like mystical, but it's like the best hope we have to affect change in how we act, I think is by being Russ-like and being constantly scrutinizing ourselves. But the only way you're doing that is by judging your past self. But the only way it seems to me you can get in a position to first accurately judge it and then second, allow yourself the space to try something different is to almost immediately or simultaneously suspend judgment as you pass it. You know, to like acknowledge everything that you're judging but not be like Marty's bad because of it. You have to just be like, look, Marty's track record is this is what he does, dude. You know what I mean? And it's like, we have to acknowledge, it doesn't seem clear that that changes unless you acknowledge it, unless it's like a very slow, you just grow out of it. You know, maybe we're fooling ourselves that there's any other option. But I think there's something in between, like if Marty had looked a little more closely at what Russ was saying, we never know to the clip's point when we, I think this is, is this the same clip? When Russ was saying everybody has a choice, mm-hmm. we never know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. We never know who has a choice when. And it does seem likely in this show and maybe in life that Russ literally has more choices than Marty. You know, like in if you look at having choice in terms of being aware of other possibilities. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Like Russ kind of, maybe always feels like he has Marty's hands like ready to break, you know, in terms of just how he's like going through the world. Like he says, he's bad for people. Like, so yeah, it's like, maybe that's his burden. Maybe that ends up with him feeling like he has no choices, but it seems like Marty literally is the guy that maybe has no choices because he has no vision. And that's why it's like his journey is just to catch up with rust and have an open eye. And that alone is, is like his kind of victory. So I don't know. It's like, I I think they're both right as usual. Like Marty's right. That being judged doesn't really help anybody at past a certain point. Like if you care about people, you have to care about how your actions affect them. No doubt about that. And, uh, Russ could have helped Marty in that regard. But at the same time, like judgment is, is the Lord's dude. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like Russ is perfect. He had sex with Maggie. 
And it's like, if Russ says he has a choice there, do you think he's wrong? So that's where I think we started. That is my point, yes. Yeah, I think that feels like a lifetime ago. I'm sorry about going off. I've just been in a Jason Horsley rabbit hole. Dude. <laughs> like, I, I'm doing my own version of a giggle right now. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, um, I think it's probably a spectrum so that Rust feels like he had a choice because he had some choice, but you are definitely right. He obviously had post-not clarity. Like, it's like your brain literally becomes different after you not. So it makes sense where he was like in a compromised position and then afterwards was like, no, I don't want this. And I do think, you know, he kind of implicitly has always been mad at Maggie because she knew that. And I think he's right about that. Yeah, no, he was, you know, immediately mad at Maggie. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, true. Uh, so I, don't I mean, know. it's just like you know, if he st- stopped and thought about it, he would have known. But beforehand, he didn't know what she was doing. You know, like then he put it together. Like, like the, whenever it's confirmed, whenever she says, you know, like the other guy wouldn't have hurt him enough, and like sure. you know, by the before she says that, Russ knows like that what she has come to do here is to hurt him. And that, you know, Rust is the instrument being used anyway. to hurt him. And so he, like, you know, uh, the whole, like, yeah, he, I think he might have been making some kind of judgment about whether or not he wanted to have sex. I don't think that he had been given the opportunity to really think through if he wanted to hurt Marty that bad or be used as a pawn in that way, you know? And, like, all the yeah, yeah. further implications are awakening to him, and I, then he starts yelling. I think you're hitting, you're hitting on the nuances of uh, the mechanics of consent. Because putting aside whether he was too drunk to consent to the actual act, mm-hmm. I don't think that's ever been his beef where he's like, I was intoxicated, Maggie. You no, know? it's kind like, of impossible to imagine him ever being like, never well, I can't be culpable for this. I was drunk. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. something he would not say. Not in this context. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't think of any context actually. So I'm saying like, I don't mean to hand wave that aspect away, but it's like he assuming for the sake of argument that he could consent to the act of having sex in the moment. Like, it's like he could have, you know, he wanted to do it. Like he, he, he wasn't forced to do it. It's like, he didn't apprehend the larger implications of what it meant. And Maggie did. And so therefore there was an imbalance that precluded him from fully consenting. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. I never thought about that scene that way, but I've thought about consent that way. Uh, yeah. I think that kind of, yeah. I don't know, man. He definitely in the moment seems to have been like, fuck it. You know, like, I don't know. I, there seemed to have been a yielding to lust there. Yeah. But even that, if I, you know, kind of depends on the particulars, whether or not I agree with you. Sure. You know, like I... Have I, you ever yielded to lust, DC? Do you want to tell the audience about it? No, but after we... <laughs> I don't want to... I don't want to tell that story. Um, here's another clip. I, every time people were talking crazy, just I tried every time throughout the show, not just the episode, that anytime someone was talking crazy, I wanted to cut it off. I feel like they're... You know, that, that's this, probably... This episode? Yeah. You're a real Jason Horsley, I would say. You let this, people go. 
Uh, You're a good interviewer. But yeah, uh, no, no, I'm saying, no, I wasn't accusing you of talking crap. I'm the characters uh, okay. in the show. <laughs> okay, I said okay. cut off, like as in record oh, from the you, TV. I got you, I got you, I got you. Like, uh... Oh, damn it! Oh, pardon me, ma'am. Uh, we're professional surveyors and got lost on these back roads like a couple of greenhorns. Uh, cell phone is getting no service out here. Is there any way that I could uh, use your phone? We don't have no phone, mister. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, no, I said! Stop it over there! I kept you! Water around here is not real good. Sarah, I said stop it! I'm gonna kick you! Where's Billy Childers? Old Bill? Yeah. He's in this house, mister. Uh-huh. This isn't his? <laughs> where, where, who, who do you, uh... Who do you live here with? I think you should go now. Uh, where is she? All around us, before you were born, and after you die. No! No! Get out of my house, mister! So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like, I just, it reminds me of the uh, scene with Dolores, like, both in that there's a, a woman talking wild mm-hmm. and uh you know the dropping of pretenses that occurs suddenly yeah uh you know t- taking the mask off for uh, sure in the parlance of the show definitely um you know just you know like she the, has those dolls without faces i did not notice that in like the house yeah i mean i saw dolls i didn't yeah it does seem like it's significant they didn't have faces. It's not something I noted as like I was watching. They were watching. like porcelain dolls, but the faces had been broken off. It was pretty freaky. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, with the mask off, you know. Yeah, I yeah. Because, like I mean, you know, uh, he, Errol says it whenever he stabs McConaughey. True, true. Yeah. Dude, I think that line that you clipped was so, there's so much going on there. Like, uh, I never noticed. I think the dog's name is Billy. Which is interesting because I was thinking like we haven't talked about the dog, but the dog is another good example of like everyone kicks down in the hierarchy. So if the way that you view being powerful is through sexual abuse, then this show makes sense. You know, like because in a culture of the way you view power is by violently imposing yourself on someone else's body, but not in a sexual way. That's just our regular society. Like we have jails. We have, you know, uh, hierarchies within companies and police departments and then within nature, but within the household, man to woman, uh, you know, both of them to children and then sometimes the children to the animals. I mean, here she's a sister, a daughter and a lover. Like it's a weird degenerate version of it all. And the only one she has to kick down in the hierarchy is the dog. And then... It's really interesting, like, uh, if the dog's name is Billy, if I'm right about that, the dad's name is clearly Bill. Mm -hmm. Old Bill is in his house. That's Errol's dad. And then we got Billy Lee Tuttle. So it's like they've named the lowest person that they're all shitting on in their house, you know, besides their Carcosa victims, after the highest, you know, one of the people that they're trying to emulate. And then, you know, when he's about to probably about to not i don't know that they made that clear but he was fucking 
uh, you know, and I think he says, do you smell the flowers, Miss Billy? So again, like equating like the power to, to reproduce and, you know, have sex with, uh, excluding other people from it, you know, uh, is it again, like kind of a implicit revisitation of, uh, the same experience of being, uh, you know, a child in that milieu that Errol probably went through. Sure. Anyway, so that's why she's going to kick Billy, I think. You yeah. Know, she, that makes sense. I think, I like, and then, like, I, I think, like, when she's, like, all around you, it's like, who's she talking about? I think it's, like, kind of the, you know, the, the, the god that they worship or whatever. Maybe the Yellow King. Maybe Errol thinks of himself that way. You know, because being outside the disc in the loop, if you look at time as a flat circle kind of seems like being outside time which is the same we often say we can contemplate death because we can contemplate not being born yet you know and that's the two comparisons she makes like she's like all around you in this life and and before and after it uh so it's like again like you said with the other carcosa lady like the switch up and then going from like speaking like uh either a demented old woman or like a you know, a a touched child into like a a possessed prophet is pretty cool. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, so I you definitely want to talk about the use of the term little priest. Yeah, like once McConaughey's in the maze, he calls him little priest repeatedly. Yeah, um, and like you know, you you were talking about uh, Errol viewing himself in a, a godlike fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's what he's getting at whenever he sees, yeah, that he's all, all he can see the infernal plane. He's. Do you think Arrow like kind of thinks today is his day disc. to die when he says that line? Yeah. Well, I mean, like you say, I, no, I don't think die. I think that he thinks he's going to kill McConaughey and like that that's going to be the final step in him breaking oh, free of the okay, flat okay. circle. I don't think he thinks it's going to end bad for him. Because it, it seems like there's a sense with Rust and Errol of predestination of like the final confrontation is here yeah. And now. Yeah, I but agree with that. Yeah, I just think that, okay, I just assume yeah. he thinks he would have won it. It does seem like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't seem pessimistic about how things are going for him. Yeah, definitely. But the, the little priest, you know, I mean like a uh, number of different like things I uh, I thought about there with how they're you know, like why, I mean, like little is condescending, obviously. Um, True. and like who would condescend a priest, someone who is above a priest, uh, whenever you I think, think so. about who's like above priests, yeah. God is the, the obvious big answer. Um, yeah, I think so. And then, uh, just referring to him as a priest kind of seems to me like, like, cause it's, uh, Reggie kind of talked to him that way. He didn't use the term little priest. That. Well, so this, this is a Reddit point, dude. I Did can he? say it before or after. Yeah. Uh, not in the show. You are right about that. But again, it's like the deleted scene point. You got to ask yourself, why do they make this change? So in like either an online clip or like a previously on or on the next something, there exists a clip of Reggie calling McConaughey a priest. Okay. Uh, and... I think there, or maybe I'm getting it wrong and it's Errol calling Reggie a priest, but does he calls them in the final clip acolytes, Yeah, right? Uh -huh. But they do like Dora Lang thinks she's a nun. 
Yeah. You know, so I'm not quite sure exactly. I do agree it's condescending, little priest. It's a position of superiority. Uh, I also thought maybe like take off your mask. Like if your persona is who you are in society, the priest is like the keeper of the status quo. Like the shaman is on the outside of it in the liminal zone. The priest is like the administer of it. You know, the priest is the bureau. I, I like other people have made that comparison. So at first I thought that I thought he was saying, Russ, you think you're the outsider and the, you know, the true detective, but you're just like them truly take off your mask and I'm going to do it for you. Like you're a priest. I'm going to defrock you, but I don't think that anymore, but I think it's like, I don't know. It's like red He he does call Reggie and DeWall acolytes, right? Yeah. But I, I just brought up the Reggie thing to say like that, uh, I, I, he's, I think that both of them sense that McConaughey is like a fellow traveler. Oh, like I agree they're, with that. They're, yeah, they're yeah. all highly sensitive persons in their own way. Yeah, or I like, think that's you know, right. they're, yeah, they're yeah. on some kind of, yeah, the, their openness is. Uh, yeah, very high, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. similar levels. So I, I think, like, you know, calling, like, priest, like, the little is condescending, but, like, priest is not really, I, I, especially them, I don't think that they're, like, meaning it purely as an insult. Like it's somewhat like including you in this group. Like you're you're in an order that we're we're part of, right? I think that's right. Yeah, that's what I was kind of struggling to articulate because I think probably it's meaningful that they use different terms because they do think Russ is one of them but different. Yeah. Like he's like a daywalker or something. You know what I mean? Like they know he's different from Marty and it's more important to kill him than Marty. Uh and they seem to like all have that sense of predestination that something's always been coming down the pike for all of them together. Yeah. And DeWall is a lot less, uh, inclusive. Like, you know, he sends the thing he senses in rust is, uh, you know, not something where he's like, ah, yes, one of one of the, the group that I'm in, <laughs> you know, he's like, get the fuck away from But that's like a glimmer of recognition. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, they, they dangle it and then they like get more substantive and then they throw you into it. Like by the end, I think mm-hmm. like it, it, you're like Duval is like a regular person almost. All of them see something in him. Yeah. 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 And you could say it's the same thing. Yeah, but I think I would. It's like you gotta. Yeah, they take you there. Yeah, I like it. Um, so I definitely cut off the the full thing of like to play it, but I got a couple points I'd like to make before then. By the full thing, I mean you know the final. I'm all ears. Exchange. Okay. Um, but yeah, so whenever we're talking about the Epstein stuff and we're talking about the Acosta thing. Yeah, saying, yeah. Um, Jesus, that's dangerous for you to bring up. I, I applaud you. It's that uh, you know that, like, who is Acosta worried about? Right. Yeah, to go back to that right, point. Right. Um, Why is he not rehabilitating his image or reputation? Probably doesn't have that. Like, that can't give an interview. That's not an interesting question. Think about it, dude. Why is he letting it lie that he just is like, yeah, let it go? For a million different reasons, none of many of which aren't interesting. Mm. How many like Trump uh, cabinet figures do you feel have gone on the journey you're talking about? What do you mean? Where they rehabilitated their image? Yeah. Well, none of them got fired for letting Epstein off the hook. But do you think their images are doing well? Different reasons. I think like he's like, I don't think he's even working. I have no idea what he or any of the rest of them are doing. 
I can I. Yeah, of course. Um, I thought I was uh, echoing a point that you made, but I'm glad that you took the time to tell me that the the point I thought you were making that I was trying to say was interesting to me was not in the universe of possibly interesting to you. That way we can stick to the the shared part of our Venn diagram. So, like, just that, well, I mean, I, I don't want to talk about it. Cost, like, you know, I we've, know, we've had but, a, uh, plenty of time. But, you know... Um, feel like we could uh, talk about that concept in service of the show. So you're saying that, uh, you know, whenever he's willing to say, um, I, he belonged to intelligence, like who is he saying that for? Right. And so like the people that, uh, we would identify, like, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about like, what's the danger for our society here? Like what's, what's the force of evil that we should be most acutely worried about? Um, and I, I think that almost as a definitional matter, it's not one of the ones that's named, right? Like, uh, Acosta, like if, if you can see the danger, it's less dangerous. I, I think that's the point that I would like to make. Uh, you know, like we all know Epstein and what he did and everything. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it's not going to be a problem anymore as Bill Gates pointed out. Uh, his it, version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so sure. uh, the thing that you ought to really be worried about is uh, the like unseen force, you know, like whoever that Acosta was being acted upon that made him think that giving up the CIA was an acceptable option. Like that's the problem. Well, sure. But I would add to that maybe a different description of the same difficulty in ascertaining, let alone describing what that force is. Uh, is it's a, for one thing a moving target, but for another, it probably is not inaccurate to describe it as intelligence because that word is so vague as to be meaningless at this point. It's probably a faction of what's loosely described as the intelligence community that I can conceive of a universe in which whoever tells Alex Acosta what to do is just like, look, it's as simple as this. Just say intelligence. Yeah. And he's like, well, what, what you want me to, he's like, I didn't say, say my name. I didn't say, say anything else. Just say intelligence. I promise you, no one's going to ask anything about it. There's going to be one guy in a podcast, but the other guy's going to say, that's not interesting. You know, it's just saying intelligence. Christ, dude. No, but I'm saying like, it's like that word does so much heavy lifting. Where it's like, I think the the girl with dragon tattoo, the second and third books get at this, where it's like, what's actually going on? And they just retrace the history of like a small group of guys in the in the Swedish intelligence who like found it, you know, necessary, but also beneficial to countenance people who abused vulnerable people. And then until the girl with the dragon tattoo, you know, brought it home on them. But uh, it's like, it doesn't say all of Sweden is therefore bad. But it's like there is bad stuff in what it seems to be a good society. And so when you see it, you have to look at it. Like I think that that kind of like I know I fucking I can't believe I did it again. But I know I did go off on several tangents here. But I would say like I don't with respect to the Clintons, Epstein, all that. Yeah, you can go too crazy and spin yourself out in conspiracies. But it's also valuable to see what's there because there may be some grains of truth. Like for example, the satanic panic, it's easy to be like, that's all a conspiracy, but it's harder to be like, well, this kid thinks somebody raped them. Maybe why? And I just think the Clintons had to, you know, 
if they came in contact with that or Bill Gates or whoever, rather than just like being like, oh, his 19 year old friend also likes me or whatever, this really smart scientist he introduced me to or this donor, you know, really thinks I'm cool or whatever, you know, Harvey Weinstein might make a documentary about me. You got to do the hard look of being like, where am I being manipulated myself? Because there are people that straight up do not think like me. And not everyone gets to see them. And so when you see them, it's on you to fucking figure out what to do with that. And Rust is repeatedly called a psychopath in this show, including in this episode. He's often reading Robert Hare books who wrote Without Conscience and like wrote the psychopath like checklist. And I think one of the things the show does, you know, that kid who looks at Errol while he's painting. Yeah. Uh, It's like that makes no sense narratively. Like, why is that in the last episode of this show? Uh, and I think the reason is it's because it's right after that teacher, like, sees nothing. And it's just like, can I try to feed your appetite? And he's like, no, not interested. I'm going to feed it later. But it's like what really feeds it is right in front of it, and she has no idea. Also wearing flowers, by the way. And then that one kid just comes back and stares at him. I feel like that kid is like a young rust. And it's like the kid probably can't tell you what he sees but he knows something's off. And I think what part of the show is like the Martys need to look harder. And part of the show is like, if, if you have a feeling that you're seeing something that other people don't yet, even Russ has a time when it's all in your head and some of it may be, but it doesn't mean there's not some truth on the other side, you know? So yeah, I kind of feel like that's a, I'm, I'm not saying I'm glad I talked about Jason Horsley, but I'm glad we landed on that. Yeah, so the thing I'm saying about uh, Acosta is yeah, dude. Uh, that I think it's interesting that they don't show Edwin Tuttle in the show at any point. Interesting. Who remind me? The senator. Like, yeah, oh, the most powerful yeah, yeah, person yeah. in the family. He's like, the... it's it's an interesting depiction of power. Like the 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 per, like the the one that we taught. Like you know, whenever Billy Lee Tuttle, the per, the most powerful person depicted in the show, shows up, the people are like whispering, like you know who he is. He's related to another to guy, Eddie. Who the fuck's Eddie? Yeah, that's the Eddie. governor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, and you True. know, so like, just I I I think it's a. It's it's just I think it's an amazing choice of the show made to never to talk about Edwin Tuttle so frequently, um, but to never actually like you know they didn't have like an actor play him, you know like he's he's not on screen a single time. Wow, and yeah. you know the way that like it's kind of laying it all out at the end, you know I mean like it's the thing that Rust is super focused on obviously, uh, whenever he first regains consciousness, um, you know is uh, this like so I just I I think that that wait wait. I know what you're referring to, but the audience might not. The first thing he focuses on. Whenever he comes out of the coma that he's like, you know, talking to Marty about the news report that, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that, at, that they'd investigated the connections between Edwin Tuttle and Errol Childress and found that in fact they are not related. Yeah. It's like the we first thing you say. Yeah. 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 Um, and just, you know, I, I like, I, I think the Acosta thing is a good example of the way that like, you know the the powers that aren't on screen are the powers that like you ought to worry about. Like if if, if he was truly powerful, he would not let you get anywhere near being able to like like you know that you're not in the same room as him. Like for sure, remotely. I fully agree. Yeah, yeah. I again, I'm frustrated at myself because I I feel like I took two hours to say that, but yeah, exactly, dude. Like 
what kind of power makes a guy whose entire life has been about coddling up to power and being like, I do the right thing that everybody agrees is the predictable right thing. And the number one like policy failure in terms of personal like fortitude, I'll take the blame for it. But then it's like, these people killed a federal judge. Like, you know, you know what I'm, you remember that part? Like the, the judge in the investigation of Deutsche Bank, like where they just rang her doorbell in New Jersey and just shot her. Because like the case involved like the finance, like that's Epstein's bank. And it's like. Didn't that happen after? Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm just saying like, that's another thing that we don't know. Like if I had a storage unit. proved out who exactly the judge? exactly okay. we, we don't know we just, just the way know. you were talking about it it sounded like you had no, it's like, already had approved we think in our society that the law is the law and the people who we when you google who enforces the law that's who enforces the law and it's true for almost everyone almost all of the time but like the true power is where you can just tell them no that's not true and we'll kill you where you live if you fuck with us you know what i mean and it's like I don't know if somebody said that to this judge, let alone Acosta, but it's like, let me tell I've never worked for the government like that either. Uh, but if I worked for the government and I brokered, probably Acosta brokered like plenty of hold your nose and get it done kind of settlement deals. Every week. Yeah. He's in Miami, dude. You know, and my, as the Miami vice episode will demonstrate, it's wild out there. Uh, and this one comes back on him. Like, no way he tells his daughters. I bet he just, I wonder what he tells his daughters, dude. You know what I mean? Like, is he just like, look, it's the, you'll realize when you're older, the world's complicated. I doubt he talks you about know? work. I wonder if it's just don't bring it up at all. Because yeah. they have to get at school people being like, you know, you're once they're teenagers, for sure. It's like, if they're in the hyper-competitive, like, Washington, D.C., you don't think I do. I think people would be like, the way Epstein is such a meme, I think kids would be like, you know, her dad freed Epstein. Yeah, maybe. But I don't think that they get, like, talked about it a lot. And, like, uh, certainly not whenever he's, like, cutting the deal. Like, it just wasn't No, not when he's cutting the, the deal. I'm saying if you, I actually don't know how old his daughters were. I'm, I was picturing them in school now. Okay. I'd be like, a young jokester would be like, yeah, Yo, your dad freed Epstein. What's that about? Yeah, I just I'm sure that there there are exceptions and everything, but uh I think what springs to mind for me is uh like watching Jerry Jones move through the world, like someone who, you know, has had a lot of embarrassing things happen. Yeah. Um but like also is rich and powerful and there's lots of footage of like how people react whenever they actually like do see him and it's like that they chant his name and say that he's awesome. <laughs> but like if he's not in the room, you know, I've got like a uh, hour after hour of uh sports radio callers saying that he's the worst thing that's ever happened to them. True, true, um, true. And I bet that a lot of these people are the same people. I think you're absolute probably. Yeah. And so, you know, if you get anywhere near Alex Costa and you're like some fucking snot nosed high schooler, I think that you're probably just like, you know, more fearful and respectful than it honestly it makes you feel weird to even approach it i would say yeah like in i took a class at the business school during law school and john Mackey, the ceo of whole foods came and talked like it was just a class where ceos came and talked mm -hmm. uh 
And, dude, I don't respect John Mackey. I'll just say it. Uh, do you know about him? No. He's just, he made Whole Foods, but it was just a small grocery store in Austin. Like, respect on growing it. I've never done something like that. But the way he described it himself, I was like, all right, what if we took you at your word at how stupid you are? You know how, like, CEOs love to be like, oh, I'm just an idiot. Yeah. I have good people or, like, whatever. It's like, maybe it really was right place, right time for you. Uh, he got in trouble for going, committing securities fraud, basically, for posting anonymously on stock tip forums where people were like, Whole Foods sucks, the stock split is bullshit or, like, whatever. But then people would be like, and the CEO's a dork and a loser. Look at the way he dresses. And he'd get on there and be like, the stock's good. And also, it's a regular I would caller. describe... Find a new slant, move on. <laughs> yeah, he would be like, I would describe his look as business casual. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he was... I just, like, asked him a question where, like, my tone was flippant. Like, I wasn't even a dickhead or anything. But I was just like, what is it you would say you do all day? And does any of that bring value to the company? Or like something like that. <laughs> like, That's the question. You're like, like, I don't know why like, he was mad. Well, because he was saying he only takes a dollar a year salary, like, which is another fucking weird thing that we're supposed to act like it's not a flex overpaid you know yeah i know that's what i was saying like i was like well to hear you tell it you literally are like what do you actually do and he's like well you like know obviously uh, salary doesn't matter for those people exactly dude and how stupid do you expect he us owns to be, most to be of the company like, exactly dude your compensation is that the company is worth more and you own it for sure i was basically like do you just give talks like this all day like is this your day today how did you have this time for this thing? like <laughs> yeah. you know like like anyway like he has one of these classes every semester do exactly. you come in all these times well and because the the guy who taught it was the former like big wig at ut so his whole class was just like check out my rolodex you know what I mean? Like he was the guy that where I learned that the wisdom in business school is no one can be on the board. You have to pay them uh, like at least a hundred thousand dollars at the time or like whatever it was yeah. for anyone serious to even consider doing it. But then it has to be rich people because uh, it can't be anyone for whom that money is life changing. Otherwise they'll come to depend on it and they won't be objective board members. So sorry, you know, I know it doesn't look good, but only people for whom life-changing money is not life-changing. Yeah, I'm uh, not surprised <laughs> that the rich people have agreed amongst themselves that this is an important lesson. Exactly, dude. So half the class was just CEOs coming in. The other half was like finance guys, like just bitching about the like post-recession regulations and like getting out the whiteboard to explain why it doesn't even make sense. Uh, so I was pretty fed up by this point, but... All I'm saying is like to even ask a flippantly toned yeah, question. So what, what did he say? Yeah, it was like I felt immediately this whole group doesn't like me. I made this classroom feel like they look worse because I'm in it. Like, because they're all can, like, even the liberals, like, we, I'm not the first person to observe that the people that describe themselves as liberal are, in fact, behaviorally conservative. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't want to get into that. I'm the only true liberal. But I'm just saying, like, going against an authority figure, he's like Jerry Jones to them, what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, is, and, like, yeah. just being, like, vaguely flippant was, like, I felt... Yeah, where if he's like, not in the room, you'll tell you'll say that this is the source of all the problems, and whenever he is in the room, it's, thank you for your time, sir. Yeah, and which is how... I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just felt like everyone was like, what are you doing, dude? And I literally, I was like, I won't. Yeah, I can't I wouldn't feel that. do that again. Dude, it was funny. That class was so conservative. I mean, like, the cost benefit, like how much did you change there? Dude. Was that an awakening for him, do you well, think? 
No, but get this, dude. I observed this happening too. Uh, so the guy, there was a TA, you know, a teacher's assistant, and he was in law school too. Uh, and he, his job was he had a roster of all the students and he would take attendance. And then there was a participation component. And so he would mark down in the roster if you spoke. And you basically had to speak like three or four times a semester, you know, if you wanted like full credit for that component. That sounds super dumb. Go on. It is. And so I'm saying like in the law school, even people in Austin who are like, I'm liberal, I, you know, Obama was popping at the time and stuff. They're still conservative minded. They suck up to power. They want the degree so that they can go serve like the most powerful kind of power that they can get, you know, and I was one of them, dude. I mean, I definitely literally thought of it that way, Uh, but it still disgusted me when it became like too blatant, which was part of my issue, I think. Uh, just a different calibration on that level. Not saying it's better, just different. Uh, so there was like a kid, he was like the hippie kid. He was from California. He was from LA. His dad was an entertainment lawyer. He smoked weed at the class picnics. Like only the California kids smoked weed at like social events then. Uh, and everyone like kind of judged them for that. And Not me. I agree. And in what this is how conservative just the general student body was. So there was like, I think I've alluded to like, there was a group of guys, mostly from Ivy League schools, uh, all elite schools who like wanted to create a secret society at the law school. Like, and they explained to me why they didn't invite me. They're like, you get it, dude. I mean, if we let anybody come in, it wouldn't be like a cool thing. Like, I was like, I definitely get it, dude. Anyway. Um, Did you? I think so. I think I got what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so this like group of guys, one of their boys was the TA and I won't say who, I think his dad was a state Senator. Uh, so anyway, in keeping attendance and who said what the California kid brought up to some guy who I think like, uh, had, I don't know exactly what he was selling, but it was some kind of like, I think it was like a surveillance tool. It wasn't like private prisons, but it was like, you're probably at the same trade show. You know, or like something. I can't remember exactly. Maybe I'm just adding that part. But he basically brought up, he was like, well, what are you going to do? We got to legalize marijuana, obviously. All the things you say you care about. If we do that, like, it's it makes the biggest dent possible. Like, it, there's not really downsides that aren't happening worse now. Like, it has to happen, you know. And the guy's like, fluff, you know, like, Bleh. And I just look at the guy, you know, he's about to make his check mark in the attendance book. And he looks in the classroom at his boys, like who are in students in the class. You know what I mean? And one of his boys just locks eyes with him and just goes like that. He's like, Mm-mm, and just like shakes his head. No. And then like the, the TA just drops his pencil and is like, nah, like, and he didn't give him credit for that. You know, I saw this whole exchange take place. It's weird. I was scandalized, dude. Anyway. Yeah. You don't seem as, as scandalized, but the screensavers are I going do. Well. No. <laughs> I just thought that was wild. Why um, is that an offensive comment? Or is it just late? Or is it can I can make no jokes at like was is that an I'd offensive comment? I'd say it's comment? mostly just late. I feel like it's possible to bring it back to the clip. I didn't put my on the screensaver was my, my problem point. with your Why face, would you put on the screensaver if looking at the screensaver is an actionable Because I like him, but I didn't realize what it would do to our dynamic. Well, 
then I don't know why any this of that is, is something I'm responsible for and thus should suffer consequences as a result of. I just want to talk about your anecdote because I did have a reaction. And, uh, okay, I apologize. I'm no, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just hilarious to me like uh, the, what fucking little amounts of power people can get a hard on over. Like Very true. some fucking tiny component of like a one grade and like, and who gives a shit about grades? Exactly, like, dude. Fucking, but, but he's, they thought it was important enough to create this system of, uh, no, no, we're not going to give him this thing exactly. that holds no value over his life, exactly. but, but he can't have it. We have it now and he can't have it. And they take it out on the hippie what dummies. Anyway, I'm sorry for, I do think to bring it back to the show, my, Reaction to your reaction to my comment about the screensaver was literally a problem that I had with your face, which according to Russ is a problem with my own face. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, so I'm, I would just say, you know, I read a micro expression and I apologize. All right, let's, uh, we got the last clip. Let's play the big, big one. Ah, I shouldn't even fucking be here, Marty. I believe no shit is the proper response to that observation. No, I don't mean like that. It's something else. Well, so talk to me, Russ. There was a moment I know when I was when I was under in the dark or something. Whatever I'd been reduced to, you know, not even consciousness. It was a vague awareness in the dark and I could I could feel my definitions fading and beneath that darkness there's another kind it was it was it was it was deeper warm like a substance I could feel man and I knew I knew my daughter waited for me there so clear I could feel her feel it I could feel the pieces of my 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 pop too it was like I was I was a part of everything that I ever loved and we were all the three of us just just fading out And all I had to do was let go. And I did. I said, darkness, yeah. And I disappeared. But I could, I could still feel her love there. Even more than before. Nothing. Nothing but that love. (laughs) Then I woke up. Didn't you tell me one time, dinner, 
once, maybe, about Easter. Used to make up stories about the stars. Yeah, I was, I was, um, you know, in Alaska, under the, under the night skies. Yeah, I used to lay there and look up. Yeah, at the stars. Yeah, you remember, I never watched the TV until I was 17, so there wasn't much to fucking do out there besides walk around, explore. And, and look up at the stars and make up stories. Like what? I tell you, Marty, I've been up in that room looking out those windows every night here, just thinking... Just one story. The oldest. What's that? Light versus dark. Well, I know we ain't in Alaska, but here's to me that the dark has a lot more territory. You're right about that. Yeah. Hey, listen, hey. Yeah, what? She pointed me in the direction of that car, man. I spent enough of my fucking life in hospitals. Jesus. No. You know what? I'd protest, but it occurs to me that you're unkillable. You want to go back, get clothes or anything? Anything I left back there, I don't need. You know, you're looking at her all in the sky, I think. How's that? Well, once there was only dark. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God. <coughs> I'll add it in. Okay. Yeah, um, so when I, I remember when I was a kid, I saw a 2020 or some fucking shit like that, some like pseudo news program, that it was just interviews with people in that situation, like where they had nearly died, but mm -hmm. didn't die. Okay. And cool. they were just, you know, d describing it to the interviewer in various ways. Yeah. And none of them were saying like, yeah, you know, I mean, coma felt more or less like sleep and i didn't think it was profound that was those zero percent of the respondents because i all those people presumably didn't get on the news um, that's a good, but, good, uh, good point you know uh it was it was all like you know i was above myself and right. i could see and it, right. i i just i it's a very specific memory you know just like that, that was a very like first time the third eye opened where Dude. i was like yeah yeah I don't, what what does that mean? And well, what if they so are a, yeah, actually telling the truth about that's the closest they can come to describing what it felt like? Man. I suspect that they yeah. are. Yeah, me too, man. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, lots of reasons for that. Um, you know, the, our understanding of DMT or whatever. True. Somewhat account. You for ever that. smoked DMT? No, absolutely not. I haven't either. 
I don't think so. I uh, sometimes wonder if my whole life I'm just actually undergoing, like I'm about to die, and I'm reviewing a life I've already lived. That's a very Rick and Morty conceit. Really? Maybe I should check this show out. Yeah, they, they, they fuck with stuff like that a couple of times. I wonder, man. Uh, it's hard to disprove. That's what I'm saying. But at some point, you got to just put one foot in front of the other, you know. That's like, if you're high in openness. If you're yeah, the question average. about all of it is like, well, what do you want me to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. I Am feel I supposed like, to not review it? Feels like I probably should review it. Well, I wonder if it's like, wouldn't this be cool, dude? What if you're reviewing it, but during the NDE, you're actually in a parallel universe from the one in which you're ND? And the twinges that during this podcast, we've been like, no one knows when they have a choice. You know, no one knows. Russ may have more choices than Marty. Marty, it's not clear when he has choices. Maybe his choice was just to see something, but maybe he felt a twinge as he was being taken over. Or maybe he should have and should have paid attention to it, blah, blah, blah. And those twinges are like, you know, part of the NDE. And it's like, those are your chances to fork off other alternate universes where those are your, like your paths, you know, and your NDE is like, you went this way before we're giving you this feeling because that path you didn't, it's not good. Like, here's a twinge. It's all we can do. Like, or, you know, whatever it is that's driving that, you know? And I think it's a, it is a force that's looking out for you. That's giving you feelings. Like I'm obviously just spinning out like, but it's, I don't know. NDEs fucking are very, you know, I, I've had one. I think I've like hinted at this, but it wasn't like a coma. I got saved by a lifeguard at the beach when I was a kid. Like I was like, no, I, got, I don't think I have heard about this. I got like caught in the undertow and like I got my head slammed into the, you know, the sandbar or whatever. I'm mm -hmm. a strong swimmer, but, uh, I don't, it wasn't like the sandlot, you know, like get resuscitated. I don't think like, I don't think I got mouth to mouth or anything. But I definitely, like, woke up on the beach uh, after, like, I went from, like, wave, woke up, lifeguard being, like, I got you. you know? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't see, like, a light or go above my body or anything. Yeah, nothing close to that. I, I don't want to be a one-up story guy, and even if I did, uh, <laughs> I, I don't have anything to one-up that. Um, it wasn't like that's why I was saying it wasn't Sandlot stuff. But uh, I I just I can I've such clear like I I know so positively the feeling of being in like the family swimming pool and like Oof. realizing that in fact you don't have the energy to get to the step that you thought you did. Oh shit! And just like ah, <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking singular. It's not. I I did not get break through to the calmness. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 just the pure panic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Did you? So what? What was your like? How, how did it feel? Well, it was like the wave overpowered me, like the undertow of the wave. So that was the the main sensation. I kind of get what Russ says in like an earlier episode where he's like, they welcomed it when they were about to die. You know, like I I remember like giving up, like going limp, and just being like, I can't swim out of this wave. And that may have been like I learned somewhere like folk beach wisdom that you're not supposed to fight the undertow. Just let it take you and come out on the other side. I don't know if that's actually good advice, though. I think it is. Uh, well, not. If, yeah, I think it is, but it's not risk free. <laughs> like, well, what's the risk free option? You're in the fucking undertow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, so I, I remember like, I did feel like it's like, I was like, it's whatever it is, it's happening. And then it was like, that's as I was like getting flipped up. It was almost like, I felt like Bart Simpson getting like shaken by Homer, you know, of just being like, Bleh. and then it was just like head hit sand hard, like felt like getting hit hard in the head. Uh, and then just like blackness. And then, like, looking up, laying down, lifeguard, being like, you okay? I, you know, I got you. And then I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And then everyone was like, the lifeguard had to go get you, dude. You're fucking, you know. But I didn't, I don't remember any, like, fucking wild. It was darkness, dude. Like, it went darkness and then wake up. It wasn't, it was wild to me. Maybe you did, you know. Maybe it's this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why you can't disprove it. You got to take the twinges seriously. Like they're part of whatever you have to make sense of what's going on. Anyway. So as far as, you know, like uh, what is the vision of the show? Um, Like uh, all this stuff about like time being a flat circle. Mm-hmm. seems like they're landing on it's not i wonder man i mean i guess if here's a simple case for it like i was saying before uh you know i think that errol thought that he was going into his final battle uh winning right and in fact he didn't so you read about that true. clearly he was wrong true and if he was wrong about that then he was probably wrong about everything else true well, I feel like it's like in some ways it's like exactly. I think you're right. I didn't mean to cut you off. Actually, sorry. No, I'm that was sorry. it. That was the end. Okay. Uh, I do think the clip. Obviously, I mean, it's the last lines of the show, but it it does hit like you know the oldest story being light versus dark, like. And I know we've like talked about like you know the beauty of the flower is fed by the death in the soil, like embedded in the soil that it feeds on. You know what I mean? It, in which it will become. Uh, but it's like, is it worth it? I think that's one question. And that's another way of saying, is the act of bringing life into the world an act of love, you know? And, uh, I think Russ is reoriented around the answer being yes, uh, in a felt sense kind of way. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's a literally like in the 12 steps when they talk about a, a power greater than yourself, like, whether that's his true self revealing itself or the universe or God or gnosis or whatever, it is literally a force that is greater than what the the self he was before he went. We haven't even mentioned that he saw the abyss, but like before he saw and went into the abyss at the moment of his death and what was revealed when he lost the mask of self was love, you know, which is like... I agree that the, the, you know, I, I think another thing that I noticed, like, um, many people have said, like, ultimately you can talk about stories many ways, but like the light versus dark story, I think another way of looking at stories is like, there's two kinds of, you know, many people have said this, uh, it's either a tragedy or a comedy. The Joker has said this, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe one way of like dividing them is and like, Lennon. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, and, you know, if you take Russ's conception of... Walrus. 
Okay. You, you want to go on? No, it's a Big Lebowski joke. Oh, okay. I don't get. I I've seen Big Lebowski many times, but I don't know that they. I don't know that quote. Whenever Donnie is misidentifying <laughs> which Lennon he's talking about. Oh, okay. Interesting. Anyway, I just think uh, it's like a tragedy if dark wins. It's a comedy if light wins, you know? And what happened before it is kind of irrelevant to that distinction. And, you know, like we've talked about, like with the, the massive graves and then the one grave with the cross with the abyss in between. Like, again, like it's if the small self that you have is only conceiving of like a limited nihilistic universe of death, then a power that allows you and, and your conception of life and your existence to transcend that is by definition a power greater than yourself, you know. Uh, so I think like that's the ultimate comedy is that like God can transfigure this existence, whether it's just we are still swimming in the waters of like neoplatonism so we can only conceive of that as a return to a whole or you know the brokenness of this world is like a yearning for wholeness or if that's just like a complicated metaphor for some biological thing or whatever it is definitely part of how we are making sense of our world and it is an act of faith to be like light could win i, I want to help it to me that immediately brings it the scary possibility that what you think is light is actually dark but again like listen to you got to listen to the twinges you know I think like, anyway, I just think, uh, oh, the other thing I would say is there's like a shot right when he's like, they're fighting Errol uh, after he headbutts him, which again is interesting. Like, you know, drop the mask, your face, your head. It's like it's his final weapon is his own skull. But like the way he breaks Errol's nose makes it red. And the way they do the makeup to me and the way they shot it, was like right as Russ is ascending into the abyss, he is rendering death at, into a clown. Like it, it is like a classical comedy in that regard. And like the, if you freeze the frame or like if you see the wide shot frame of Errol, like as he's going down, the blood on his face is only on his nose. So it like, and his hair is all freaky. So it looks like, you know, it's bozo looking like in in other words you know he's he's turned this tragedy at least for russ there is a not a comedy like you know it's not a, a classic comedy like Step Brothers that you would wait in line for mm -hmm. but you know it, it's a it, it's a comedic ending you know in the way i guess the divine comedy i don't know i haven't read that but you know probably the way they made it past the class on it but really i haven't read it either there you go so what was the problem in college, then, if you could pass classes without reading it, like, what, why? I got bad grades. Oh, okay. Like, and that's not good I enough for you. I said pass, not A. You are, you like to do things well. Well, it'd become, it, like, uh, it, it would have taken more to finish. Like, so you the were level like, I of, can't keep getting away with this. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, 100%. Okay. <laughs> and, like, I saw how much I would have needed to do to, like, and I was just like, so I don't, like, if I had done that, I don't think that I would have enjoyed it. Like, it, like the kind of person that they would like the, that they would have been certifying that I was. I didn't want to be that person. Sure, sure, sure. So, like putting in that level of effort to get something I didn't want seemed preposterous. And your life has worked out well without it. That is it's funny how rare that is, though. Most people just wouldn't care. They'd join a fraternity and have a good time. Uh, you know that it wasn't that college, dude. 
Oh wait, I think I was. They literally didn't have fraternities, and also they were not. <laughs> I didn't know. They that. didn't have the option of passive. Like they took great. Like it's a point of pride for all of them. Of like, but you're very smart, dude. I'm not trying to butter you up, uh, but it just is tr- hard for me to fathom. I'm not trying to be. Too I mean, no weird one's about smart this. about a book they haven't read. Yeah, and I guess Wikipedia wasn't really popping then. Or I mean, whatever. I would Cliff's Notes a lot of stuff. I would think, yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm just thinking, like, I would think you could go to, like, Harvard and, like, do no. fine. No, absolutely not. Like, I guess I have a weird concern. I don't know, Also, man. I think it is possible. Like, I, I know, whatever, dude. Uh, people who haven't been there won't believe me on this, but, like, uh, maybe they shouldn't because I haven't been to Harvard. But also, like, you know, if you don't know, I don't really care about your opinion, right? Um, it, I think that they probably had a more like we ought to punish these kids, not punish, but like rigorously test these kids yeah. than like Harvard may have felt. Like they they took real okay, pride sure, sure. in the idea that this was like some severe trials and tribulations that uh, you know, you're going to have to get through to see that fucks people up because then you get people who went to college like me where it's like nobody got below a three point five. And then we're both applying to grad schools and stuff. Yeah. And you have to be like, no, you have to understand. I go to one of those colleges that thinks it's fucking 1865 and they're molding me into a. It was a really, they, there was only one world to them, the world inside the school, like mm-hmm. in many ways, you know, like they, they, well, it would not a, have occurred to them to care about what you're like. Why would you go to grad school elsewhere? You know what? Wow. That's in it. I didn't consider that. The other interesting thing to think about is like, you know, obviously we're talking about the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic institution in Texas, the Metroplex, the South. What would you say? I'd say the South, yeah. The South, Notre, Notre the Dame country the South. except for Notre Dame. Well, uh, the Pope said it was one of two truly Catholic institutions with uh, Steubenville being the other one. That was in an earlier episode. Right. It ain't Georgetown. No, no, no. Okay. So it's it's like interesting, like, you know, even as we're like the progressive movement, you know, not to Jason Horsley out, but the Fabian movement is in it scandalous that they were like, we'll mold children through educational experiments and programs. It's like the fuck were, do we think the Jesuits were, dude? They're famous for that saying, give me the child until they're seven and I will decide who they are. That's like the ultimate MK Ultra. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I think they really, that culture, there, there are veins in it. You're the expert with respect to University of Dallas and obviously growing up in the Catholic Church the way you did. But it does seem like the way like the Chinese government is reported to think, some heads of corporations are reported to think, like past presidential administration timelines, past even centuries of just being like, yeah, we've been here. You know what I mean? Like we're going to prioritize what's allowed us to exist as the premier like center of wealth and power for the past 2000 years. I understand you're mad about our system of handling pedophilia. Believe me, we're not thrilled ourselves. We have some changes to make. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like it's like the insularity of the culture is maybe what made it so powerful and keeps it so powerful. And I'm not saying the university of Dallas was up to anything bad, but it's like, it makes sense that... No, if they ever had any priests or accused of anything, I'm not aware of it. Yeah, I think that's also how that kind of goes. You just kind of... Well, you know what? I was about to make some joke. You, you know, you just find out like, oh, two transfers later, like somebody actually called the real police. <laughs> like, you know, and then it's like, oh, fuck. 
That's that explains all of that. But then it's like when you went to public school, were there janitors or like just weird employees or weird teachers or something where like the kids were all kind of like that person's weird. Don't be near them. Certainly don't be alone with them where that was kind of like the vibe. The the kids all kind of know, you know, Boy, that's I mean, I, I again, I, I'm not aware of any allegations against anyone at the school, but I, I would my intuition is the opposite. Like, I definitely I'm worried about the charismatic ones. I am I agree the ones to worry about are when they don't know, but it doesn't mean they're wrong when the kids all kind of have a sense that somebody's weird. I'm like they're not always wrong. I know I don't think we were always wrong. Nothing specifically springs to mind there. I felt like there was always one or two in in my public school experience where it's like, yo, that guy's obviously a per. Like we would make jokes about like which girls in the class he liked because he looked at them so much. He was a janitor. You know what I mean? Like, and that makes me almost feel good. Not that he worked there, but that it was like, we spotted him. I think no, your radar was sensitive. Well, no, it was my other friends. Like the jokes landed, dude. I, other kids made them. And I would say to your, you know, I know the satanic panic causes us all to worry about the poor victims, but it's not like anyone told on him and was like, he's a creep. But I still think that's worth paying attention to if the kids are all like, yeah, we make jokes that this guy's weird. True Detective Season 3 kind of gets at this, though. Like, obviously, that can be a vehicle for other prejudices. I'm just saying it's not always wrong. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I think innocent until proven guilty is a good system. For sure. I'm not saying putting anybody in jail. I'm not even saying fire them. So, anyway. I, not to be, like, uh, overly obvious... But, um, you know, the, the final lines of the show are, to my memory, the only time that Russ gives an indication that he believes that things can get better. I think that's their significance to me when he says, you know, that uh, I think him, so. the light's winning. Like, that that's the transformation we've been talking You know, I mean, like, it feels like every episode we've referred to, well, you know what happens at the end. And the thing that I would, you know, just to plainly describe what I believe happens at the end, mm-hmm. he acknowledges that, you know, improvement is possible mm-hmm. um, and that, that good things can grow. And, uh, you know, so that seems to contradict many of his past stances and indicate mm-hmm. personal growth for him. I think that's right. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. Um, I had another thing. I don't remember. You got stuff about... No, I mean, I think that's exactly right. I, I I also think it is interesting, like, it's like... Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's all right. Um, but, yeah, just uh, I, you, you mentioned, and I think we should talk about, like, what what do you... I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to make of right before Errol attacks him, that uh-huh. the ceiling starts... I mean, the spinning thing rem- calls to mind uh, both hurricanes and spirals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, uh, I like... Why does the ceiling start moving? Well, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's like interesting, like plot wise, they do lay a seed by him being like, yeah, what happened in my head doesn't get better. So it's like, cause I think on an earlier episode. That's right. That's right. You yeah. Know, so it's like, he still has the visions. No, it's in this episode, now? like right before that. Yeah. I think I, what yeah. I was going to say is oh, I think sorry. on an earlier episode, we talked about whether he's still having them. And we, we did. Both we did. Were like, and I then don't it really clearly know. answered it in this. Yeah. 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 Because he had told, uh, the detectives, 
he was like, yeah, no, it stopped a right, while ago. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. And then he Clearly does reveal true. to Marty that, like, he was plainly lying to them and that it's always going to go on. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't get the sense he's always seeing the abyss like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like that is, like, it looked like a black hole, which is mm -hmm. the closest we've come to describing getting outside of the flat circle of time. Like, that... Okay. It eat time. Black holes eat time. You know, him who eats time. You know, and it's like, it's also, it symbolizes just utter darkness, and which is the, you know, again, like the way whatever her name says, you know, like before you were born and when you die. Like, mm -hmm. that's often how we conceive that, which is also like, uh, you know, the act of being created, the act of coming into being itself. It, it, another way of saying everything I just said is, that is itself the ignition of the light. Like there's darkness and then there's light. It doesn't really seem to be the case that there's light and then there's darkness. You know what I mean? Like it, it usually seems like the darkness like flares up for a time. And rust has like in, in our experience, in our perception, you know, I'm jumping around a little bit, but like our life, our ability to apprehend reality, at least as far as we can really tell and remember, you know, like when the minister says in the deleted scene, like, how can I forget who I am? If there is something more than what we are right now, we have forgotten it. <laughs> like, I have no fucking clue who I was before I was me mm -hmm. and what I will be afterwards. I don't think it will be me, the way I conceive of me. I think I will become a different... How do you mean... You know, remotely confident about that i have no fucking clue dude i mean it's very it's mostly See, that's darkness. a defensible position the, i'm sure that i won't be me is totally indefensible in my well opinion. i don't think i'm me even after saying that sentence i wasn't the me that said it you know what i mean uh yeah. so but i also see what you're saying like there is some i don't think i'm god and can just do whatever i want i think other people do i exist. also don't think you're god Thank you. I have no doubt that you are telling me the truth right now, <laughs> like on many, both with your belief and as close as we can come to apprehending it. Uh, but I don't, so all I'm saying is like the, the light at, is the life. Like our lives are the, the light in this big animating metaphor. Like in, in terms of Russ's beef with creation, why are we here? Is it right to bring a child into this world? He's basically, I feel like it's like the whole time he's, he's been like, this is a curse. Like it's actually all darkness and we've apprehended something false and this is all evil and we shouldn't be here. And he's still saying he shouldn't be here, but for a completely different reason. And I think he's now saying yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's, whatever he's saying, like is bringing these, the stars into existence, whatever calls the light out of the darkness, it is making something different. And that is itself a victory, even if they eventually will recede back into the darkness. Like just while they're here and while like we're here to see them, some of those stars are even dead, but like we're still apprehending them and seeing them. You know what I mean? Like dead in the, in the way we think of them in a temporal timeline. So I feel like it, it literally is like the, we've, we've said this throughout the podcast. It's not like a, a huge secret, but it's so well done. Like the, it's the reversal of his complete worldview. 
like in a pretty believable way i think uh i like that he got in a shot at being like don't watch tv when you're a kid basically if you want to reverse your worldview uh but he like he went into the darkness and i think he saw and I, this hit me as a parent when I, when i think to myself i mean the show can't if you watch the show enough to podcast about it like this you end up thinking like geez did i call my daughter out of something better than this for this just for what jason horsley thinks it's to make her a container for my own trauma and if that's a way of saying to give her a life experience which i've also had and found to be worthwhile so far while also agreeing it's traumatic maybe he's right i just think that if i can also teach her that power is greater than herself can help her make meaning out of all of this and help other people, it will somehow be worth it in a way I can't really explain. So I almost think it's like the show has taught me to be like, is it just a matter of perspective? He's kind of right, but it's an act of love. Like the act of creation is itself an act of love. The fact that we are here suggests that the animating foundation of the universe is you know, possibly good or loving because it's it's good that anything's here beyond darkness. And so, you know, just try to make room for that where you can. I feel like it's uh it's how Rust has always been living. He's always been like a warrior for the light, but he's finally like reoriented his consciousness by like plunging it head first, you know, into the the black hole out of the circle. He really did kind of ascend the disc in the loop and then came back to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think that we're rejecting the idea that the disc and the loop are, right? We're rejecting? Well, that I mean, that's what I was asking before, and you seem not along to everything. I don't remember exactly, but... Just the, if, if it's Errol's conception of the world, and then Errol is, like, obviously wrong? Well, I think it... Yeah, well, I think it... And if he, things can get better, then things are not stuck in the same. Like, the the idea that Rust is, like, saying that, like, uh, you know, the light's winning. Like, in a conception of time where it's a flat circle, there is no winning. Like, it has won and lost simultaneously at all times. But I think what he's saying is the fact that the light exists is the win. Like, once there was darkness only, and now there's light, and so it's winning. Where it's like... Like, there's more of light than there used to be there's a progression right right and so it's winning that according to him if We're, there can be a progression then it's not a flat circle i guess i see what you're saying unless the flat circle is that it always won and it always will and that redeems all of this even at oh well, yeah, yeah okay. you know like yeah, even I, as I it's happening because i didn't walk like he wasn't exactly like guess time it time can change you know like he or you know what I mean? He he's just like yeah. I don't think they're gonna flatly state the answers. Well, too I, often I agree. Although I find it interesting that they talk about like the M brain theory, and mm -hmm. then like I do think season two is really really good, as I've you know said. But also season three is really great, and I don't want to yeah, like season three is awesome. Yeah, I, I really like them all a lot. But I I do think one thing that's interesting, without like jumping too far ahead or giving too much away is like season one is by far the most depraved in terms of the the otherworldliness of the villains. Like it's the one that flirts the heaviest with supernatural elements, even if it doesn't deliver them the way, you know, it, others might have. 
Uh, but Errol himself is the most monstrous. Like the villain in season two is more just self-interest and bureaucracy and just regular guys who want to fuck, you know, young chicks, but not children. Yeah. And the <coughs> and villain in season three is nearly sympathetic. Exactly. Definitely done out of love in many ways. Uh, and so it's like, it, you know, I, I, I think that's purposeful. Uh, and I, I think that may be why people didn't get exactly what they were expecting. But I think it's like the show kind of does. It's interesting that he he doesn't seem to have thought of a three, you know, season anthology arc at the outset. But it's interesting how it coheres. No, his comments are clear that that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it is interesting that it coheres. Did we say on the show that they're making season four, but he's not attached? I didn't know that. Yeah, HBO's making season four, but he said on his Instagram he's... He dropped out, basically. He likes control, I think. I think if it doesn't work for him, he'll not fuck with it. So he was like, he supports season four, but he's not involved with it. Yeah, I hope it goes well. I mean, there are other talented people out there capable of making television, so I'm not precluding the idea that it's good. Yeah. I, I would like think the, that the level of talent you could attract to that name is probably substantial. It's got to be high. I, and I, I kind of like that the three will stand. I mean, whatever else happens, they're a great trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's final thing for me. Okay. Um, I, I was just uh, just thinking about the name Rust. Um, True. You know, uh, you big Neil Young guy? No, but I've thought this so many. I mean, I am sort of. I, I think I know where you're going, and I have thought this plenty of times, but I'm surprised. It is. I'm glad you're bringing it up. We've never. So uh, he's got a song. Uh, he. On he plays it twice, like there's an acoustic and a, a up tempo electrified version. Uh -huh. um, hey hey my my, uh, and well, I think and that he the wait wait sorry is it's the, the, depending on the version is flipped. Yes, is that what you're saying? My no, my hey it's hey. It's like is the, the subtitle is out of the blue into the black. Yeah yeah yeah. It's just kind of long bright dark at night a little bit. Sure cool. yeah yeah. That yeah. could have made it onto the jukebox at least. I thought you were going to say Russ never sleeps. Isn't that Neil Young? Yeah, that's where I'm going. Oh, shit. My bad. Sorry, um, I thought I had you wrong. Whenever he had the acoustic one, uh, like he, that already existed, um, he like jammed it out with uh, Devo. And Mark Mothersbaugh, before he was in Devo, or maybe concurrent with being in Devo, was uh, like worked in the world of advertising. Okay. And I don't remember if it was like that his company had the account. I think that it's he personally uh, came up with it. Um, the, the one of their clients was Rust Oleum Paint, ah. and so uh, like he, so he had made the line "Rust never sleeps." And whenever they were like jamming it out, like he oh, just threw cool. it out there, you know, like at one of the points, and Neil fucking loved it and named the tour after it and named the album after it, and you know oh, included cool. it permanently whenever he like uh, took it to Crazy Horse to like work up their version of it. Okay. Um, and like I just I I love like the level it works on with the Rust Oleum paint of like yeah you know, the, the paint is uh, indefatigable. No way I'm pronouncing that right. I think you got um, it, and that's a dangerous one. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, but also that like the, you know, you, you're buying the paint to prevent against uh, entropy as represented by rust. So like True. the the danger, like both our, our, our product uh, cannot be stopped, but also the danger is constantly lurking. 
Right. Um, and, yeah. you know, Me like, too. so just, I always, like, think about Rust along those lines, right? Yeah. Of, like, in, in, taking away the paint, like, duality aspect, uh, like, just Rust itself, um, you know, like, it is entropy, it's it's decay, but, like, uh, it's also change, which, like, right. all change in some ways, like, kind of has to be growth. Right. Um, For, you know, I mean, way. like, like it's, it's, as something is rusting, it's becoming something else. True. And like, that's, that's a process of evolution. It's, it's a moving forward in the life cycle of that thing. Right. Like not towards a more, uh, you know, like fruitful period. Right. But like a moving forward nonetheless. Right. And uh, I just, I think it's, you know, I was just, it occurred to me like, like, I don't even know how the thought popped into my head. It was like, as the episode like credits were closing. I was like, why is his name rust? And then like all this kind of like popped up. Um, I, you know, who knows how much, uh, but I, I suspect I he probably thought, thought of all this, but, uh, a character named rust who never sleeps. Definitely T-bone Burnett at least is like, you know, there's a fucking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, just even like, not necessarily like that specifically, but like, um, fucking, you know, just the idea of like rust being a thing that like, it's not cheery, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's decay. It's, it's the proof of entropy, but like, it's, uh, you know, like it's got its own determination and, yeah. you know, it, it is like propelling things forward. And it works with the cold too. Cause it's like, he is cold, you know, it takes time. Yeah. It takes 17 years. <laughs> yeah. He also, obviously, you know, he hates the cold, but goes back to Alaska and all that too. But it's like the whole time. It's also true, like, well, that's interesting, too, now that you mention it, man. It's like, what happens when something rusts often? Like we said, I think last episode, maybe. Like Marty said about rust, like, you get, you get brittle. You know? Sure. Things rust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the cold. Dude, rust cold gets brittle. Your dude. eyes look brittle. Yeah, pretty interesting. Pretty cool, dude. Yeah. It's a good show. I really do think we would lose our remaining 10 listeners, but... We could do eight more episodes just watching it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it. It's it's a rich text. There's a lot in it. it. Definitely is. No, it's it's awesome. You know, I wonder how long it'll be before I watch it again. It's gonna be a minute for me. I'm not gonna lie. I, it, yeah, because I already have like Sopranos. Is it's not a lot of surprises left. No, some surely there will be, but they're on the level of being like, whoa. You know what I mean? I think it's like little stuff. Like it's it's not going to be plot dynamics or whatever. It's going to be like yeah. noted, like oh that dude's name's Eddie. Also, wow. You know, or like I'm not saying we've uncovered every stone. Definitely not. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, we'll also be different. We'll have listened to different podcasts and read different websites. Mm -hmm. You know, and make different connections. Some of them better than others. You know, I feel like uh, honestly, this is our first effort at. Long form media criticism in the podcast format. I think we're better at it now than when we started, just like Rust. Sure. And yeah, I, no, this, this has been cool, man. Uh, I, I'm grateful to go on this journey with you. I think so. All right. All right. Uh, we'll listening. take off next week, like we said. Then right, uh, right. we'll be back with some other stuff. With a YouTube video. And a YouTube video? Next, we're watching a YouTube video next time, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, okay. okay.